Well, we may be just a dirty little banter cast, but we're here to talk gibberish, aren't we, Dom? <laughs> dirty little banter cast? Yeah, I'm, I'm starting with this one because I, we, you and I have sent texts back and forth. It's been a while since we were last on uh, mic together, yeah. and we, uh, we, we've been finding more and more podcast articles. I don't yeah. know how, but I think I'm just getting more fed to me through, I use uh, Google News, like the little trends thing. If you swipe yeah. left on your phone, you get this uh, Google News feed that might interest you, and nine times out of ten, it's Joe Rogan related for me, so yeah. we'll be talking about that. Just as part of the general kind of weird reaction to podcasting that we're seeing in traditional media. And I think they're they're doing the same thing they've done with YouTube for a while, where they want to kind of discredit it and shun off these uh, these creators and like smaller personalities off to the side because they're the OGs. Why aren't they making all the money on this yeah. new format that they don't understand? Well, what bugs me most about the sort of current state of podcasting is podcasting to me was always something that anybody could do. Like, I mean, it's still a thing that anybody could do, but the market is becoming incredibly saturated with sort of bigger names. Like Con- you sent me a picture of fucking Conan O'Brien on the cover of yeah. Variety, well, saying like the yeah. new sound or something like that. I was like, okay, Conan O'Brien has a hit TV show. He's just been greedy going to the other. He, he's a massive celebrity influence. He's a very talented comedian. He was. A, I didn't know he was a writer on The Simpsons for the early seasons. Yeah. And when you find that out, you say, "Oh, that's why he's so funny." Right? Yeah. Got it. He's a genuinely funny human being. His stuff on I think uh, at the YouTube start of the Simpsons, it was Conan O'Brien, uh, Tracy Ullman, and a comedian called Dana Gould, and they th- those three basically just like, the good, however many seasons, yeah, up to because I think season twenty two is when people just stopped fucking paying attention, and yeah. now into season thirty three, no one gives a shit. But the first solid twenty odd seasons, yeah, were written by these three at separate times. That's yeah. why it was good, and th- those people are now doing other things because people realise, oh, they're talented writers. Let's yeah. get them doing other shit. Remind me to talk about The Simpsons later because I've got stuff I want to recommend people to watch, but uh, remind me about that later. Okay. We'll continue with podcasting. Where the idea that people want, or corporations don't understand the fact that uh, corporate podcasting isn't working very well. And people forget podcasting started as a hobby. Yeah, That's where it belongs mostly. Like that's where the soul of the, the community really is. Yeah, I'd agree. Because I don't think... I mean, it's always been my thing. If I enjoy doing something, I don't really want to turn it into a career, which is why I've had very, very lengthy conversations with Argic. Yeah. Because he, he's he's going that way. He's going to start making money off Twitch soon. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's been making a little bit of scratch here and there from subscriptions yet, but he's making he's going to be making money yeah. off of Twitch. He's going to try and make his main income. And all power to him, but I would hate to take something that I enjoy doing, like video games or, mm. I mean, I fucking love doing the podcast. As much as I'd like to make some money off this, I wouldn't like to make it my main source of income. This is becomes, this is our event, this is our hobby, yeah, this I, is how we get the evil shit out the side of the head. <laughs> go back and listen to our discussion on uh, high school, your high school days being shit. Go back and listen to our discussion on me getting grounded for dumb shit. This is a vent for me. Yeah. I'd hate for this to become a job. This is cheaper than therapy. Cheaper, Fucking cheaper than therapy by a mile. Yes. <laughs> and it, I'd hate to kind of take the the fun aspect of it and just pile on responsibility and make yeah. it a, make it a career and what have you it'd yeah. just be it would cheapen it for me but the the article we read was uh, i think we both read this one from the new york times where they were talking about the the fact that these uh, these clean corporate podcasts can't quite get a, a foot in the door or some of them don't work and, or people try and start these new ventures hmm. these new shows uh, on podcasting networks and it doesn't go anywhere and people don't understand why, and it's because you are people who just look at this and say, I think I can make a quick bit of cash out of this, not understanding the market is already pretty much full. If you're doing yeah. this to make money, 
bad fucking times. There's no new medium right now. There's nothing new that really requires a new influx of the same podcast again and again and again. Yeah, there is a definite saturation of the podcast market right now because we are we get a we get a good download rate for Jibberfish. Yeah. And we, we have are, a consistent audience of people who enjoy listening yeah, to our dumb I, am, I hate the phrase blessed, but I'm incredibly fucking blessed by it. Like Papa Bless, man. Papa Bless. <laughs> Papa Bless. We we get a we get a good sort of consistent fan base, but there are other I mean, I like to think that we're slightly unique because we just fucking throw darts at every corner in the room and try and mm. hit something. We try and cover a bit of everything. That's but, what makes us a dirty banner cast. Yeah. We don't wake up in one day, it is time to produce our podcast about this show yeah. or about this idea or looking at this through the lens of professionals who do this thing or this thing. Do you, do you remember a, the Gamer Cafe through in Glasgow called Megabytes? Yes. They did a podcast and uh, I think I genuinely think the guy's name might be John, but for the sake of argument, we'll call him John anyway. Uh, John showed me his podcasting schedule, what they go through, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Me and Colin, we don't do that shit. What the fuck's a schedule? We, there's there's a research period which is called between the two episodes where we just watch whatever the fuck we yeah, want to talk about text it. Text back and forth, saying, dude. I want to talk about this, or dude, the hero dropped in Smash Bros. Or yeah, can you do this? Like can this. like can you look into this so we can have an equal conversation? Yeah. So it's not just me saying, "Do you know about this?" And you go, "No, no." <laughs> but there's uh the like the lack of people who respect podcasting as a hobby is a weird issue that i'm seeing a lot come through in articles being written by you know reasonably well-sized newspapers with yeah. good circulation uh who now have switched on the di- digital market yeah and, and who probably have, to, have some yeah. kind of podcast by themselves because i know the guardian and the new york times all have some kind of podcast oh they all do every writer in that place has a podcast because yeah. they want to try and get their opinion out there and they want to also use it to make money on the site yeah because I don't know how well writing pays, but if you could have a second income, why wouldn't you? Yeah, if you could supplement your income with something else, go for it. But yeah. uh, I think... Well, the, the one we read was the funniest one because they had a, they actually comment on the fact that this, the person they're talking about is a freelance journalist. and is somebody, So it is somebody who doesn't have a steady income, but thought, I'll try podcasting and make a bit of money. Uh, this, this podcaster or this person made a, a side show podcast where they would sit with their friend in, a, in like a back room of a library and record audio on an iPhone just to try and make the audio, like, to try and give it some production value, I guess. I have no idea why. What the fuck? Well, Dom's technical interlude there allows me the perfect setup for this dumb bit because I'm going to record the audio right now for this segment on my phone. Okay. And we're going to see how it sounds just talking into the microphones as we are now and then also having a conversation over the phone, like, through the actual phone. So let's have a look at that, shall we? So can you imagine if the entire Jibberfish podcast was made like this? Yeah, can you imagine if we kept it real, not using these fancy microphones yeah. that we just recorded? You probably still picking me up on that one as well. We are, but I can mute that and yeah. do this. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like if we had to record solely through Collins? What kind of phone are you rocking? Uh, Honor 10. Yeah, the Honor. We'd be trying to shout, we'd have to... Yeah, but we'd, we'd be keeping it real, Colin. We'd, we'd be, be keeping it down to earth with yeah. the kids. We'd be uh, keeping it down with the youths. We'd be doing relatable podcasting as opposed to, you know, using reasonably, like... Not expensive mics that we're going to switch back to now. But this is, like, we put effort into the setup for this, and we... Yeah. I say effort. I, I bought microphones. That's all I did. I didn't yeah, I didn't record that, on an iPhone, but you yeah. can see the difference. And people are, don't understand that that won't work. Because in a hobby, you want to get better. That is the bargain basement level of investment. <laughs> that is the, this. Right, what we're rocking here. This is this is PC world. Go, this is the equivalent of going and buying a brand new laptop at PC world. Yes. Using your phone is like finding a ten-year-old laptop in a basement to say, "Fuck <laughs> it, I'll use this. This can this can word process." It runs Excel. Fuck <laughs> it. This will this will do. Why am I, why am I, why am I not at the top of the corporate game right now? Yeah, with it my, runs on Windows two thousand. Yeah. 
I, and that's it's a great analogy actually of using like the wrong tech for the job yeah. even just as a hobbyist as an enthusiast but if you were trying to make money at this which these people were clearly trying to do also by the way there were two women running a help podcast even though neither of them were like certified in any way to give advice on anything they weren't therapists they weren't uh, experienced people in the workplace they weren't managers they weren't anything they were just freelance journalists who wanted to like get emails in asking for help kind of like uh Oh, what's the one that we have here, like Ask Susie or something like that? Oh, like the Agony Ant. Uh, Agony Ant stuff, yeah. Columns and shit. What a fucking they wanted to do that type of podcast. Mystic which... Meg, Septic Peg, all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mystic Meg is a whole different deal. It's like, I think my husband might be cheating on me. Well, well I looked at the stars and therefore we can conclude that he's actually fucking your dog. So, frankly, <laughs> shoot them both. <laughs> the stars have showed me that... What's your, what's your husband's name, Frank? Yeah, he, he's banging your neighbour five doors down. But your neighbour's a man. Ooh. that's what the stars say <laughs> don't take it up with me bitch it's too legally <laughs> non-binding <laughs> <laughs> the views expressed in this BBC programme are not, ex- not expressive of Mystic Meg herself but no it's uh, it's just fascinating to see people struggle to get the the corporate side of a hobby and get it to work because we're we're hobbies we're geeks we're enthusiasts yeah. that's what we do we we do this in several different mediums and people are saying I just don't know how to make money at this it's because well, it's not designed to make money. Yeah, first things first. If it's a hobby, don't try and make money out of it. If you can, if you can somehow parlay some aspect of it into making a little bit of scratch, by all means pursue it. But never start doing something with the express view to make money. You start doing something because you want to do it. Yes. It's like when I watched a, a movie called I Know That Voice, produced by John DiMaggio, and it's him just literally going around all his many, many hundreds of voice actor friends, and the the guy that voices. Uh, Porky Pig, a guy named uh, Bob Bergen, funnily mm. enough, said, never do something because you want to make money. Do something because you get high at the microphone. Do something because you get a genuine joy out of seeing the end product, which is you voicing the character on screen. Or in our case, the podcast. We, we get people, especially now more regularly this year when we restarted it, Yeah, just checking the Twitter every now and again, seeing people saying, chilling out the back with a beer, listening to the Jibberfish boys. That genuinely, I was like, fuck. I like that. Yeah, that's. I mean, not not that I'm saying it's like, yeah, we've got fucking followers and shit, but I'm, at least a I like of the, people. I like the fact that there's. And this is going to sound weird because I hear in every streamer, YouTuber, and everything, they say I like the fact they've got a community here. That's nice. It yeah. means a lot, and especially like now, a lot of people talk about mental health, the lack of communities, lack of yeah. interaction with people, even just having that little kind of nice, it's a nice little feeling. Yeah. But here's where things get really interesting for you and I. Because 90% of these articles that we read about people not understanding the community of podcasting or not understanding why corporate podcasting doesn't work is because they look at Joe Rogan and say, how does he do it? Now, you and I are massive Joe Rogan fans. I obsessively listen to the podcast. I've watched his stand-up specials about four or five times each. And he's a very talented, funny guy. I'm probably the worst type of Joe Rogan fan, though, because I only listen to the episodes with comedians and the MMA breakdowns. All right. Because the MMA breakdowns just turn into complete shit shows because you've got Joe himself stoned off his dish. You've got Brendan <laughs> Shaw talking about fucking monkeys. And you've got uh, Eddie Bravo just going, the fucking fake six moon landings, Joe. <laughs> There's a drinking game. Watch episode, I think it's 9.45 or 9.54, and it's got all three of them in it. And every time... Eddie Bravo says they faked the moon landings. You take a drink. I guarantee you'll be drunk within the first hour and a half. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I don't, I don't really watch the... Because there's been a few really good episodes that I keep saying to myself, I'm going to listen to the Bernie Sanders episode. The you, Bernie Sanders episode is good. Yeah. I will get around to it. It's on my... It's on my list just now. Yeah. 
it just gets added on the list and you think oh, i've got so much and he produces so much content yeah. that's what a lot of people don't understand he's just doing this for fun and if you yeah. go back even just out like 50 episodes ago you will find him at some point saying i'm surprised this works i didn't yeah. mean to this isn't supposed to, i didn't start thinking this i just said i want to sit down with my buddies hang out have a couple drinks get smoke a little weed and then just take the piss out of whatever's going on on the planet yeah. right now that's all i want to do was just talk to comedians and i didn't anticipate it becoming this like his first sponsor was fleshlight yeah the the, <laughs> the, the hidden vagina like thing <laughs> that you could just randomly just pop on like a, a container have a quick wank and then throw away that was his first sponsor he he just did it for a laugh even then he didn't want to do this corporate thing but now it is seen as the the leviathan the the juggernaut that the standard to which all podcasting must be seen is this kind of massive corporate entity it didn't start like that and this is what every one of those people writing those articles doesn't get we found one yesterday that was close to understanding that that it was more about just chatting and shooting the shit it wasn't yeah. actually about doing certain things but then immediately that the articles the writer of that one immediately had their political bias and said but i disagree with how he conduct himself in these interviews with uh, various right-leaning mm. figures which is fine but it's yeah. it's at the same time it shows that people get so close to understanding why people enjoy podcasting as a as a hobby and then immediately just throws it out the window <laughs> yeah it's almost like you were so close to it but you just you disregarded all reason and went but he does this but i disagree with this thing he yeah. did it's like yeah most of us do as well we yeah. just we tolerate that because here's the one thing this is what i was thinking about. this is walking at work i walk into the shops the other day most of the people who listen to joe rogan podcast don't agree with everything he says yeah and we learned that that's okay from Joe Rogan, who says everyone he has on the podcast, he might not agree with everything they say. He has them on because they're interesting. Yeah. And I think that's the whole yeah. point of his podcast. He's willing... I think him and Phil DeFranco kind of think along the same line. Where yeah. does, they don't really care if they disagree with someone. That person is still worth talking to. Because mm-hmm. the... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Miley Annopoulos. Joe Rogan was one of the first people to interview him after his whole ban from Twitter and that kind of media meltdown that he had. Uh, Joe Rogan was one of the first people to talk to him and he said he even said straight to his face I disagree with you on certain things but they still had a really you know decent conversation it's yeah. probably it's a good episode to listen to it's probably a real prime episode to listen to if you want to see that want to see how Joe Rogan kind of handles what could be a tense situation yeah and I think most of that is how he carries himself he, he never really gets angry he kind of stays neutral throughout the whole thing and that in turn informs the podcast and how he conducts it yeah I just it baffles me that so many people spend so much time trying to crack the code but don't yeah. realise the answer is right there in front of yeah. you in the fucking podcast you're listening to to try and break the code. I just, you know, listen to someone. If you agree with them, it's fine. If you disagree with them, that's fine. Yeah. And we just, we tolerate that, listen to that and we just, we got on with the rest of our lives because it doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah, uh, trying to crack the code in a podcast isn't going to, isn't going to really do much to help the universe is it like i figured out why joe rogan's podcast is so good that's cool there are still other shit to worry about yeah you know there's you know, that old cancer bastard we're still trying to kick his ass we're, we're, we're this close to cracking the cancer thing but good for you for like working yeah. on the joe rogan issue yeah well uh, done you figured out that he just does it for fun yeah you he just he's just kind of entertaining and yeah. maybe not quite politically correct there who there, thought that the comedian would be entertaining what a <laughs> mysterious development hold on you're saying that he's a comedian and a fight commentator, so he knows how to he knows how to talk. Why, Colin Graham, sir? <laughs> <laughs> my my boy, you may have just cracked the code. By Jove. By Jim Buggery. <laughs> Buggery chimp, we figured it out. 
Speaking of actually, just to give it the, the quick shout out, it really deserves Flash gets animation Flash gets, yeah. of they've been on point for so they've been doing their own thing and it's been interesting to watch them do like they did a quick turnaround uh, thing where they did a 30 second episode about uh, Apex Legends destroying Fortnite. Turns out that kind of didn't happen, but at the same time, the video for it is very fucking funny. And they did 30 second animation and explained to their uh, audience how they did that in a week. Now, if you know anything about animation, that is a hell of an achievement for yeah. two guys sitting in a basement drawing as fast as they possibly can. So um, they did an episode about Joe Rogan actually interviewing a chimp. The Joe Rogan impersonation is actually really bad. Yeah. I there was a, the earlier one, you talked about the Conor McGregor video. Yeah. The impression there is much better. I don't know who changed something or who did what. I do think it's the same the same person, but if you've ever watched UFC, Joe Rogan puts on a commentator's voice. Yeah. He, he definitely changes it. I think it might be the same guy. He just changes the... I'll, I'll take a look and see if there's any behind the scenes that can confirm or deny that, but uh, the, the interview of a chimp is just like, let's just run through the like, the recurring 10 Joe Rogan <laughs> phrases of the dimethyltryptamine, <laughs> going in a float tank, stuff about chimps, Brendan Shaw being a creepy fucking weirdo, yeah. hiding in the background. <laughs> Jamie, load this video for me. <laughs> Jamie, load it. Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> when he's, he's got the, the chimp in a headlock, he's just like, have you ever seen this? Hey, Jamie, pull that video up for me. <laughs> He's got this fucking chimp that's freaking it's, out. In a it's headlock. so good. As Joe Rogan fans, it is so fucking yeah. on point. It's unreal. But the the Flash Gates guys have been doing really well. Like they're yeah, they've been killing. They did a they did an Xbox uh, like for E three. Like they did the, like the the fact that Microsoft is constantly surprised by the fact they do nothing releasing games and yet keep getting fucking pasted by Sony. <laughs> <laughs> but they just rely on Phil Spencer to kind of make it up on the day on E three. Yeah. <laughs> and his response is, ladies and gentlemen. Keanu Reeves <laughs> and it's him puppet and Keanu Reeves <laughs> hey guys I like games <laughs> hey guys cyberpunk <laughs> let's go samurai <laughs> and it was it just it's so accurate again like they have a very good insight into what makes shit happen yeah but yeah they've uh, the, we, we talked about that because they have uh, they released an episode or they released a, a vlog more like to camera type thing rather than animation saying that their uh, their series with Rooster Teeth has been cancelled yeah which baffles the fuck out of me. Like, I yeah. don't know why you would do that. And I think Rooster Teeth nowadays are getting a bit too quick on the, the let's cut ties button. Because mm. what started off with uh, the Vic Mignano thing, obviously, that I completely understand that. And I don't if know you if have concerns about stuff yeah. and with Rooster Teeth's uh, focus on community, yeah. I can understand why they would cut the cord on that one pretty fast, even if it turns out right now that might not have been the best idea. Yeah, that's going to definitely bite you in the ass. I'm not sure if we want to talk about that, because at this point it kind of feels like beating a dead horse. But we and can... it keeps developing in different yeah. ways, and I had no idea how to follow the Vic Mignano lawsuit no, 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 right no. now. It's, ridiculous. it's my points that I Keep made. an eye out, though, for Nick Ricada doing a summary. He wants The case has kind of slowed down. It's yeah. gone quiet for five minutes. That's the level of yeah. what the fuck in this case is. That <laughs> they we, stopped for lunch. It's quiet. We stopped for lunch. Exactly. They stopped for five minutes and it will start up all over again but uh, Nick Ricada of Ricada Law is going to try and do a summary of all the information he has to try and break it down into like it. he said he's going to try for 20 minutes Yeah, I don't think he's going to make no. that cut uh, my points mainly are about the process in of itself and how the because I don't think it's a proper court case I don't think they're in court I think they're more in uh, litigation just now it's, well they're in discovery right now but yeah. there's been tcpas which stay discovery all right so right now it's in evidence gathering but they're kind of hampered by the court's rules yeah. they're sending motions back and forth they're not actually in court in front of the judge unless there's uh, motions to be heard yeah other than that it is just right now figuring out all the information and gathering it all together because to i case. think that the legal professionals that are doing the questioning aren't asking the right questions uh, and the other 
witnesses to it, the outside of Vic Mignana, are doing their best to try and dissuade the questioning. Mm. I mean, uh, I mean, do you want to just fucking talk about it? Because I think we're probably going to have to. Uh, we can talk about it later. We can put up in this. Yeah, we can put it later. Yeah. I just go uh, back to. Yeah, we'll come back to it. But just these general uh, weird things that are doing right now where i mean right now there's uh they started the let's play family where they gather together as many gamers uh, as many gaming groups as they possibly could uh screw attack left screw attack left i'm sorry screw attack is still part of it but they splintered into screw attack and game attack game attack left right so a couple of the gamers from the screw attack thing left Hmm. and then they're down to screw attacks kind of animation and like chad's still there but he works for rooster's like uh, what's called the core right now Hmm. which is their like shorts and writing teams yeah uh but he he still does does death battle as the the voice of his boomstick is he not yeah he's uh he's boomstick i think wiz is still there but he might he might just do that and a couple other things but there's there's no screw attack content anymore it's now just death battle yeah they just do death battle the death battle cast and death battle x which is just they're doing death battle content exclusively and then chad works with rooster teeth's hmm. kind of comedy group yeah. um and then they've had splinters off of that uh, a group called cow chop have lost like three of their original founding members or something yeah. I've, um, seen, I've seen them in a i think the only time i've ever seen any of them it was in you've you've seen talking stockings on funhouse yes the fucking shit show brilliant show that that is it is a deliberate like kind of parody of late night talk yeah. shows and stuff like that it's fucking it's but it's so absurd it's so yeah it's like everybody takes a massive hit of cocaine right before they start yeah. filming they just get as bombed as humanly possible i think they do it right after the drunk streams yes so when they did drunk mario party <laughs> within about 10 minutes they were doing talking stockings then uh bruce screen just starts smashing the setup with a fucking uh, sledgehammer yeah so yeah that's the only sort of interaction i've seen with couch up but i've seen them kind of put their name a bit about there. A lot of people in sort of Funhouse and Rooster's Teeth have been talking. Yeah, a lot of people like them because they have that very kind of, uh, I, want, I want to call it like the immature old school YouTube attitude where it's just, let's just fucking do shit for fun. Yeah. And they, they had their series of like, they would order random shit from Amazon and like stress test it by beating the fuck out of it or like slagging it off or just like throwing it. Like, I wonder if this keyboard works if I throw it against the wall. Woof! <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was their entire channel with just random violent yeah. shit happening to inanimate objects. But they they've basically like been crippled by this. They've got new members in. They're trying to work things out, but it seems like it's a, it's a bad time over there for those guys. And I feel bad for them because yeah. it was just like four guys hanging out making videos, and they didn't expect it to become that big. And again, there's that theme of like you just do shit for fun, yeah. and it works out. I kind of see them, and unfortunately, as it may be, I kind of see them going the way of Sugar Pine Seven because oh, we didn't even talk about yeah, Sugar Pine that, Seven. Later. I think that was where I was going to because yeah. I started off with Vic Mignano, which wasn't the right thing, but. Uh, they, they cut ties to Sugar Pine 7 because those guys just weren't really cut, they weren't really cutting the mustard they were they were making shows but it wasn't as good as the previous stuff so and they don't team. make as much content as I think Rooster Teeth would like them to yeah but, but that's speculation by me yeah but, I, but Rooster Teeth as I found out recently they're all about let's just get shit out yeah they don't really respect the process in a sense because Rooster Teeth set have like, I think they're streamlining yeah, and I think it's to do with. I mean, we're talking about this because uh, Game or uh, Flash gets had an animated series planned with Rusty's, and they canned it. And I think what's happened is it's something to do with either Warner Brothers trying to push them in a certain direction because their Warner Brothers has made I think it's Warner Brothers Gore now or something like that. It's like Warner Brothers Ultimate, and it's yeah. like a streaming platform for content. And Rusty's is on there, All right. and uh, Warner Brothers is putting them in the kind of general uh, camp of like Warner Brothers products. So they're putting them up at like Comic Con and stuff. They're making, yeah. they're giving them appearances and panels and stuff in those venues. So I know uh, Warner Brothers now they now have a lot of 
sort of they have a lot to say in Rooster Teeth uh, products now because uh, DC are writing a twelve-part Ruby miniseries that exists hmm. outside the mainline DC continuity. So it's basically like DC, what used to be DC Dark, which just other side stories that have no impact. Is that the the comic books? Yeah. So right. they're doing DC. I thought we talking about like a TV show or something like that. I was like, wait, they're no. doing what? <laughs> no, DC DC are writing a twelve-part miniseries of comic books for Ruby, and the way they've drawn it looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's all I can really say about it because I'm I'm not a Ruby fan. The art style will probably look good. It's yeah. it's a very visually appealing series yeah. but it's it's being used as a property in a very corporate way which is very strange considering it's the it's the brainchild of Monty Ohm, yeah which doesn't and, seem quite right but and then there's a uh, Genlock and Ruby are being shown on Toonami which is that's huge and Crunchyroll at the same and time Crunchyroll, which because that's their part of the Warner Brothers family yeah they're you know putting that all together and you think okay they're they're clearly using Rooster Teeth as a because they produce great content yeah. And it's it's weird because I find it very hard to think of this company objectively because they have monetized friendship in a way. Like they're they're all about the community, they're all about the yeah. interactions. Like every uh on screen personality is maybe not like the happiest or the most approachable, but they're always like they always seem like someone who would be your friend. Yeah. And the way they conduct themselves is very like it's friendship oriented. Yeah. So it's very hard to th- look at a company like Roosteeth and say, I don't like this or this because I always try to think, well, somebody must be doing it because, you know, the way you would you would try and make excuses for a friend yeah, if they did something weird like give this. the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing for Rooster Teeth right now. But what was the major flag for me was when they cut Rooster, uh, Sugar Pine 7. I kind of thought, well, surely they would maybe try and incorporate them into something else, but just saying, mm-hmm. now nah, we're not continuing this anymore. Yeah, well, we can't make this work. I don't think you can yeah. either. We're gonna cut ties. You guys just have all your IP back. Yeah, which was good that they did. One of the, it is good that one of their policies is just have all your IPs back because they did the same thing with the flash kits. They said, right, we own this. Yeah, but now that we're not doing, we say, anything, we, we say they give it back, but I'm pretty sure there's some like tense negotiations of like it's gonna cost you this much money. Yeah, especially when you have like uh, I know you don't like Jim Sterling, but when he left the Escapist as their like senior editor for the magazine, like for the gaming side of the magazine. Yeah. He had to buy back the rights to the Jimquisition, like his own product that he made for the Escapist to make it the Jimquisition on YouTube. Yeah. So he could keep the name, keep the branding, and move everyone a lot faster. So nobody would have to refine Jim Sterling and then relearn like whatever he's making now, which would have replaced the Jimquisition. Like he had to buy back the rights. Yeah. So there is probably a negotiation, you are buying back the, the IPs or whatever, but Rusty do actually let people do that, which yeah. is something we get until later with uh, <laughs> Sony. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that because your boy's got some points. Uh, I kind of just... I've never really got into Rooster Teeth as a whole because, I mean, I think everyone watched Red vs. Blue back in the day. Yeah. Maybe even a couple episodes because it was just it was this weird thing. Like, what everyone thought, what the fuck is Machinima? Why Why is the Halo is guy talking? Like, yeah, why is the blue one kind of retarded? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Caboose, I yeah. think. I don't uh, know if he's dead. I don't, I don't know. know. I have not watched... I think I watched maybe season one because it was up on Netflix years ago. But I, think I have I've not seen actively watched yeah. Red vs. Blue in years it's i've watched first like seven seasons it's good but at the same time like, it's not something i want to watch all the time no, but yeah it's weird to think that they've now gone more business-like because mm-hmm. they were i mean they've been about since og youtube they were yeah. before youtube before youtube so yeah. i think they were still when th- this youtube platform was exploding rooster teeth was one of the f- first few channels that you could find Back yeah. when it was just they were extremely hesitant to put it up there. Yeah, <laughs> and it starts the 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 legacy, the mythos of Rooster is its five friends starting in a bay yeah. in, in a spare bedroom in Bernie's house in yeah. Texas, and it's it becomes again another cultural monolith for yeah. geek communities. 
and it's now time to kind of realize that although they may seem like your friends like they they are going corporate yeah and warner brothers is not helping that because i think warner brothers right now with the whole uh dc versus marvel thing yeah is getting kind of desperate I and think, they're getting kind of scratchy yeah i mean we can get into that because i have some points vis-a-vis the new batman not not bad points i'm okay. officially now okay with robert Pattinson being batman yeah. because unless it was the same thing that happened with ben affleck someone showed me a picture of bruce wayne looking exactly like ben affleck and i thought because always i've always been a fan of ben affleck despite fucking daredevil yeah but because he's always popped up in kevin smith movies and kevin smith movies have always been like, some of my favorite movies so when he was he was announced as batman i was wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt then someone showed me i was like oh he actually does kind of look the spitting image of bruce wayne i want to give him a give him a show mm. and he was actually one of the better parts of batman versus superman but robert pattinson he'll do a good job there's no way that he's he's there's no way he's going to fuck it up. One of the initial reactions to his announcement as Batman was everyone who's complaining about him only remembers him from Twilight. Yeah. They don't know the last 10 years of his life have been dedicated to making these like really weird indie art yeah. house film projects that have really pushed him as an actor. Yeah. So. But uh, the point that I was going to be making, because I always get fucking sidetracked and talking about Batman, but uh, <laughs> DC need to stop this competition with Marvel because it is killing their franchises. Yeah. Because... Uh, to this day, uh, Flash is on the verge of being swept aside uh, because the contract, uh, Ezra Miller's contract, is about to end and it's looking like he won't renew it. Uh, the guy that plays Cyborg, can't remember his name, but uh, his contract has ended and he has no uh, wish to renew it because they've just fucked up that character so much. And he's been in, what, two movies? Yeah. Batman v Superman and Justice League? He was in Batman v Superman in a deleted scene, if I remember right. Oh. And he was in Justice League as just a background character, weird-looking Power Rangers villain. It didn't look right. It didn't look like Cyborg to me. Uh, and Cyborg has never been this depressed. Yeah, Cyborg's always just been like, oh, "I'm a football player." And oh shit, why am I a robot now? I'll still make jokes. Yeah, he's, and I think the, the main issue I saw with uh, Cyborg was they went the Transformers right, yeah. where instead of like just having him covered in like armored plates to make him look a bit like Iron Man, they yeah. just go let's show every little gear and have it spin because technically it's going to look amazing and will yeah. win so many awards. No, it looks like ass. Yeah, you fucked up bad. and it looks like ass. It's it's bad to see when the DC streaming service version of Cyborg looks better than the live action Cyborg. Mm. The the Doom Patrol Cyborg, despite the fact it is clearly a headpiece attached to his head <laughs> and some metal sleeves and a metal body warmer with kind of metal pieces attached to the legs, looks better than the live action version. Because they do, what I thought they would do is they would kind of blend it in with a bit of CG and they've done that and it looks pretty fucking good. Yeah. Then you go the the live action the live action movie version, just thinking, how have you fucked up this badly? Yeah. Because the uh, Doom Patrol was actually a really fucking good show because it was another show no one had seen before. Let's just make it as fucking weird as we can. And it works. And it, what helps it along is the villain. Mm. Uh, Alan Tudyk playing Mr. Nowhere, I think his name is. All right. It's just, he's having a ton of fun on st- on, <laughs> on screen. He's fucking with everybody. He's talking to the camera. He's breaking that fourth wall. It's fucking great. But we, I think DC would would succeed more if they do more shit like that. Yeah. Just do what they want to do. Play to their IP strengths as opposed to let's try and beat Marvel because beating Marvel would be like trying to drain the ocean with one of those little gift teaspoons that you buy <laughs> in a gift shop at a fucking museum or something. Like yeah. the tiniest little teaspoon you can imagine. You're just trying to drain Loch Ness. You don't have the weapons for this fight. Yeah. And if you did, you fucking ruined them. You've, spot, you've fired all the ammunition at the ceiling. Yeah. Well, then yeehaw, we got this, boys. Yeah. You don't you got had this. had 
probably one of the best live action supermans you could have fucking found in Henry Cavill and you just went oh sorry mate you're, you're fired and he's like fine I'll go be Geralt that series looks pretty fucking good yeah I was wondering because uh, I think we talked about this problem we'd just seen like the, the poster yeah and the reaction was okay good attempt but I don't think you got this and now we've seen like a couple trailers haven't we yeah and yeah it, okay they, they got it they, it's to do with the lighting it's to do with yeah actually making the world look real and lived in and then that sells it more than a still image yeah i think now that we've seen the face and there's cuts and that he's got the eyes right and they cut the wig down a bit it looks pretty good it's the voice that i'm needing to hear yeah because he has a very distinctive growly american accent that i think henry cavill can't really pull off i wouldn't be surprised if they just said fuck it talking english yeah no one's, no one's going to give that much of a shit. No one's going to care. You're, you're still going to be Geralt of Rivia, but we're going to do our interpretation because yeah. we found a good actor who can't do an American accent. <laughs> <laughs> just just play the, look, this is a Netflix adaptation. Yeah. Like, you play that card with anime all the time, fucking go for it with Henry yeah. Cavill. Cause, I mean, he can do an American accent, but I just don't think he can do Geralt's American accent. And for a show, not a movie. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's going to be a good film. A good, a good show, but you just need to wait and see because I think the accent will be what sells it for me. If they do English, sure, but if it's a horrible mm. American accent, it's it's going to make me just tune it out completely. But just DC, yeah, stick DC. to your strengths, yeah. please. You've, Stop trying. You've to... got good strengths. You yeah, got you got, got weird, dark, interesting characters. Yeah, you've got Batman. You've got fucking Wonder Woman. You've got uh, you've got Superman. Use them in the good capacity. Can you imagine how fucking good a Flash movie would be? Where Flash is just a total fuck up, but still. Or Barry Allen's a total fuck up. He can't really balance his job, but when he's the Flash, he's just you know going out there solving crime. The Flash is what he truly inspires to be. <laughs> then you've got if you just make a dark Batman movie and just think, well, this works. Not have Batman get punched by Superman, going, "Yes, yes, I bleed. Ow, I'm in pain. Oh, I even." <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking cheesy. It's bad. And get Joss Whedon the fuck away from my Justice League characters. I'm not having that shit again. <laughs> and if one make more bad man go away, yeah. If one more fucker says release the Snyder cut on instagram i'm gonna fucking murder them i mean i've seen it on twitter as well the snyder cut of the justice league movie is not gonna do you any good here's it's the thing i don't good. think it exists people According say jason momoa it does all oh, right okay jason momoa has seen it because hmm. he had a larger role to play in the snyder cut apparently right because as far as i'm aware like he got kicked halfway through production and they brought in we didn't tie it up at the end yeah it's not, i don't think no uh, Zack snyder didn't get kicked he had a family bereavement Oh, yeah, right. I think it's something to do with his daughter. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it was pretty pretty nasty because he just said, no, I, I can't focus on this. And then they brought in Joss Whedon to make a Joss Whedon movie and it was fucking awful. I just, I don't understand why you wouldn't just say, hey, who's the second unit director? Okay, give him the reins for yeah, the rest who's, of the who's the assistant director? Yeah, who knows how Zack Snyder works? Yeah. Then again, if, if it was Zack Snyder's uh, assistant director... That would be David S. Goyer, and I don't think anybody wants another David S. Goyer Ghost Rider. <laughs> That'd be a fucking horrible thing. But yeah. yeah go, going back to Warner Brothers, I think they're just too... They're trying to cover too many bases and catch up a bit too much. Yeah. So they're trying to do what everyone else is doing, but failing miserably. So I think that could start to bleed into Rooster Teeth, which would be which would be a shame, because the, the beauty of Rooster Teeth is they just do what they want to do. Mm. If yeah. you have a corporate entity over the top of you... Yeah. changing your kind of culture in a way for a yeah. production team like that you would notice it and it will be very hard for the fans to swallow and it I really i hope it doesn't 
her Ruth or like the company the subdivision we love the most probably funhouse yeah if it affected those guys i'd be heartbroken really. i don't think that warner brothers would have any influence over funhouse i don't think they'd want to touch up the 10 foot pole <laughs> yeah I, I just think they'd walk in and go okay what do we do now oh shit why is that guy naked <laughs> why is, why is he naked why is he making jokes about being related to pocahontas <laughs> why is, bruce green by the way taking a sabbatical yeah, I've a one-one sabbatical, which I, I gotta say, uh, after seeing what it did to Jeff Ramsey from Achievement Hunter, after seeing him come back revitalized after a sabbatical, yeah. all for it. Yeah, and see, I, I always thought that I always wondered why, because Bruce would never seemed like the kind of person that was a bit down. He always seemed he was always cracking jokes, firing on all synapses. But yeah. then I got to remember, there's got to be shit in the background that he's yeah. having to deal with. So yeah, I, I do yeah. not fault him for taking a sabbatical. If if you listen to the older stuff, especially when, because uh, Funhouse produces fun content or. Fun, uh, Achievement Hunter produces fun content and they have said when we go to Funhouse to do work with them or if we're just in time we pop in for 10 minutes he says I've never seen a group of people work so hard yeah. they are they develop they are an entirely in-house unit those 10-20 people that make up Funhouse are doing everything yeah. that Rush Teeth does they're doing all the, the videos like the actual shooting the ed- videos edits they do a lot more work on edits so mm. there'll be like extra stuff so it's graphic design they do a lot of the uh, like the marketing the kind of research and yeah. stuff like that that Rooster just kind of go oh we have like another room for that like we yeah. we make the content the other room does the other stuff and that's what I think makes uh, yeah. a fun has very more, or a lot more interesting for me is I can watch people go through the whole process themselves yeah and I think it was on it was the latest episode of Dude Soup that they one of their main sort of tactics for making content is they film months in advance so yeah they film about two hours of grand theft auto footage mm-hmm. and then they'll cut that up on about six episodes yeah and they'll just have that in the back burner have that in the queue to just release i think they're up till october in terms of grand theft auto 5 content fucking sweet because <laughs> they just load it in, they just load it in at once i think it was alana pierce that was saying that since her and i think it's her lawrence bruce and adam just sit and record for two yeah. two and a half hours and especially because they do a lot of community content yeah it's very hard to say look guys every friday for an hour we're going to play it's not worth it to just play for an hour yeah get that whole session and the whole afternoon playing with the community and then cut it up into yeah. different pieces and i think because it works i don't think anyone's really had a complaint with the content that rooster teeth put out i think that rooster teeth funhouse mm. i don't think rooster teeth are stepping and going no you need to streamline this or warner brothers yeah. i think warner brothers as you quite rightly said would be scared to step into funhouse like, <laughs> Okay, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> you, you guys do you. Why Why is your alcohol budget so high? Yeah. <laughs> guys, we don't want to touch this because, frankly, we don't know where to start. We'd have to destroy the whole building, like, with fire, and yeah. we were just going to not do that for a while. We'll leave it be. Yeah. So I, uh, if we're going to talk about uh, massive corporate dick moves, let's talk Sony. Yeah, let's talk Sony, because Sony uh, did something that kind of took me a bit it caught me by surprise uh, last night I went out to the pub because I haven't been to the pub in a while so I thought yeah. what, what does one look like what uh, is it? what do the inside of these establishments appear to be like yeah. although the, the pub that I did go to has been done up it looks nice looks, uh, alright where'd you go uh, the Richmond in Bonus Ooh, where we had that. the where we had the initial Jibber Pish production meetings way back at the start of last year yes <laughs> uh, it's been done up since then it kind of looks like a Scottish hunting lodge now it's pretty cool alright yeah I can uh, take that and I ended up watching while I was there Hull against uh, Blackburn Rovers. Football only confuses me more. Football just sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, I have a lot of family and friends that love it. It just sucks. There's nothing special about it. It's just a bunch of millionaires kicking around the ball. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You get paid. I mean, there's one football player that gets paid something like seven million a week. You get seven million a day. 
There is technically the first billion dollar footballer. There is a young talent from somewhere in South America who's been bought by a European club. Mm-hmm. His contract is along the lines of uh, a couple, like, it's hundreds of million dollars. It's like 200 million, or, sorry, 800 million dollars for his uh, contract. And then there's a, or it might be 200 million, but there's a buyout clause of 800 million. Fucking so hell. technically, if you want to buy him before his contract's up, he is the first billion dollar footballer. Jesus Christ. The money being thrown around right now in that game is stupid yeah. and it's not worth it. Like, I don't see the return on investment nah, these I, companies are getting. If I was a football manager and I said, yeah, sure, let's buy this billion billion dollar player or billion pound player, I'd just look at it and go, I'd wasted a billion pounds. Yeah. There's no there's no need for this. Because I don't think there's transfer fees in rugby. All you need to do is pay that player's salary mm. and they get transferred over because the main thing with the Scottish Rugby Union right now is that you have to keep they're trying to keep players in Scotland. So right. if there's a player that's underperforming at the Glasgow Warriors, which is my team, best team in Scotland, fuck you, Edinburgh. Uh, <laughs> if, there's a team, if there's a player that's underperforming in Glasgow, they'll say, right, we're going to keep you in Scotland. We're going to send you up to Edinburgh. Right. Which is always a bad move because Edinburgh, they have played with the same 23 players for the past two seasons. They very, very rarely change players around and it's just, it's killing, it's killing players because you've got really good players coming from Glasgow and you've got players coming in from all over the fucking shop that are just decorating the sideline mm. and I suppose what kind of helps with that is the uh, the Super 6 and uh, the Super 6 was uh, taking club level teams high like high level club level teams in Scotland and trying to make them professionals so you've got teams like uh, Stirling County which is one of the best teams in the country uh, Air Rugby and four other uh, rugby teams and they're getting put onto professional level players are getting paid something like 20,000 it's not my money it's pretty good but I think that's eight per year but mm. it's, still, it's still better you're getting paid 20,000 to go and hit people on a field I'd fucking do that but anyway at the pub came back checked my phone on Instagram and there was a picture of Tom Holland in the Spider-Man suit and just cancelled across his face and I said what the fuck is this I uh, clicked, clicked open on the article and it says uh, Sony and Disney failed to find an amicable deal Sony will be taking the the property back. There will be two more Tom Holland starring John Watts directed Spider-Man movies that will have nothing to do with the MCU. Yeah, this is... Which uh, is a shit thing to do. It's baffling. I, I, I was saying, again, like you text me after that and uh, that was a production meeting for the day. Yeah. Um, and said, I can't believe it. Spider-Man's at the MCU. Who the fuck signed off on this? And we were immediately right. Who, who, why, why, what? Who, why, what, and where? The answer, as always, is money. It's that dollar, yo. And uh, we... Those cunts at Disney that the fucking mouse wanted 50%. Those arrogant that motherfucker, Motherfucker. Where Sony were just like, no, we're going to keep our 95% of the all Spider-Man related profits and you can keep your measly 5%. You do know, Sony... That Marvel fixed Spider-Man. Yeah, Marvel fixed fucking Spider-Man. Do you think you would have got Robert Downey Jr. and Spider-Man Homecoming if you weren't in Marvel's pocket? No. Do you think you would have got Aunt Bay herself, Marissa Tomei? The 95%. Yes, I said Aunt Bay. Live yes. with it. I was going to try and skip over it, but you no. fucking bring it back. Marissa Tomei, damn it. If that 95% deal was good faith, that was, we will take this property on. We will give yeah. you 95% property watch this drive like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> watch this drive we're gonna get those terrorists watch this drive bang and that was them saying look what we can do with this yeah the position of power has changed in your negotiations you now know that marvel can make fucking bank 
with a with a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, they've done it twice. Yeah, two very successful movies that have basically revitalized Spider-Man as a franchise because the first uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man it was good for its time. It's classic. Yeah, Spider-Man one in my mind is the only good one though because Spider-Man two is hot garbage and Spider-Man three is trash. Didn't happen. Shut it up. Didn't happen. Fuck you. <laughs> Topher Grace is Venom. Who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Uh, it's Spider-Man 3 is the Dragon Ball GT of Spider-Man movies. <laughs> in the, it's third in the franchise and no one never happened. It happened. <laughs> we just Same Spider-Man. with Halloween 3. Fucking Christ, Fuck what it is it with 3? Did we get conspiracy? <laughs> close the windows. Close, close the windows, the FBI Bolt is doors. coming. We got this one. <laughs> just going to see the predator dot sights in my head. Colin, <laughs> I don't want to go. And do you know how many dots will be dumb? Three. Three, exactly. There are, there are three dots in the predator's laser sights. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Holy Fuck. <laughs> And I've been Dumb Good night. <laughs> and we were going to be recording the next one from an armoured bunker. <laughs> we're just going to be get one of those steel containers and just record inside one of those. And you may notice that the, the audio is slightly echoey today. We're recording inside of a giant steel container. <laughs> Where the steel container is, we don't want to tell you. <laughs> but let's just say we're on a ship to Australia. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Fuck. Oh no, the, the laser sights are back. Uh, so, yeah, then we go from that to Andrew Garfield and he, he was a good Peter Parker he was a pretty shitty Spider-Man because he was all just he kind of ramped up the queens he was just like hey. <laughs> <laughs> he was like the fucking fawns it was bad he, he did the entire thing as the dance scene from Spider-Man 3 yeah. where he just kind of dancing kind of greaser dancing down the street <laughs> have you seen that have you seen that video clip with no audio no <laughs> <laughs> with, with no music in the background so it's just him going yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's just him dancing mm. on the street and the bit when he's doing this uh, over the hands like like cha cha thing and just, there's just women going past him going what a freak <laughs> what's this guy doing it's pretty funny have well, you heard the defence of that scene can you defend that scene yes and it's actually a pretty good one Venom is an alien parasite Tobey Maguire's uh, Peter it's Parker also an alien parasite. is a dweeb <laughs> they have no idea how to be cool so yeah. when Peter Parker desperately wants to be cool and he asks the alien parasite somehow telepathically to make him cool they look at whatever they think is cool and they just do that with confidence which is being cool and what the answer is is cha-chaing down the street because he's a fucking dweeb (laughs) and in theory that makes a lot of sense it's still a shitty scene it does make sense it's still a horrible scene yes but you have to sit down and stop and think about it for like a long time to get to that answer yeah, the Sam Raimi movies were they were oddly full of DC references as well really? yeah Aunt May would say in, in the first film uh, Aunt May says you need to slow down you're doing too much you're not Superman you know <laughs> Sam Raimi wrong franchise and when he's testing it the web he goes uh, like, up up and away Shazam <laughs> it's you wrong franchise dog to be fair at that point there was no competition yeah there, there would was be no nothing like you could, you could shit on the competition if you wanted yeah it wouldn't it wasn't a billion dollar industry it was just sam raimi saying i think i can make a spider-man movie work i don't know yeah, guys let's give it a go he, he basically tim burton did he just went i can maybe make this work let's see what happens <laughs> worth a shot right guys yeah. what what's the worst that could happen several billion dollars later <laughs> <laughs> but then you get to, from the horrible second half of the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, you get the really good fucking revitalised Marvel Studios led with people who know how to write Spider-Man <laughs> franchise and that wouldn't have happened with it Marvel. And yeah. I think that's what Sony are forgetting. It's just, you go and do your own thing. You can't have any references to the MCU. You can't have any references to other Marvel characters. I guarantee you J.K. Simmons is probably tied in with a Marvel contract somehow. Yeah, You can't reference Mysterio. 
Although I'm pretty sure, actually, no, I think they probably could. I think he might be part of like Spider-Man's canon. Like, yeah, I think, I, think that... I was just about to, I was just about to say that. I think that when they when Sony bought Spider-Man, they probably got all the villains and stuff as well, which yeah. would make a lot of sense. But uh, Happy, he can't reference Happy Hogan because he's he was from the MCU. All the shield stuff's gone. Yeah, all the shield stuff's got Maria Hill, uh, which you just introduced. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you just, just brought Spider-Man at the shield, which is yeah. a good idea. Yeah, scrolls, all that shit is gone. Yep. I think they did this reactively, not realizing what they lose from a, from breaking away from Marvel. Just so, Sony sort your shit out. Yeah. Whoever I, thought this was a good idea, yeah. just a backhand, just yeah. right across the face, just sort it out, get it dealt with. Yeah. Come back to Stop the table. That person drinking during meetings next thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was one of our yeah. responses. Was well, we just learned that Sony executives get to drink on the yeah, work yeah, day. They get, they get to drink during big production meetings. <laughs> but uh, I think the amount of stuff that they're going to have to replace if they do this is going to be a hell of a struggle. And I never usually promote hashtags because I don't think they do anything, but I genuinely think if you have a spare time, just go on and retweet hashtag save Spider-Man. Just show Sony that they're fucking idiots. And most of the responses that I've seen on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, some of the stuff that I've seen on Facebook, because like we've discussed, I've been pulling away from Facebook for a while, have been, I will never buy another PlayStation again if you don't renew spider if you don't <laughs> join with marvel sort your differences out and just make another fucking marvel studio spider-man movie yeah and here's the thing for the last couple years the entire internet has been saying when will spider-man join the mcu and that has been a massive online push yeah. from fans of both the movies the comic books and people who just want to see explored potential yeah. in both universes for Spider-Man and the MCU. Because it always felt like something was kind of missing, and that's something with yeah. Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man now gets to play in the big box with all the toys. Yeah, and You're now going to take away all of those toys. Yeah, it's like you, it's like on your birthday when she says, right, and we're going to put these away. Because I think you, you hit the nail expert on the head. It was a point I was going to make there. Something was always missing from the early Marvel movies. Because, like, where's the wisecracking kid from Queens? Yeah. Because... Like, Spider-Man is a huge driving force in the Avengers comics and in his, in his own sort of Marvel universe and in the, in the comic books. Having that missing from the movies just felt a bit hollow, like you said. Yeah. And it was, that was always what drew me back from certain aspects of the MCU was just thinking, ah, that would, how cool would that be if at some point they're on a mission and Cap and Wolverine fight or uh, Black Widow and Spider-Man are doing their own sort of covert mission yeah. or something like that. How cool would it be if these other aspects are in the movie? And now we have that. Wolverine is coming to the, the MCU. And it's looking like it's going to be the kid from Kingsman, Taron Egerton. He's, right. he's the front runner, along with um, the one of the main characters from Sons of Anarchy. To try and get the role for yeah. So th- these guys are the main sort of front runners for it, and you've got all these other different aspects. And because it's been heavily hinted that now that they own the X Men, they're going to introduce the X Men in Avengers f- uh, Six with Avengers versus X Men, right? And that's how you're going to tie the X Men in. I'm just thinking. I've read the Avengers versus X Men book. That's fucking phenomenal. You introduce Phoenix and the Phoenix Five. Uh, the Phoenix Five is Colossus, Emma Frost, Cyclops, uh, Magic, and Namor. Right. Sub- Submariner. And it's just fucking amazing. Uh, Cy- uh, Colossus, in one panel, walks in the middle of a war scene and just points at people and goes, put that down. <laughs> and, and they fucking do it. Because <laughs> are you going to start a ship with Colossus? No. Who now has the Phoenix Force? Put it fucking down. <laughs> put it down. <laughs> I, see if I click Thanos ain't got shit on me I'll click my fingers I blow up the world <laughs> so then you've got all these other p- plot pieces coming together now you're just taking a huge plot piece out 
Yeah, and Spider Man, and because it's not just Spider Man you're taking out with it. You're taking Spider Man. You're taking Miles Morales. You're taking any tie-ins with a uh, Venom. You're taking MJ. You're, there's so many other pieces that get knocked off the board the, because the, you take that one piece away. The Venom and Carnage stuff is insane. The fact that you're not getting to include those guys is nuts. Yeah, but for me, when I look at this, I just think of like the wasted potential. The toys are all gone. Like. That would be fine before, and that's where that's how we've ended up here. Is that no one saw this coming? Hmm. We didn't anticipate, you know, superhero movies being as huge as they are and having lasting like staying power. Like we're now, like what, 12, 15 years at this point. Yeah, if you go back uh, to Spider Man, that was two thousand. That was nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Because it uh, was two thousand and one. I think the first. Yeah, because there was going to be something involving the the world the trade. Twin Towers, yeah. Yeah, Twin Towers. Like that was going to be part of it. That's how old this franchise is now. So old this idea is, and it's been staying in pop culture for so long. We now expect this. The bar has been raised to the level of the Avengers. Mm. And that's why DC keeps going, because they're not at that level yet. Yeah, they need... The thing they can't use their chance to, to get to that level. Yeah. DC are trying to build luxury penthouse flats, but they haven't built a steady foundation. Yeah. Whereas Marvel have just been fucking building and building and building. Because it's actually pretty fucking scary when you go back and you look at the first phase of the MCU, six movies. You look at the second phase, six movies. Third phase was 15, like 12 or 13 movies. Yeah. and they're still not fucking done <laughs> phase 4 I think might be fucking phenomenal like huge like 20 odd movies or something yeah over 3-4 years but now the bar has been raised to that level do you really think you can get away with a cheaper Spider-Man movie that yeah. lacks the richness of the MCU and do you th- my oh, my other point is do you think Tom Holland is going to just go yeah sure I'll do that I mean he's contracted to yeah he's contracted to which is the main thing but do you really think you're going to get the same level of performance because you've kind of ripped you've given him all these fun toys to play with because you've let him bounce off have of you just seen Samuel him? L. Jackson you've yeah. allowed him to bounce off Kobe Smulders uh, Robert Downey fucking Jr yeah. have you seen those two in a room together Yeah, it feels like the older brother little brother dynamic yeah. that you would be begging for and that in is, a movie yeah and that is perfect for a Spider-Man thing it works so well you get none of that if you don't work with Marvel and now you're just saying to Tom Holland oh you've had fun there and now you're going to work with new guys and you will love them yeah these don't are worry. your new friends we're going to move to a new school and you're going to love it yeah, this whole thing. Moving it to a new school. This perfect. This whole thing scr- it smacks of a joint custody agreement. Like <laughs> Marvel, it's like Spider Man is Marvel's baby, but Sony got custody, and they're like, "No, we're coming there. We're moving you away. You're going to come back to Sony." Yeah, and he's like, "I want to go there." <laughs> you, you're <laughs> about to see how this all goes horribly wrong, and it smacks of arrogance from yeah. Sony's point of view. Oh, it's very much arrogance. But at the same time, they're also they've just went and bought Insomniac and Studios who produced the Spider-Man video yeah. game, which leaves you in it just it just keeps getting worse for you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it does, it does. But I mean, Insomniac, the Marvel Studios, they have nothing to do with the video games, and the uh, Spider-Man is licensed out licensed out to Insomniac. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Marvel Mainline still owes the game rights. So you can just play, and you can't make that anymore. <laughs> Give us it for the movies. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> That'd be just, oh, Kevin Feige goes, oh, by the way, I spoke to my boss. He says, Insomniac, Spider-Man license is gone. <laughs> Double bird, bitch. <laughs> he just, just, bye, y'all have fun. <laughs> have fun making Spider-Man 2 without Spider-Man. <laughs> it would be the ultimate dick move, and I would hope that Marvel wouldn't pull, like the mouse wouldn't pull that move. But at the same time, oh, the if mouse is going to pull that Chad move. <laughs> the mouse is making some Chad moves right now because the mouse does not like being fucked with. I guarantee someone at Disney is just saying, "Can we just fucking buy Sony? <laughs> Can we make this all go away and fucking buy Sony?" <laughs> I, I reckon that is a strategic discussion to have right now. Say, look, 
we could just buy those guys, right? Like, yeah. yeah I like, mean, how yeah, much is Sony going to cost? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could we do the same thing we did with Fox. We don't buy all of it. We just buy the movie parts and give them all the bird. <laughs> <laughs> just take it. We the mouse, motherfucker. <laughs> the mouse gives you the bird. <laughs> that is the episode title now. The mouse gives you the bird. The mouse gives you. The mouse flips you the bird. Yeah. You just imagine the debt collectors are walking in. They've got the the body. They've got the stab proof vest on, but they've just got Mickey Mouse here. <laughs> <laughs> They're just coming in, taking boxes away. Just like, love the mouse, bitch. <laughs> Shoot a boy in the knee. You had your choice. <laughs> you had one chance. All you had to do was not make this mistake. <laughs> no, they don't even say that. They just go, "You chose." Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> just walk it with Tom Holland in a bag. <laughs> we got him now, fuckers. <laughs> this is how we problem solve with vast amounts of cash. But yeah. actually, it brings me to an interesting thing about like the the Insomniac thing, where yeah. they're being bought by Sony, so they can produce first party titles. And it's not just Spider Man; they've got they've got Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, I think they might I, have the Tony Hawk series as well. Uh, I'm not so sure about that one. I think that's been parcelled around to different people. Just because they tried to make the, the like the tie in for the, the actual board. They had a yeah, board yeah, game yeah. at one point like where it was actually just like a Tony Hawk board. Yeah, it was yeah, I remember that. Tony Hawk Rider, I think it was called. Yep, that's the one. Um uh, and they have I think they might have the spiral games. I'm not entirely sure about that one, but I think Could be. they they've they've got some good IP there and apparently they Sony are willing to listen to any new IPs they've got. So they might have something up the sleeves that doesn't need it to be Spider Man, but at the same time they I think they might be stuck as being the Spider Man. Uh, studio for a while just because that game was so groundbreaking for a lot of people oh yeah it was um spider-man was one of those games that stepped up and showed you that superhero games could be really fucking good and i keep coming back to this point but it is basically an arkham type game in every sense of the word because no one thought a batman video game would work and then here we are five games later in the arkham series and we're just thinking this shit works pretty fucking well yeah it's the same with spider-man They've cracked the code, and uh, hopefully they don't get stuck in that, because there's something sad about seeing a studio that's got talent and uh, a variety of uh, things it can do, because apparently they were big into VR games, and Insomniac Studios produced a lot of good, or at least interesting, VR games for the uh, Oculus Rift, so that's gone, but Sony does produce its own VR products, so they might be able to use uh, a bit of that magic to try and make the, the ps vr what, what the hell is their vr experience for the playstation i think it's just ps vr yeah yeah i think they're just ps vr like they could try and make that at least a little bit interesting yeah you're right uh insomniac games own uh spyro uh the entire ratchet and clank series the resistance series as well Ooh, so that could be pretty good having that in-house sony uh, just in time for a new uh console generation exactly and they're making some they'll probably make some big moves on that they also own the sunset overdrive franchise which was on xbox exclusive yeah i never played that i actually was watching the inside gaming video about this this morning mm. apparently it's very good it just got shipped at the worst time for the xbox because that was immediately the xbox came out it was trashed by yeah. gamers because it was all no backwards compatibility then they there's no backwards it. compatibility we're not really a gaming platform anymore it's more about the multimedia experience yeah it's just it's, the reaction from gamers was less than polite yeah but then <laughs> you can flash forward to now and xbox is just making fucking baller moves just going oh you want ultimate for a pound on you go i bought that shit yeah i've still got that shit running right now <laughs> And uh, I've actually got the, the amount of games and shit that you can get on that. I'm just sitting going, Games oh, Pass and yeah. Games with Gold is still running yeah. somehow. And I got the Ultimate Pass, so I can play this shit on PC as well. Yep, that's I was why playing I... Forza Horizon 4 on a PC. Good lord. Holy shit. It's gorgeous. I, I, I didn't know it. The ex- <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I ain't gonna lie. I nutted. I, was just, I did not know I my PC. Could, <laughs> I'm lucky I have a white monitor. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know my PC could output this kind of shit. I was just going, I don't even like racing games. I just spent about a good hour driving. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. It's a very immersive game. Like, you just soak into it. Yeah. And you just find something, especially like the fun little challenges that are dotted around the map. Yeah. I played the shit out of that game. I think I might have, like, 100%ed it. I'm not entirely sure. I've got pretty damn close. But I'd to say. Me, it looks like a better Burnet Paradise. Yeah. In terms of oh, Burnet Paradise was just a oh, drive here, do this. Yeah. Forza Horizon 4 does that much better the, with actually licensed vehicles. The Forza games are the equivalent of that, like Italian chef's kiss. The, oh, oh the, the Michelin star. Oh, yes. That, it's, 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 the, it's the money shot. Every fucking frame of painting. And it's, it's great. Yeah. They're fun games to play. They're very well engineered in a way that the physics is very. It's fun and yet believable at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's fun to ramp uh, a Maserati off of like a, a cliff okay. <laughs> but at the same expensive, time beautiful looking vehicle and you just wreck it yeah let's just fire this bad boy off and if you put the damage on it gets a bit more believable but if you take it off you can just fuck around and be a dick yeah but at the same time like the way the cars go around corners and stuff phenomenal like the yeah. way they handle Handles differently ridiculously well have you got to the the ice season yet because they made seasonal gameplay no i've not done it. literally i played it for about a good hour last night and it's just i just drove places when you get to if you get to stick around for basically i think it's each week is a new season all right when you get to the ice season uh the lake freezes over and you Ooh. can do drag races on the ice nice and just driving on the ice in general is a lot of fun because that's how you get one of there's uh there's a hidden car on that lake you've got to go and drive on the little island but you can only do it during the winter because the lake freezes over mm. there's a secret uh, hidden vehicle that's in there nice and you get that one mm. and get the p50 it's a tiny little car but <laughs> you can P50. ramp it full of gear it gets to like a thousand horsepower and because it's it's if you've ever seen a p50 go watch the top gear segment where they got a p50 hmm. jeremy clarkson put it in an elevator in the bbc all right that's and a p50 oh yes that tiny little car you can the idea was that you would be able to drive this to work and then take it into your work to store it there rather than take up a parking space it would just there would just be like a little room to put the p50 in as if that would just be available and your yeah. employer would pay for that <laughs> rather than just, you know, use the floor space effectively. But the idea was that you could take a car into the office, it would just have a tiny little engine, but you can, in Forza, crank that to a thousand horsepower and because it weighs nothing, it just goes. <laughs> That's how you win. There's a there's a competition for, there's an achievement for winning like 10 top tier drag races, like at the hardest difficulty settings or something like that, or winning 10 drag, or I think it's win 10 races at the hardest setting. P50 drag races, full horsepower and just go forward <laughs> don't try and steer steering's for bitches just yeah. go forward <laughs> corners must be a bastard in that thing because it's very light with that amount of horsepower there is a drag race that actually involves you going down a motorway and you do have to turn with the motorway it's terrifying because <laughs> you're going about 200 miles an hour He's and become, any you become more and more religious with each time just like please let me live god please let me live <laughs> i just want to get to the end i just need to last 10 more seconds in this piece of shit <laughs> so, oh lord he comes <laughs> white knuckling onto that white knuckling all the way through to the end and you just get across the finish line it's like you start just heavy breathing like, oh god i made it oh fuck <laughs> put the control down for a second you just go for a cold shower like i need this i need this you just go start filling it check the charity i promise god i promise god i would give to charity if you let me do this race <laughs> you, just, you just go to your nearest charity shop with bags of new super dry clothes i don't even want these you take them take them <laughs> i've made a promise <laughs> i'm keeping my promises to god <laughs> It's it's a gorgeous game, and I, I had I had some technical issues with it actually when I started, um, and the fact that I was I was driving around and my engine noise cut out, and then the engine noise started, 
and the engine noise kept going even when I wasn't accelerating. Like, I'd be standing, sitting just parked in idle at the side of the road, and the engine sounds like I'm trying to, like, rev up a muddy hill. <laughs> You're trying to hill start that fucker. It was interesting, though, because it was, uh, it was the, the weather mechanics changing randomly every week makes for a very interesting racing game. And the, uh, the introduction to it, though, is so good. Did you play the actual intro mission? Uh, no, I think I just skipped over that. It's, it's free play. Oh, you shouldn't have. It's it's uh, every race. It's uh, one big race, uh, which is how all Forza games start. Is just the race to the event because the Forza Horizon series is the Horizon event hmm. in different locations, which is why they go to Australia, why they go to the UK, hmm. and this one it shows each like the race to the event is in four different segments, each with the top t- top tier vehicle that they provide so at one point you're in an off-road vehicle at one point you're in like a, a sports car at one point you're in a classic car oh. and uh, like the off-road segments are amazing you're racing four bikers and if you can beat them all at the same time it feels like a genuine achievement and I'm like 30 seconds into the game it really like you start off with so much momentum going into the game and it doesn't stop from there like the driving around is fun but playing it as the campaign is a lot of fun it's really good although you do get to meet a lot of annoying English people so yeah, it might yeah. kind of piss you off a little, yeah, a little bit. But I can't, what, what led into the Xbox talk? I were talking about Insomniac. Uh, just just massive corporate buyouts. Yeah. Between because Sony must have seen what Xbox did, where they bought everyone. Yeah. And got them to produce uh, exclusive games, and then they must have went, oh shit, we need that. And now it looks like the next generation of consoles is going to have the same exclusivity bullshit as the last one. Yeah. And it it just. As an Xbox fan, as someone who only owns the Xbox, I was on the losing side of that for the last generation. Yeah. These exclusive wars for consoles suck. Yeah, I'm sorry, they're, just, they're ruining the gaming yeah, experience. I will give you that. It is, it is pretty shitty, but that's a that is very problematic. It's very emblematic of the whole console wars and as a whole, everyone is trying like fuck to try and get the the exclusive big title. Uh, the reason why. I think Microsoft bought was it Team Ninja or Ninja Theory? Ninja Theory, yeah. The reason why they bought them is because they're going to try and get Ninja Theory to make something that can even think of competing with Final Fantasy VII because Final Fantasy VII is going to come out on PlayStation Four slash PlayStation Five, yeah. And it is going to sell so many consoles, and the game itself is going to ship so many units that Microsoft is just going to go fuck. We need to compete with that. So the Scarlet, as much of a powerhouse as I guarantee that console is going to be because uh, with the xbox one x the hardware on the xbox's ha- uh, xbox side is now clearly superior to the one on the ps4 yeah whereas it was the other way around at the start ps4 was way powerful way more powerful than the xbox one yeah but now that we flipped that i think the scarlet is going to continue that maybe ps4 is just going to be the same level or maybe under it they're going to have all this, this cool technical ability but they're not going to really have any cool games to comprehend with that so that's why they're going to get like they're going to try and churn out as many new exclusives as they can. Yeah. And I think it's going to be new IPs that people are just going to go, that looks pretty cool. Yeah. But at the same time, PlayStation's got Final Fantasy. And I think it's if you're like me and you have all the consoles, it's you're not really going to focus down on one console because you're going to be too busy buying so many different things. So I think mm. having console exclu- exclusivity is just... It's, it's it's a bit too elite for me. I, I don't like saying, oh, if you want to play this game, you have to have a PlayStation. Well, well can it just be multi-platform so I yeah. can buy it on what I have? Yeah. The problem is that the the games sell the consoles. That's, yeah. That we learned that in the uh, the T60 generation. The yeah. PSD was a clearly superior machine in Xbox T60, 
but the 360 had better games and a better community yeah, so people played it more 360 had much better games a better controller that didn't twist yeah. uh, <laughs> fucking hated their I think it was the DualShock 4 yeah the DualShock 4 yeah. was horrible it actually twisted in your hands uh, and after a certain amount if you've been playing it for a while and your hands were all warm and sweaty it felt like at any point you could just push it and it would melt yeah. it was a fucking horrible made controller but the fact is when the PS3 first came out it was ridiculously expensive because of the inbuilt PS2s and the inbuilt Blu-ray players which yeah, at the, the time was were, new tech Yeah, and it cost you I think I don't think I'm exaggerating this when I say it but I think the original PlayStation 2 cost about 500 bucks I think you're lowballing that I really, really? do I think because uh, Argic again uh, when he first bought it because he's one of those people that the minute a new console is announced he starts putting money away for it yeah, and uh, when he he first got the original sixty gig, uh, original version one PlayStation three, and can you imagine right now if a console company said, "Don't worry, guys, it's got a sixty gig hard drive." Yeah, <laughs> you would. You can riot. <laughs> you can put four games on it if you're you, lucky. You can put two thirds of Red Dead Redemption. On it. <laughs> you can put you can put all the indie games you want on it, but if you want actual AAA titles. I mean, that sounds disingenuous. I've actually been playing more indie games than I have regular games, but if you can put as many indie games on it as you want, but if you want actual games that are going to not last you five minutes, it's going to be one game per hard drive. Yeah. I think Red Dead Redemption is, what, 80 gig? 100. 100 gig, yeah. You can put <laughs> you can put a bit of Red Dead Redemption on there. Yeah. But yeah, that, I can remember them costing about £500. Then the Xbox 360 came along and went, we're only 300 slash 250 And people just went, fuck yeah. <laughs> Give me that. Sold. And that was, that was always the argument. Was It was always, I can't believe Microsoft makes you pay for Xbox Live. And the answer is, you paid 600 quid for a console. Yeah. We have like three years worth of free uh, online great gameplay. Like, how good were COD servers back in the day? I don't remember being kicked from oh, a Call of Duty server. Xbox Live was something... Uh, 360 Xbox Live is something that I have never grudged. I never did grudge paying because it was it was perfect. I never got kicked from anything. Yeah. It was always you know really really good solid uh, servers. I never kicked from anything. Even when I was playing fighting games, yeah. and fighting game is online has always been notoriously spotty and bad. But I never got kicked from Street Fighter Four from fucking any of the fighting games that I played. Yeah, it's. I mean that was when people were complaining about. I can't believe xbox people pay for the online services i'm like because we're paying for a service yeah we can cash money out of it and we paid less for the console so technically yeah it kind of evens out and i mean sony any sony fans that listen to this are going to hate me for this but the online on the playstation 3 sucked a bag of nasty dicks <laughs> like syphilitic dicks it was so bad i remember playing a couple matches when i f- first got the playstation 3 of one of the latest Killzone games because I was yeah. heavily into that game. I fucking loved it. Uh, playing a couple of matches and that, it took me 10 minutes to get a game. Then the game that I was playing with my new high-speed internet that worked perfectly in the Xbox, worked perfectly in the PC, yeah. even the fucking Wii allowed me to play Smash Bros. <laughs> online. But not perfectly, but I could still fucking play it. PlayStation 3 was just so bad. The connections took so long and the latency in between you hitting the trigger and you actually firing were ridiculous. PlayStation 3 Online, when it was free, played like a bag of dicks. Yeah, It's not much better on the PS4. You're paying, you're paying more than Xbox Live, but you're getting shit. I, and the free games that you get monthly are absolute dog shit. I, I, I watched my brother play certain games on PS4, but I think it's the issues with his internet connection are because he's playing wirelessly, and he's yeah. like three walls between his uh, PS4 and the server. 
yeah. or the uh, the the modem, the modem for the for the house. Mm-hmm. So I reckon it's more to do with that than the actual Sony side of things. But yeah. it also might just be Battlefield because yeah, Battlefield is be. an interesting game for kids. <laughs> now I think what I because I, I do wireless as well, but I have a little basically I have a receiver that acts as another modem for my room. Oh. That's why technically in my house the fastest room for internet is my room because i just thought i need all this shit for games get that sorted for uh, it's weird that that's almost like the first thing when you think about like i might move uh, all right what's the internet connection like yeah. <laughs> is it fast no if i wanted to move and get the fastest internet connection i'd go to korea yeah apparently they have the fastest internet speed of all time what they are i mean i've seen uh, america's doing terabyte and oh, now i think they're they've exceeded that i'm up to 350 meg something like that oh i think at my house we are but 350 as well because we literally thought we're not watching uh, the virgin media tv with the exception of maybe comedy central so let's just hack the shit out of that yeah get a netflix password and then just boost the shit out of the internet we're yeah. paying about 10 quid, 10 quid less i think yeah. our entire virgin media bill comes up at 30 pound but we get the shit hot internet yeah i uh i just when you get that the, the shit hot internet you've got to basically just make the, the sacrifice saying goodbye television goodbye phone lines like, yeah. who, like who the fuck has a landline now anyway some people and they get really mad when you don't as if you're like kind of insulting them as if they say like as if when you say like who has a landline like you would actually say that somebody has a landline like oh my god you live in the past what the fuck's wrong with you is yeah. it the 80s nice afro <laughs> although i did i did phone someone recently and they went use the landline and like you answered the phone to tell me to phone you on the landline fucker <laughs> just a- talk to me on the handset that you're using fuck it <laughs> we could, this is a perfect like this is a normal conversation we can do this right now over yeah. this phone it doesn't matter use I'm the phoning device you. in your hand i'm phoning you it costs me money <laughs> what they said was oh i got a new phone i want to test it use the phone in your hand <laughs> i don't give a shit about your new fancy uh, what they called like ring dial phones that he's like nine nine <laughs> five hours later you finally phone the police and you're dead it's the best lee evans joke <laughs> him fidgeting he's nine. so could you imagine trying to phone the police back in the day nine <laughs> nine fuck nine. i'm dead <laughs> no, that's fine he's dead sorry officer never mind <laughs> dead body at this street <laughs> we used to have one of those and it fucking annoyed me because uh, everyone else i was one of the last people and so our year in uh, primary school and high school to get a, get a mobile phone so I was just the landline phone people but yeah. they always gave me the phone number so it's like zero seven seven <laughs> did you have it. that phone you have like a, an actual like yeah we had one. Oh right okay right because we don't throw anything out it worked <laughs> it's not broken yet I mean we keep using it it saved a bit of money you know? uh, we actually as a kind of a snarky comment when we were younger me and my two older brothers we put our money together and we got our parents a new phone they went, but the old gin still works it takes us 20 minutes to phone a number <laughs> just use this one there's buttons on it that you don't need to go <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that, that phone got murdered <laughs> as soon as they started using the old phone I was like right let's break this one so it can never work again I'd love to do that. Just I know it's there's certain pieces of technology that we kind of need. It's kind of nice to have it there as like a as a museum piece. Yeah. But there's some shit I'd like to just break. Like oh yeah. Full on office space, like just in a, in a field, oh. baseball bat, blast some gangster up and just beat the fuck out of some stuff. Oh yeah. And an old like dial em up telephone would be the shit. Cause you know stuff's gonna fly out there that you have no idea how yeah. it works. Like the, the little dial, the little mechanism that allows the dial to turn. I I want to see that shit. Oh yeah, that's gonna be that, that would be some weird interaction. Yeah. Very well, ladies and gentlemen. TV, <laughs> we're going to go buy something, and I've got a camera now. We can just sit and film. Yeah, just beating the fuck out. You got a pretty, you got a DSLR from uh, Amazon. Uh, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I grabbed a, a Canon. 
and it's been fun going through just the learning like curve on these what, things. Do you want to know what else we should break? One of those big fucking old PC monitors, the ones that actually stick out. The CRT monitors? Yeah, the old CRT monitors. I think I've seen some good dev- I think uh, Solomon guys have done that one. Yeah, uh, I, I just think they to- threw a hammer through the front of one. <laughs> what I want to do is I want to get a, an, an aluminium or tin baseball bat and write fuck you melee players. <laughs> this is what I think of your CRT. <laughs> Super Smash Bros. melee players only play on CRT TVs. Oh, because the refresh rate. Because of the refresh rate, yeah. Yeah, there is. Smash them. Like, no one plays melee anymore, you fucks. You didn't even get to evil. <laughs> Smash Bros. Ultimate got to evil. Who was the... I was, oh, I just watched this uh, video. Yes, it was uh, Solomon guys did... Uh, Corridor Digital did this video of uh, like cutting an arrow in half in midair. Hmm. And Solomon guys decided to do it at like, much higher speed rate. Or much higher speed. And uh, at one point, they broke their like uh, monitor for the, the Phantom. It's about one and a half grand. Yeah, that's an expensive piece <laughs> and of kit. They, they're using rubber tipped arrows, but you just see the arrow fly in and it goes into like the case Fuck. for it and you just see it like punch perfectly like in the bottom left corner of this screen and it's fucked. <laughs> it's completely shredded. <laughs> it's it's so good to see it. Like just them all looking at it going, oh no, they did an oh no counter as they like walk up and just immediately wrapped it. I think they said oh no about 10 times <laughs> as they just start to process how much money they wasted with one arrow. <laughs> yeah, I'd be saying that as well. That's an expensive piece of kit. Including uh, Gavin Free saying, oh man, I almost hit the monitor like five minutes before he actually <laughs> does it. <laughs> I, I've, watched, I've been watching a lot of uh, Between the Games and RT Life. Gavin Free might be the most unlucky person he is <laughs> he's an engine of chaos he does yeah. it to himself do not feel sympathy for that man. i do not feel sympathy for him he does it to himself okay <laughs> he's uh they actually they did a it was a weird set of videos where the rt core group uh wanted to steal a microwave because they haven't had a microwave yeah in the, office. the heist yeah so they do that they recruit achievement hunter to make a to make a distraction and achievement hunter filled that they also filmed themselves uh stealing all of chad's desk yeah <laughs> it is the like the first two videos i'm like okay the first video is kind of funny the achievement hunter video doesn't make that much sense but then gavin leaves it at the end with or did we and then they make the third video explaining that all the while this is going on they were actually stealing a person's entire office <laughs> in 30 seconds it's hilarious just like scooping shit into a box and then carrying it away like they run over a parking lot with a table over their heads <laughs> Like, dude, this is, like, the weirdest, like, savage nerd move I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, how organised do you have to be to steal someone's entire office in 30 seconds? It's is... a weirdly, like, military precision yeah. action of to just walk in and say, right, everything's out here in 30 seconds or less. That's got to be... They've 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 done dry runs. So they've just, like, <laughs> let's take this person's office to see how quickly we can do it. Because I did also recently watch the episode where they take lockpicks and break into Gavin's office. Yes. And just fill it with all this shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all that stuff is still in that office today. Like, the nose costume and the the coffee cups and shit with the mold growing out of it yeah Classic coffee bastard. grows a lot of mold i, I don't know if you've ever like, opened up a coffee. moldy coffee cup but holy shit it's so many different species so <laughs> all growing at the same time they all just seem to gravitate towards coffee it's disgusting same with the i think it's anything in a tube because i remember going around a friend's house this was about five maybe six years ago yeah. i run about so I, I think it was when I was 22, so they'd have been turning 21. Uh, they were having a house party run at their house, and I was like, oh, here's have some Pringles. And I cr- opened the tube. Yeah. And it was just, Pringles aren't meant to turn blue. These are blue. <laughs> and there was stuff going at the top. I went, you need to burn that yeah. or donate it to science because you've discovered a new life form. What, uh, if you want to... cocktail Pringles should not be blue. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have a good laugh, find mold growing in a 3D space. It's super. It looks like an alien life form. I I saw this uh, when um, there was mold growing in oil, oh. and it was trying to like find a pathway through because the mold grows out 
and it finds a pathway towards the nearest food source and it, it knew that there was food down the way but it would have to grow through the oil to get there yeah. so it looks super fucking weird it really does look like an alien life form trying to like worm its way towards it. it looks like a parasite yeah. in a weird way but if you see mold growing in oil or in a 3d space like i mean like oil oil i mean like uh, cooking oil yeah like preservative oil stuff like that like if you see it growing in that it's super fucking weird jalapenos also by the way grow a lot of mold i saw really? this once i left a i had like a half a jar of jalapeno peppers sitting in a, in a cupboard didn't touch them for a month came back moldy as fuck fuck yeah. <laughs> like again f- mold in 3d space is just creepy as all hell yeah it was the same with um in a little i think probably get this nowadays where you get this really really delicious um sort of garlic spread and cheese mm-hmm. uh, really really good for bake because my thing for quite a while has been a uh, salmon and spread and cheese bagels bagels and locks i think that's what they call it in, yeah. in the old us but uh, the thing is you have about three days to use the entire tub or it just goes moldy oh it's fucking horrible. It, you always go with the smaller tub, but even with the smaller tub, you still run out of time. <laughs> so you crack open the thing, like, oh crap, what the fuck is black? <laughs> it's the same thing. You see it kind of growing, so there's a thin film on the top. Then if you dig just slightly, you can see it all congregating at the bottom, so it's kind of just crushing yeah. all the cheese out. It's fascinating to look at, but at the same time, if you're going for a spread and cheese salmon bagel, and it's nice spread and cheese, you fucking ruin Nobody's having a salmon bagel. Uh, Nobody's having that disgusting shit. Nah, no one's like that. What was there was one was oh we were talking about something and I was like, oh, I've got a perfect little thing to add in this conversation, I've totally forgotten it. My brain's gone completely shit the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've I've been the same. I've not been See, I've realised that I fucking hate summer. Right. I fucking hate the summer. I love I love the fact that the weather gets warmer and I love the fact that I usually go out and uh, do some pre season training despite the fact that it gave me chest pains for the past little while. Still waiting to see the doctor about that one. Yeah. <laughs> um and I love the fact that uh, occasionally I'll go out with my family sometimes, but more often than not, I spend all five months of my summer indoors. Right. Occasionally I'll go out, take a dog for a walk and stuff, but most of it is indoors. And I never usually have a lot of money because getting a job is kind of shitty. And yeah. that's kind of dried up, so I just think, fuck it, I'll keep um, myself busy for two weeks and yeah. just wait till uni kicks off again. But yeah, I fucking hate summer because I, I do nothing. The fringe is always there, <laughs> but I think, oh yeah, I could go to the fringe with what money. I'll just stay here and occupy space i'll just i'll just, I'll just be here i'll just be here I'll doing play, stuff play video games yeah it's the summer's been it's weird we've been having a weirdly uh monsoony summer yeah it's not been like the usual kind of clear blue skies it's every now and again running where the rain just kicks off and that's when you learn that your jacket isn't really waterproof yeah it's drizzle proof i had that i've had that a few times we get these every year at the rugby club we get a uh, sort of this the the subscription packs and so when you pay your subs for the year you'll get uh, your socks shorts a top and you'll get a storm jacket is what they call it yeah. it's basically just a training top or a sideline top that you can put over it's got a hood it's meant to be waterproof it's an anorak with a hood it's an anorak with a hood like pullover yeah. anorak with a hood the kind of shit they used to stuff in your backpack when you went to primary school they kind of yeah. pack a mac things these things are 100% waterproof guaranteed by raging bull clothing 100% waterproof <laughs> I took the dog out for a walk came back in i was wearing i was deliberately trying to test it yeah. i was wearing a white t-shirt right <laughs> underneath i took it off i was like oh shit um, if i was in america i'd be getting dollar bills thrown at me yeah. <laughs> take this fucking thing off waterproof my ass it's like 100 percent waterproof against what a slight drizzle yeah a kid with a water gun we spritzed it we don't know what happened it yeah, was I mean, perfectly fine jerome we... went in a puddle and he didn't come out like, okay <laughs> that helps have drones swim in it for a bit that's how you know waterproof gear is actually used 
Yeah. It's, it's been it's been a weird one, but, yeah, it's, but uh, when we when it has been hitting those warm highs, it's yeah. been really warm. Like you said, we have had a weird summer this year. It's it's the extremes. Yeah. And, uh, thanks, climate change. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate the fuck out of that one. Just hurry up and get to my favorite uh, time of the year, which is the autumn into the winter, where it's just everything cold. Like, <laughs> I like cold. Give, give me the long, cold, dark of the winter. Please. Give, give me the fresh, cold, dark of winter. <laughs> so I, I may accept my final form and pass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I long to be in my only element, absolute misery. <laughs> <laughs> I know not happiness. <laughs> I wish only for the That's void. great, but why do you want to join this company? I know, only misery. <laughs> it's a really good application, sir, but get out. <laughs> it's, it's a really good application, but I'm scared. Leave. <laughs> Where's the da- Where'd you get the dagger from? Where's my receptionist? <laughs> Shit happens. Shit happens. Sometimes you got to sacrifice someone. I really wanted the job. I had to make a sacrifice. Yep. Right. Emo tapped him under the sacrifice. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. Problem. We are back, and uh, after a quick technical piss break, yep. uh, we have uh, we figured out what the one thing we were missing out from earlier in the show was like, we had something to talk about, yeah. and it was... Uh, it was the fact that you can piss on the ground in Death Stranding. <laughs> yes, yes. Game-breaking development. Thank you, Kijima. Thank you, Kijima. You have a baby strapped to your chest, and you just piss freely. It was, well, frankly, I mean, it's not like if you've got the baby on your on your chest, you kind of need to be able to go wherever you need to. Yeah. You can't, like, go into the... Well, you can't go into a bathroom stall with a baby in. Yeah, no, in a weird pod as well. It's just it's fucking weird. Yeah. It was... Uh, in all the big gaming news right now, I know we're... You know, it's under attack by the President of the United States. He doesn't like the fact that, you know, gaming's influencing the kids. It's causing all yeah. these school shootings and stuff. Oh, very obviously that Fortnite's the, the issue of that one. Yeah. It's very important that Kojima addresses the main issue that we cannot piss in video games. He, he dealt with the horse shit in the last one. Good. I mean, he's taking some making steps. We can see he's developing towards his master plan of being able to piss in video games. And apparently, if enough players piss in the same spot, it grows a mushroom. Yeah, which is the, which is the ma- most maddening thing. But that was the only real thing that I, th- apart from Monster Hunter or Iceborne news, that was the only real thing of note that I took from uh, Gamescom. I was like, okay, more Death Stranding stuff. Yeah. Doesn't it's all anyone's ever going to talk about is a Kojima game. Yeah. If there's Kojima news, all the other news goes out the fucking window. I'm intrigued to say the least, but I am fucking pig sick of people just going, it's so random. What is Kojima going to do? Kojima shows you nothing about the game so that you can experience the full game when you buy it. That's that's the thing that people are just going to have to deal with. Yeah. Kojima is a master of hiding. He'll show you gameplay, but he's not going to, he's going to hide all the story elements Yeah. because he wants you to experience it fresh when you get the game because he's telling the story yeah. just video games are his medium he's a fucking masterful storyteller despite the fact that I mean Metal Gear Solid 4 is probably one of the best games of all time in a lot of people's eyes it tells a great story same with 2 same with 1 same with 3 they're all really good games Metal Gear Solid 5 was such a shit you show went about that in the weirdest order yeah, I mean I went about it in chronological order 1, yeah. 2 then, well, it was MGS 1, MGS 2 MGS 3 before that then 4 Okay, 3 yeah. was a prequel to the whole thing but yeah, I didn't exactly go about that in the most linear fashion, but that's what we do here on the Joe Press Podcast. We start at Z, we jump to A, then go to Batman symbol. We're the Kojima of podcasting. We're the Kojima of podcasting. with Batman. <laughs> with Batman. Kojima plus Batman equals Silverfish. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, something you wanted to talk about that we forgot to put at the start of the show. It was actually the, the metal albums. We, oh yeah, we've metal, been a few metal records, yeah. Yeah, we've had some big Since releases. you showed me the revelation of Bloodywood, which I'm going to be jamming out to on the bus home. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've, I've been all over Twitter and Instagram this morning and being like, oh my god, there's Indian metal. And we were talking about this before we started uh, the podcast. Yeah. Uh, there is a big push. I mean, metal has always been a very European-American thing. 
Uh, but it's been out there for so long now, and it's the age of the internet. So these things, these ideas get to spread much further, much faster. And we've, we've got weird stuff coming out of Mongolia. There's two metal bands uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, one called Tenegar Cavalry, who unfortunately recently lost their singer. Uh, he uh, t- he committed suicide. And there was a another band called The the Who, the H-U, uh, who are a another like Mongolian metal band. And they have great uh, s- great songs. And in the same vein as, say, uh, Norwegian metal bands, how do you make a heavy metal uh, band or how do you make a heavy metal music video when you live in one of the most scenic places on earth? You just get a drone, you fly it around for 20 minutes and you come back and you edit it to footage of uh, your band playing music. Yeah. It works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Uh, That's why people in Sweden and stuff, when they have architecture all over the place, just you're going to get some metal as fuck uh, footage just flying it through the gothic architecture. Yeah. So make lends itself to a music video. It's, it's they, they built metal into the culture accidentally. Yeah. It's uh, it's great. And uh, the best part of it, though, for me, was definitely the culture shock of seeing uh, that there was like a, a swastika on one of the, the guitar bridges. And you realize, oh, wait, no, no, no. It's not like the Nazi swastika. It's a Buddhist swastika. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's, it's, it's a good swastika. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it means peace. There's a bunch of people chanting, wearing black leather, and uh, seeing swastikas in the place. I'm like, oh, God, what did I accidentally <laughs> really enjoy? <laughs> How bad do I feel that I like this? <laughs> oh, God, what is this doing to me? Uh, it's. It's, I'm not clean. So we found that, and then uh, I've I found there's a, a, an Italian band uh, called Rosewind, who have I, I'd never really heard much of their stuff, but they have a song where they're all dressed up as dwarfs. Okay, and it's called Diggy Diggy Hole. Diggy Diggy. Oh a, shit! Yeah, I've seen that on, <laughs> you on YouTube. Diggy yeah. Diggy Hole. It's so good. With well, the it's, name like Rosewind, it sounds like they're all dressed in fancy Elizabethan clothes, playing I violins think, with rapiers or something. I think it's something to do with uh, like fantasy stories, and they're all like Tolkien nerds and shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're I mean, all. I think that's one thing. That you, I fu- yeah, when you make a band yeah, and you one dress thing up I fucking as fucking love about metal is the fact that everybody in metal is a fucking nerd. Yeah. Like Dave Mustaine's a huge fan of old school. Uh, shooter games like Doom and stuff like that Christina yeah. Sabia from Lacuna Coil massive gamer she got one of the first limited edition copies of Sekiro when it came in <laughs> then you've got uh, Howard Jones who's just a fucking nerd for fishing <laughs> which is fucking awesome I That's love that about, do your thing yeah. I love that about uh, metal culture it's just oh you're into metal awesome what else do you like you like Mario Maker fuck yeah brother <laughs> fucking Mario, Mario Maker <laughs> Mario Maker then it's just like the, make the most metal as fuck Mario Maker set to <laughs> some kind of chip tune version of Rain and Blood it's it, it's nuts. It's, it's kind of fucking love it, man. It's love weird it. that you can get geeky about metal as well. Like it's yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's um the one thing we found again was uh, uh, Bodywood, which was an Indian metal band. And every time I thought, like just to play like a ten second clip of it, it's an absolute fucking banger. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Like it's it's a band putting out their best efforts, which I'm all for, oh, and yeah. it happens to be good. And it's got it's it feels like the Indian version of Sepultura, where Sepultura being a Brazilian band had tons of Brazilian influence. Mm. This band have a lot of Indian influence. There's yeah. a lot of Indian instruments. Uh, the same way with uh, the Who and uh, Tenegra Cavalry, there's Mongolian instruments involved and it's it's blended in very well. Like It's a very smooth blend yeah. of metal and a different culture, which is great. It's something that's a lot of fun to experience. So if you get a chance, find the weirdest metal you can yeah. and tweet it at Jibberfish. So I've got something interesting to listen to the next day. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll go back to Union in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be needing some train music to annoy yeah. you. Uh, early commuters <laughs> people sitting there reading the guardian and sipping a extremely potent coffee and i'm head banging at some bloody wood or something like that. <laughs> give me give me the weird music and i think that's that's part of the 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 beauty of metal is that it's the music is is kind of i don't want to say uniform but it's, it's always heavy it's always down there's a style to it there's a style to it and that you, you can add stuff in yeah so when you've got maybe i'm um, 
like just a sitter. Yeah. Like sitter's got that kind of unique sound to it. That would probably go quite well. There's a high pitched twang to it. Yeah. If you, you can put that, put that in a slow down with some clean vocals, perfect. Yeah. And this is uh this is where we're gonna get into the the whiny bitching moment of the the podcast we're gonna talk about Kill Switch Engage's new album. Yeah. And actually uh, there I got asked just to kind of preface this a bit, a friend of mine messaged me saying, dude, uh, there's a concert on the 28th of October. Do you fancy coming with me? I was like, yeah, sure, dude. I'm always down for a concert. Uh, who's playing the event? He told me their bands. I'm like, who else is playing? Kill Switch Engage? No. Immediate no. He's <laughs> like, why not? Because I have not been a fan of, of the last three. You only thought there was the last two Kill yeah. Switch Engage albums, Kill Switch Engage records. I've not been a fan of the last three Kill Switch Engage records because I don't like Jesse Leach. Yeah. You give me Howard Jones for four albums? Yeah. Three, four albums? Yeah. Four records, and that was just fucking gold. Howard Jones's voice that, that is sets a bar at a certain level. Yeah. That and I'm Jesse sorry. Leach is not even approaching the mark to try and jump over the bar. Yeah. I just don't think Jesse Leach fits Killswitch Engage. And if if you're not a Killswitch Engage fan, they've been going since what early two thousands. Yeah, very early two thousands. This is the debate. Maybe is, before that actually, because they did two records before Howard Jones with Jesse. No, one record with Jesse Leach. He left. Or he, re- he he left the band or was kicked out or something. And then it's weird that that album's okay. I'm yeah, okay with a, that that's album. A good record. It's okay. It's a good start. It's uh, End of Heartache. No, no, no End of Heartache. The first one with Howard Jones. Killswitch Engage. I think the first album might have just been self-titled. Yeah, and that's it's a good first start album. And yeah. then they trade out Jesse Leach for Howard Jones, and it just gets fucking better and better. And it blows up from there. You have uh, just epic tracks that go on, like My Curse. Jesus Christ, like how big, how ab- like just absolute bangers from wall to wall yeah. for like three or four albums and then Howard Jones uh, has to leave the band to bring back Jesse Leach and you have a generation of fans who only liked the original album and thought Howard was uh, trying to be too melodic when if you've listened to any of that era of Killswitch Engage, Howard yeah. Jones has the voice for melody. Yeah, he has. Which is something we'll discuss later on when yeah. Howard Jones appears for a track on this new album. That I did not recognize yes i think a, a key theme for this conversation will be we didn't recognize that like i didn't recognize yeah. there was a whole missing album you didn't recognize howard jones oh, yeah. was on this album yeah i think uh, just going back to how many records he was on i think he was on alive or just breathing i think that was howard's first album yep and then there was kill switch engage which was the first record with jesse leach came out in 2000 mm-hmm. then we've got end of heartache which was just a fucking phenomenal banger of an album as daylight dies fucking fantastic then it goes kill switch engage second self-titled album which is a weird move which is a weird move but still the record itself was pretty good yeah i went to see it live i think it was one of the last howard jones led kill switch tours yeah they were also touring within flames so that was a fucking great night for me and then it goes disarm the descent that's the uh, jesse leach's first album back yes then incarnate which you didn't know existed <laughs> and apparently i uh, i dodged the bullet on that one yeah because it sounds exactly the same as atonement but with four extra songs <laughs> and atonement is the latest record which as you as you may be picking up on now through the very subtle subtext here i didn't like i, I i've I left this album feeling disappointed and i think it's because with howard jones being our kill switch that is our kill switch yeah. engage that is uh what we what we set as the bar for this band and the great thing about Howard was variety he could take it slow he could yeah. go with a very smooth melody massively talented voice and he could throw down screams and growls better than most at the time yeah. could I mean now I think he'd probably be outdone but at the same time like back in the day best one of the best in the business so oh, without a doubt 
when you have great musicians backing up, like the Killswitch Engage band still sounds good. The problem mm. is it still sounds the same. There's yeah. no change in this album. The one song that stands out uh, from this album is I Am Broken 2. And I like it. It's very good. It's a very good slow song. Mm. And it's because what we're talking about uh, before we started this segment was that Killswitch Engage has a theme in their music and in the, the lyrics that they write that uh, it's it's strength is you your strength is you standing up to suffering pain emotional yeah. suffering that you've you, you're going through and that you will beat this you will yeah. defeat this you will come back again stronger than you were yeah what reinforces every track is like Colin said it's the idea that you are more than you think you are you are capable of more than you think you are uh, even if you're one man standing alone that one man is enough just yeah. it's, it's a lot about self-belief self-empowerment and that's powerful it's, it's what yeah, made it, it great it's what made great music when you're a teenager yeah. And you don't really know what's going on in life. You don't know what you're doing. Like maybe you're a bit more heavy metal, a bit more of a goth guy. Hmm. That like that really speaks to you when you're a young guy, and that's what the fans grew up on. Oh yeah, I, th- I think it, it resonated with me especially because it's 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 no mystery here that I was I was bullied quite heavily as a kid, knowing that just having that kind of music or having something that I looked to being yeah. heavy metal as a kind of re- as a little bit of an escape, thinking yeah, you're more than you think you are. That it sends a massively positive message. Yeah, and that's uh, when we come to that same message being the same thing being said at 20 years later yeah. it seems a bit strange or something about it i'm like yeah. can i i get it like i got this three albums ago yeah um but then that's got where it three <laughs> albums ago when it was said better yeah <laughs> um i i i look at this the, the one track i do enjoy i am broken too and that because it's, it's interesting to me because it's almost a new theme it's not strength against suffering it's solidarity in suffering yeah where it's someone saying look we're all hurt we're all yeah. in pain we're all we all have our scars they look different but we're all scarred and mm. that's it's a very beautiful message the same that kind of the original message was beautiful but i've heard it so many times from kill switch engage i'm kind of bored of it now so then to bring something yeah. new to the table is if you had like it's basically a relationship between two damaged broken people yeah and it's it's beautiful and i love it it's the only track that stands out to me mm. uh, which i assumed the only track that would stand out would be the, the second one the one with harry jones on it yeah. But you can't really tell. Yeah, when Colin t- uh, texts me saying, "I'm um, giving the new Killswitch Engage uh, record a shot," I'll let you know what I think. And I went, "Okay." And he said, "The I like one song, and it's not the Howard Jones. It's song. not the Howard Jones song." My immediate reply was, "I did not know that was on this record. Which track is it?" Yes. And you said it's the second one. I listened to the first six songs. I did not fucking recognize Howard Jones's voice. No. And that's the thing is that there's these two different styles, and this um. So we talked about the fact that the the key conversation around Killswitch Engage with the fans is always who was better. Yeah, is Howard Jones better? Is Jay Elite better? We have our answer. Our answer is always going to be Howard yeah. Jones. Other people really adamantly vote for Jesse Leach every single time, and it's it's a fanatical fan base. And it's strange that this album, uh, this track, was seen as a reconciliation between the bands because the split ups between uh, Killswitch and the singers have always been bad. It's not. It's always been a dramatic. Like it's been a bit of a strop. It's never been like mm. a, a, a charitable part of ways of like, I'm sorry, we're just not going to work together anymore. It's just, I you know, respect you and all that. It's always been very kind of bitchy and catty yeah. when it comes to the breakups and it never ended well. So the idea that it would be a track with both singers working together, like, yeah. oh great, this uh, this should be a talent showcase. This should be the best of both worlds for Killswitch Engage with Jesse doing his thing and how we're doing their thing and you can see both styles contrasting together but at the same time harmonize them hmm. that'd be, that'd be a great thing to have on an album uh with both singers working together it would be great for the community of Killswitch Engage fans it'd be great for metal i mean it's it's 
it's a great what if scenario of what if we got two of the best singers from uh the uh, from bands that people really love and put them together on track yeah. and they take that golden opportunity and they just fuck it against the wall yeah. by having both singers sing in the same style there is howard has like two lines at the end where he's smooth other than that like i would have had jesse do all of his vocals harsh maybe not like screechy harsh but yeah go dark go, yeah, go deep, unclean growling um and then have howard come in with melodies mm. and have them both like kind of play back and forth a little yeah. bit but somehow they just have the idea that if we both sound the same it'll be a better track but no you completely fucked this opportunity yeah. it's like a, maybe not a once in a generation thing but it's like a once in once in an album yeah and i don't think they'd do it on another album no i don't think because of the potential reaction to this i know they are touring this year but i'm fucking not be going to that <laughs> i don't think you're going to see howard jones and jesse leach getting another do another thing like this because i guarantee the fan reaction to it's not going to be good because yeah. you're not you're not utilizing the strengths of howard uh, and the strength and the versatilities of howard and the strength and the versatility of jesse leach you're just having them sing in the exact same way and if i remember right they kind of drown each other out yeah uh, howard gets kind of undercut by jesse and jesse or uh, howard undercuts jesse a little bit they, do, they don't really play off each other. And to make the track better, I think the best way to do it would be have them, you know, clean harsh. Yeah. Like do that kind of thing or have some kind of approximation of the two. But it's just, I don't think people are going to be as receptive to it again because they're going to see, or they're going to listen to the old one and go, nah, it didn't work then. Why would it work now? They're two completely different styles. I think most people would think, right, I'm just going to go and listen to Light the Torch or what was it? It wasn't Kill or Be Killed, was it? Uh, it used to be Devil You Know. It Devil changed you know, yeah. to carry the torch because of legal issues yeah uh in which a, it turns out it was another band using the exact same name devil you know and they're like we'll be light the torch now yeah, to we, avoid legal soon yeah, we, we're, we're doing this it's what we always wanted to do we promised <laughs> <laughs> it was always a placeholder name we promised are they still are they still a band or have they parted ways i have no idea i, just, I don't follow uh that band anymore i just i wouldn't change the name i just somehow lost interest because they had two the first record devil, the devil you know record was fucking great yeah it's fantastic there was a weird audio mixing issue when one song despite having quite a low volume on my phone at the time fucking ripped through sound wise because it was just loud as hell and you go to the next track and it was quieter you had to turn up the volume it wasn't really mixed properly i I didn't notice that issue yeah it was also the same in a killer be killed that first track was loud as oh that is that first track is loud on killer be killed oh it's such a great fucking record so good though i I broke my cd (laughs) (laughs) just in sheer ecstasy yes bang i just i I listened to it so many times over and over and over again i just i think i scratched the shit out of it no i i want to throw that on again i've not listened to it in a while definitely it's one of those one of those records that i'm glad that i still have on my spotify that and the roadrunner united record that song the dagger so fucking good and uh the one what was the track with Corey Taylor on it? Uh, the Blind Man. Yeah, dude. There's a lot of that album. If, if you want to talk about Roadrunner, Roadrunner, the record label putting together a, a greatest hits, all brand new tracks by their their top talents. Yeah. for their 25th year anniversary. That album, by the way, is also about 15 years old. Yeah, let that sink in. I I still have the there was a limited edition that they put out where you got a football jersey yeah that had the roadrunner united thing and it had roadrunner classics on the back and you yeah. had a number depending on uh, it was like it was a random number you got on it i still have that and it's a small it, do, it does not fit me in any way shape or form but i still have that in my house that's for the next I, generation you gift that yeah that's to I'm the gonna child. just give that give that to the child but that's, yeah it is that's nuts and it was a great album and it's again it features howard jones 
at one point. Yeah, he's, he's on there as well. Because he is a staple of this thing, and yeah. then you take an opportunity like this, and you just kind of fu- you fumble the opportunity yeah. to work. I mean, just to give you a, I give you a hint as to how big this album was. There was George Orderson. There was th- uh, three different camps. Uh, yeah. George Orderson had a team. Matt Heafy had Ma- a team. Matt Heafy, no, was it Matt Heafy? Yeah, he, he was one of the captains. And who's the who's the lead singer of Machine Head? I'm going to get crucified for this. Oh shit! I'm going to crucify myself for this one. I should really know this. I'm, I a, I'm a reasonably know. sized Machine Head fan. That was like, the biggest yeah. one. Somebody fucking Google it. <laughs> it's, it's one of those names. It's right on the fucking tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. A friend of mine actually, uh, whenever he goes to a kill switch engage, uh, not kill switch engage, a machine Rob head. Rob Flynn. Show. Rob Flynn, motherfucker. That was embarrassing. That is a that solid. That's a solid thirty seconds of us going. Oh my god! Shit, who's who's, the who the fuck machine? is Rob Flynn? I didn't even see his name. I just looked at an image and immediately went Rob Flynn. Yeah, Rob <laughs> Flynn. Because because uh, he always had these weird uh, the the ace t-shirts that was all his thing yeah and uh, whenever a friend of mine went to a machine head show he fucking recognized rob flynn rob flynn knows uh one of my friends and they always get stuff off him like set list shirts and stuff he always yeah. gets the shit for free because he's knows him he's known him for fucking years it's pretty awesome yeah but uh yeah these guys just have their own sort of teams with them uh matt heafy's got fucking a shit ton of really good uh, uh recording artists joey jordan had like uh, dino cavares from uh soulfly from soulfly uh Shit, the lead singer from Soulfly Sepultura, Max Cavallera. Ma- Max Cavallera. He's in it for a couple of things. He drops some fucking ridiculous guitar. The the entire album is just t- and it's so different though. It's just yeah. There's never there's no track. To there's see. one bad track. I can't remember the name of it, but there's one track that's it's very kind of light. It's very it was a very kind of like of the time track. Yeah, there's a I think there was a track called No Mass Control that I did not like. Uh, what just, you don't like No Mass Control? That's no, Max Cavallera. That's Max. That, no, that's not no, Max. Yeah, No Mass Control. No more control because it's Hispanic. It's Hispanic. There was one that was no. I thought there's that was, one whiny little track that there was you one don't that like, was sung by Matt Heafy, and that was not a good track. Oh, uh, the the end. It's because it's got a weird music video for it. Yeah, it's all very bendy and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember the the lyrics were like, yeah. If it was the one that was sung by Matt Heafy, it was not a good. It was not a good track. No mass control. If no I remember, control's a banger. If I remember it, I wasn't too keen on, but. There's about three songs that the minute I put that record There's on, I just think, listen to this. In the Fire. In the Fire. Oh, that's the one. King with, Diamond. That's the one by King Diamond. That's a yes. fucking great track. I, seriously, this is, this is a banger. We're just going to sit here and get uh, all, all nostalgic about this. I th- I, it's not tired only. I'm trying to find this. There's one song in here that I absolutely hate. I think it might be either No Way Out or... um, That might be the song that I'm thinking of instead of No Mass Control. Yeah. But then again, I still... I, I'm probably again. I might need to hand them my metal credentials for this, but I don't think I like no mass control that much. Uh, objectively wrong. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> you're objectively wrong. No mass control is an absolute banger because half of it's in Spanish, <laughs> and you're like, I have no idea what it says, but I'm angry and I'm fucking ready to work out. Let's go right now. I'll so, need to re-listen it, but I'm pretty sure. I think it's no way out because it, it might is, be no way. Out. It's a very whingy song, and yeah. it was very of the time that. Like Roadrunner United was a a bulwark against that type of shit. Yeah. And then to hear one track in there that complete and I think it follows up with it was just before or after uh I Don't Wanna Be a Superhero. Oh yeah. Which is great. Yeah. It's a to- again, it's tonally different from a lot of the different yeah, dude, tracks that, on that there, was but it's great. degrees away from being a punk song. It was that quick. But it's good. Yeah, fucking great song. But uh, talk bring it back to Kill Switch Engage because we're just I think we're actively 
not even subconsciously, consciously trying to put good <laughs> records in there. So just we because don't have to talk about Kill Switch Engage. It's just disappointing. It's mean, really disappointing. I think the the main thing for me was when I messaged you, I said it sounds exactly the same as uh, Incarnate. Uh, to some descent, it sounds exactly the same as those two records. I'm gonna have to listen to Incarnate now, by the way. It's not great. I'm gonna come back to this, and you if you think I'm annoyed about this album, I'm gonna be very annoyed by this album. I get this. To some the descent, they tried to do something different, and they kind of went a more heavy, hardcore-ish uh, Jesse Leach, which would do nothing but scream in this record. Then they go Incarnate, and they try and push that a bit further, but they still try and bring in more of the older themes of Kill Switch Engage. Then when this record, they just thought, fuck it, let's go old school Kill Switch Engage, let's give them what they want. Yeah. But it still sounds far too similar to the other two records. And that's the problem is that the band always sounds the same. And they're yeah. very technically good at what they do. A lot of the, well, the band the, it's the, the riffs, music, the drumming, holy shit. The band and the music that they create is great, but the vocals and the lyrics have not changed. And that's going to be an issue if you've been a fan the whole way through. Yeah. It'd be very interesting to see what somebody who doesn't know Kill Switch Engage back from like we do, yeah. what they would think of this. But I, I, this album just kind of... Eh. Yeah, and it, it really sucks for me to say that because Killswitch Engage is one band that has been on every single music device that I've owned. Back from the CDs, back in the, the very early CD player days. Back the when only we Walkman. <laughs> I, I never, we couldn't afford a Walkman. I had a budget Woolworths CD player. <laughs> but this thing was invincible. I could throw it about the room and it would never skip. Yeah. It was fucking fantastic. But Somehow they made the better version. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how they did that. They just had anti-skip technology so you could put it in your pocket and jog and it wouldn't jostle about. It was fantastic. But then you kind of fast forward to... It's on every MP3 player. Every MP3 player, is- phone... Uh, it's on my PC, laptop, everything that I can put music onto, Killswitch Engage was on. So it, it, I take no joy whatsoever in saying that the latest Killswitch Engage albums were a major flop in my mind. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, the Howard Jones thing, to, to bring it back to Machine Head, just to bring tangents back together in a loop. Just to tie shit together. I wanted to see Devil You Know uh, as uh, when they were touring with Machine Head. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that was the week after the Bataclan attack in Paris. Yeah. And... Uh, Devil You Know said they were just going to play it safe and go home mm-hmm. uh, so Machine Head did like a four hour set that was my Machine Head story that's why I have a massive amount of respect for that band because yeah. that was Bloodstone and Diamonds tour at the time and they like that stuck in my head the fact that Ralph Lund was like I'm just going to play four hours I got a stage oh. to myself fuck it I'm just going <laughs> to just jerk off on this stage for four hours and it, worth it great yeah. show um, I, been, Machine Head always put on a fucking show I've never seen them live unfortunately and I, I would fix that. Uh, yeah. I want to. I want to fix that. But uh, they, they always, from stuff that I've seen, from download and stuff that I've seen yeah. them playing live shows that I've seen bits of on YouTube, they are a band that put on a show. Yeah, and the audience is there for it. They're yeah. there for the Machine Head show. Yeah, I mean, Machine Head is a name so so synonymous with metal that people, people even if they're not massively familiar with Machine Head, they know mm. a few Machine Head tracks, so they know what to expect when they get to a yeah. show. It's always on someone's metal playlist and. Killswitch yeah. Engage used to be that, but now I yeah. I couldn't recommend in I good mean, consciousness. Those four Hojo albums are still on the recommended yeah. playlist. The, the Hojo albums yeah. are. This is Absolution, As Daylight Dies. They're always they're always going to be on the recommendation. Tasty fucking Holy jams. Diver. Yeah, Holy Diver. The fact that Dio makes Holy Diver and then gives the rights to Killswitch Engage and then turns around and says they get they did it better than me. Yeah. To take to to humble a rock god such as Ronnie James yeah. Dio. <laughs> is a fucking achievement in and of itself yeah. and you will if you listen to those albums you'll realise there's a reason why people hold Killswitch Engage in such regard and why it hurts to say that we did yeah, not enjoy it, this it album yeah it sucks but so. contrasting from kind of boring 
awful metal album. Baby Metal's Papaya is the album of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just an EP. The full album's coming later on this year. That's not a joke. I'm not joking on that one. I You like it? Papaya is the I shit. I have not listened to it. Baby Metal, one of those bands that I just, I was like, nah, man, I, I'm not into it. It grew. It grew on me like a yeah. mold. And I was just like, you know what? It's not bad. And now I'm to the point where I was just thinking, if it... Cute Japanese girl anime metal is the shit. I, I mean, it's getting to the point where I was thinking, I could listen to this. I mean, I wouldn't go and see it because it would be weird. Yeah, you'd feel guilty seeing yeah, it. Just but like, the uh, good news is in the UK, they only do festivals. Yeah. They only do download. And they show up to download. And I remember the first year they did it. And people were like, oh my God, why is Robert... Why is... Uh, why is... Uh, oh, shit. There was every metal celebrity was taking photos. Like, oh Rob my Halford. God, Rob Halford was there taking photos of baby metal, and so just said, "That's disgusting. He's ashamed. He's done horrific things to the metal community by taking his photos." Like, no, this is funny as fuck. And then they yeah. did a live show. There's a Judas Priest baby metal mashup at like a, an award show. They did it for a laugh once, and it's brilliant. It's hilarious. That's the thing. Rob Halford said these these three girls are going to be the biggest thing in heavy metal because they're making something completely new, and people fucking love it. Yes. And uh, the Papaya album or the Papaya EP features main track Papaya, uh, which has go and, go a, and say Papaya instead of Papaya because it's something like. But it's pa- it, the, yeah, the letters, put hyphens in there. The letters spell Papaya. Yeah. But Papaya is the way it's sung in the song. I know. And Sounds it's, weird, though. which includes like an Indonesian rapper. Or I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> that just seems like people are seeing what Baby Miller are about and just thinking, yeah, dude, I want to do that. I, I want, I want in on this because yeah. it's, it's it's fun. They have uh, Elevator Girl, which is weird. They're very. Talk, they're talking about Elevate Girl a lot because they say this is a style of music they kind of want to do but it's, it's a bit more dancey hmm. there's a there's like a, a an electronic beat in there yeah. but it's still metal um, and yeah, then that's what kind of baby metal are known for they do this this poppy yeah. dancey Japanese music and they just have one guy Ridiculous screaming his guts out in the background <laughs> and extremely competent musicians in the background shredding and beating the shit out of the drums. Uh, then there's... You just look at them and think, how are you doing this? What the fuck is this? <laughs> Who put this together and why does it work and why am I afraid and aroused at the same time? <laughs> what kind of weird genie wish came up with this thing? What did Will Smith give you for this genie wish? What's the monkey's paw in this one? Like, yeah. where's, where's the where's the drawback? Because the drawback would be pretty fucking big to make this work. We've given you this. What did we lose? Uh, there's <laughs> in Starlight, which is a bit slower, but it's, it's good. Um, and then... Ends with Distortion, which features Elisa Vice Glutes of Arch Enemy. Oh. And I, I knew I recognized the voice from somewhere, but I didn't it wasn't until Google that I was like, Oh yeah, oh, that is her. Fucking hell. <laughs> it's it's a ba- you listen to it, you go, This is ridiculous. Again, it's it's a question of who made this work? Yeah, who who sold the soul? Who sucked off the devil? <laughs> <laughs> Someone sucked off the devil for this one. Speaking of Elisa Vice Glutes, that's another good revitalization of a band. Arch Enemy was fucking outstanding. Then she took over and people are just thinking no, this is going to be crap. The chick for the agonist. That's, not That's gonna never going to... Oh, shit. Oh, crap. <laughs> Angela Gosso was bowing down at the side. Yeah. And uh, if you want to talk about like the contrast between like Killswitch and Gage's transitions to Arch Enemies, everyone's like, this is bullshit. And it took Angela Gosso coming out and saying, no, I'm doing this. I'm stepping away. Yeah. I'm putting this person in place because it will work. Shut up and listen. Give her five tracks. Yeah. You give her five tracks, she blows the fucking walls off yeah. the room. <laughs> if anyone says, oh, she's going to be shy, I'll just slide them a copy of War Eternal. Listen to that. You, you, you go listen to that and then realise she can do that live. Yep. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this shit live. Go and listen to it. I, we shot that shit live with Creator. Yeah. Oh, and at the same time... Fucking t- dude, talk about a show, man. Oh. <laughs> that was so good. Can't believe I nutted for two hours straight. <laughs> I, did, I, I, I managed to get right to the front. I got thrown... 
So I remember I thought, I want to go to the mosh pit, but I've lost far too many pairs of glasses. And I didn't have contacts at the time. It's not the place for the respectable... The respectable, the respectable gentleman. Respectable no. gentleman. Nowadays, if I go to a concert, taking these fuckers off. Because yeah. these the ones that I'm wearing right now are expensive. These were about 125 and they've got the rubberized ends, yeah. so they, they or, shoot. No, they're, they're worn away. They're kind of stabbing me in the back. <laughs> but they're, they're, never buy designer glasses. They're just a fucking waste of time. Yeah. So if we... Never take them at a gig because they will just shut <laughs> If we didn't like... If we want something new, but at the same time we want to enjoy an older band, what could we listen to that came out in the last month? What could we listen to? What could we listen to? What would we be we are of a kind? unsure. We are something. We are of a kind... We are not no, your you're kind. kind. Whoa. Uh, the Trans segues. <laughs> that was writing like six different segues at the same time. <laughs> we were I don't know where I'm going, but I'm gyroscoping the fuck out of this. <laughs> we could barely hold on to one, so we just increase our surface area and lie across all six at once. Yeah. Uh, so, Slipknot's still make music. And yeah, Slipknot if you want to talk about a band that was so huge in the early 2000s, such a huge part of every teenage boy's uh, staple diet of metal, oh, yeah. making albums in 2019, and you think, how are Slipknot still going to be relevant? Slipknot changed their tonal style yeah. years ago. This is what we were hoping Killswitch Engage might do at some yeah. point. Uh, rather than try and produce the same track over and over again, because there are bands that can't produce the same album over again. See them on a Marth. Oh, yeah. They make the same album, same style of album every time, but because they're singing epic sagas of Viking Conquest, kind of don't give a shit about yeah, them doing that. As long as they're doing the same thing and doing it well, no one really cares. They've perfected it down to an art form. So when you have Slipknot coming out in the last couple of years, they've toned it down because if Corey Taylor was still screaming the way he did back in Iowa, there would be a serious fucking problem with Corey yeah. Taylor. More than there already is because Corey Taylor is a dark, twisted human yeah. being. You, you just need to read his book, Seven Deadly Sins, to, to understand that he has not had the easiest time. But yeah, it, Dark and twisted genius. Yeah, there's no mistaking that the man's a genius. And it, nowhere does that shine better than in We Are, we are Not Your Kind yeah. because... Uh, a lot of people were wondering, especially from the Grey Chapter, what's going to happen next to Slipknot? Because the Grey Chapter was mourning over the death of Paul Grey, the yeah. bassist. And there was a lot of different types of track in that record, but ultimately that record is still fucking outstanding. Solid gold. Yeah, ridiculous. Then you go to... And not to mention the band's drama, which has been uh, Joey Johnson Joey Johnson being booted from the band, and now Chris, Chris Fenn, Fenn, just yep. before this album kind of got started. Yep. Uh, and there's currently lawsuits back and forth I think yeah. as far as that one because of uh, ownership and rights to songs and yeah. uh, percentages of money earned um, because of who produces and who's involved in what stages of a Slipknot but the, the scariest thing for me about We Are Not Your Kind is that it seems like they are winding up really? yeah I've heard a lot of things interviews with Corey Taylor and he's saying it's easier for us to just end on a high than it is to replace other band members mm. Uh, because the thing with Chris Fenhart, and I can't remember why he was asked to leave the band or why he left the band. They've never actually talked about it. Yeah. It's just currently known as a legal issue yeah. that the band is resolving kind of behind closed doors, as far as I'm aware. But if I did hear that it was to do with either royalties or there was money... As with all things, it's yeah. money. There was money that was meant to change hands, but it didn't, or he was taking money that he wasn't really allowed to... Uh, what he really shouldn't have taken I can't really remember and I'm not going to I think we've put the joke out there like what do you have to do to piss off Slipknot enough to yeah. get you kicked out like and enough to, Slipknot yeah enough to be forced out of the band It's. I mean remember Slipknot is and it's been this way for the last couple of years Slipknot is therapy for these guys this is yeah. what they what, what's what they need to do yeah. 
to feel better or to get on with life and that's why they come together every couple of years and it's now almost kind of like a super group in some way that yeah. Corey's off doing his own thing with Stone Sour and making his own art project and everyone else is away doing their own thing and then they come together once every couple of years yeah. to make this album and yeah. when they've come together this time they've produced a fucking banger yeah it's an absolute cracking album I've heard a lot of people saying that they can't listen to it in the album structure the way that they've structured it in the record itself is not the best way to listen to it. They've listened listened to it in the order that the EPs came out. Right. And apparently that makes it better. But regardless, the album, there's not a single track on that album that I would skip. It's just 100% Slipknot Gold. Yeah. And I, I think my favourite track on the entire album is Solway First. Solway First is a good one. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm a big fan. My favourite thing to listen to is Unsainted. Um, mm. But I really like uh, Neo Forty. Uh, the fourth or fifth track, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got um, The Orphan, which is like my little kind of, that's my little part of the album. I'm like, oh, I really fucking like how dark and weird this is. It's got that weird militaristic drumming in it as well. Yeah. I'm like, oh, whenever somebody does that, and if they do it right, and if they have the right impact behind it, I'm fucking sold. It's the easiest way to get me interested in a, in a track is that kind of combo of militaristic drumming and like a powerful message behind it that's very, very effective in this one. Um, and I did fucking also. spiders, spiders. Oh, just shivers in the spine every time you yeah. think about it. Also, what song preceded that? I think that. Well, there's a weird. Uh, I it, two tracks before is also one of my favorite tracks in it. A liar's funeral. Yeah, that is ridiculous. And that thing is with it being Slipknot doing very music. Everyone's gonna find their one thing in this album. Yeah, um, I, it caters to everybody. Yeah. And anyone who's been a fan of Slipknot at any point in their, their history will find at least one track on here to say, oh, I like this one. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's um, there's one that's kind of like, uh, there's, there's one, two or three towards the end. I think it's the second and third last tracks that I'm not the biggest fan of. But I feel like it's just part of something they wanted to do and they wanted to put it yeah. out there. But other than that, I mean, I, the whole album itself is just gold. Even yeah. the little intro parts and stuff like that. Yeah. They are touring this year. I think it's this no it's Feb- it's, maybe next year maybe february next year and i am 100 in for buying tickets yeah. i don't care how much they're costing it, may, it could be my last chance to see slipknot live and this will be my only chance because i missed the last one and it is probably the biggest regret other than not seeing uh howard jones in concert with killswitch yeah. this would be up there um and we actually got some uh i got a post this morning from my brothers saying that uh, there's a Five Finger Death Punch tour with Megadeth, with Megadeth and with Bad Wolves. Ooh, I'd Tickets go on sale early September, or mid or late September. Sorry. So uh, when's the when's the gig? October. I don't know. Right. I don't know when it is, but am, the tickets go on sale on 19th September. I am down for going to see Bad Wolves and Megadeth. I'm not. I'm. I've not been the biggest fan of Death Punch for a while, but if yeah. they play older tracks, no, sure. nobody has been a, a fan for a long while, and it's, yeah. it's understandable. It's never a point where I'm like. What do you mean you don't like Five Finger Death Punch anymore? What do you mean they've, they've totally changed? And what do you mean they've, they're, they're not the same as the what you mean Ivan Moody's a weird guy? What, what do you mean Ivan Moody has too many problems to make a competent album anymore? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I, I just, I want to see what those guys produce and want to see them at least one last time. And it, I mean, again, I've seen them, I've seen them live at Download and they were pretty good then, but that was when Death Punch were maybe a year old. Yeah. And uh, Slipknot, I have seen once again at Download 2009 and that was one of the best that would be subliminal verses, wouldn't it? Yep. Oh, that's a good fucking And that was pretty fucking cool. Uh, the clown gave me a high five as he was running around being chased by security to him to get back on stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, some English, some uh, Newcastle lads, and it's just like, no, come back. Oh, 
fuck where are you going now <laughs> come back dude just get back <laughs> on stage one, okay. at one point some guy's running behind him and he literally just does the fuck it <laughs> do what you want you know what i'm not controlling this i'm not controlling a literal clown <laughs> it's literally like the kid got off his little child leash and he's like fuck it do with, with it yourself dog i ain't dealing with this shit no more when you bust your knee don't come crying okay <laughs> i ain't giving you a plaster fuck off but uh, yeah i would like to go and see slipknot again in a smaller setting because it downloads there's so many people that are playing to they a do the hydro now they're doing the hydro yes yeah that'd be well worth it yeah I, i'd go but for I want, i'm fuck seating i want to get right in there on the pit the pit at the hydro good, good. good. Who, have you seen the band at the hydro who have you seen who the fuck did i see i think that actually it wasn't five finger was it who did I see at the Hydro? I should remember, it's about a very bad memory for a long term yeah. stuff. I saw it in Flames at one point. They were actually, they were warm up for whoever I saw at the Hydro. I think it, I think it might actually have been Five Finger Death Punch. It might have been, because I remember you telling me, just saying, dude, I went to go see In Flames. I was like, you don't remember In Flames from my favourite band? <laughs> Why didn't <laughs> you tell me, dude? Because <laughs> well, Five Finger Death Punch concert and you probably yeah. wouldn't have went. Um, well, back then I would I mean, yeah. see, before if anyone says to me, "Dude, you want to go to a concert?" Actually, yeah, it was Five Finger because we left. We went. We had to walk through all the tunnels to get to the underground. Yeah, it was me and my brothers and uh, my brother Stephen had like a big rant about how he just doesn't like the band anymore. And I'm like, I just got like, I'm I'm still in the high. I'm just coming down from the high. I've just seen one of my favorite bands do yeah. their performance and fucking nailing it. And you're wanting to bitch and moan about it because yeah. it's not the same as what it was. We all know it's not the same. We're trying to relive the glory days yeah. here. We just need one more hit of Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> just, just one more round of this fucking song. That's all we need. Yeah, just one more one more record that's we, along that lines would be fine. We know the junk food isn't good for us, okay? But we just need one more hit, man. I need that Mickey D's. <laughs> I need the musical equivalent of Mickey D's, all right? I know it's bad for me. I know it's not as good as it used to be back in the day fuck you i need my shit yeah <laughs> i think in general for concerts as long as there's one band that i might be interested to see i'm probably more than likely gonna just go to the show just to just to go and see them yeah unless it's unless i have to sit through a fucking terrible band like uh, i went to go and see ailstorm a while ago but ailstorm were supporting dragon force oh i sat through ailstorm and just went later <laughs> i think i was at a similar concert i cannot remember who it was that was i think i would see like a couple of bands it was Skinned Red. I think it might have been the first concert I went to go see. It was Skinned Red touring with Dragon Force. I got two songs into Dragon Force and I just left. Yeah. I'd seen Skinned Red. I'd seen all the bands I wanted to see. I saw one band that I'd never heard of before. Saw Skinned Red and then heard Dragon Force and was like, nah, fuck this. I'm, yeah, I'm gone. Uh, I remember I went to go. It was a, a Jägermeister tour and it was £5 for the ticket. And I remember I was just trying to get everybody to go. Yeah. Like, I messaged fucking every cunt. Uh, pretty sure I did message you, but this was around about the time you just started working at the lab. Yeah. So you were doing mad mental shift. Yeah. Uh, this was this was a fucking while ago. I thought, right, it's five pound a ticket. I fucking need to go to this show. And I got there, and Skindred were last on the bill. Skindred was the only band I was interested in seeing. Yeah. And it was all shitty local bands. <laughs> there was a band called uh, Yoshin or Yashin, and the guy was a. Uh, fucking awful yeah he started uh, like he tried to get everyone to do the uh, zero bullshit test when everyone like, you know the slip when they get everyone to go down and jump the fuck up no. one of their lyrics <laughs> was jump the fuck up and they were something like everyone get down get down one guy at the stand just went that slip knots thing <laughs> <laughs> Some, this little uh, this fucking guy in a wheelchair who uh, funnily enough every gig i went to he was there yeah uh, just a, a big city glasgow metalhead because when i went to go see inflames for the first time he showed up i was thinking right this guy is walking past and he stood behind me in the queue and i went I just asked him, I said, you going out in the show? And he went, unzipped his hoodie and I had an Inflames uh, Horacle t-shirt on him. 
that's pretty fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Then when I was in the gig, he's getting fucking lifted above <laughs> people. And he just kind of looked down at me and went, see, I got in. <laughs> I was like, fucking on your cell, mate. There was, a, awesome. there was an article written about a, a black metal festival in Norway that takes place in an old castle. And uh, somebody went there was like, there's no way this actually works as a festival. Like, it's the the heart of like, black metal music. Yeah. And there's all these new up-and-coming bands. There's a couple of established people in there. It's just a good, like, cross-section of black metal. And uh, he was like, I, I got to go experience this because this seems like a once in a lifetime thing. It's not. It's going to be a recurring thing. Yeah. I'll try and find you the article and talk about it some more. Yeah. But well, he, I do have one slight issue with it. I mean, a mosh pit is a good thing when you hit against other fleshy people. <laughs> Castle tight corners I don't want to be smashing some fucker into concrete it's, it's not that big but uh, they just get bouncy castle for for the devil <laughs> I'm so convulsed right now I'm so convulsed but bouncy <laughs> I, I ain't convulsed yet bouncy yeah. just, at no point do they take the horns down <laughs> you guys together. they've got party rings the little biscuits on each finger they're just jumping around <laughs> but he, he was talking about the fact that the convulsed tea party he said there's something about the setting the setting of the castle really amplifies the experience of like this uh like because black metal has a weird thing about nature and the apocalypse mm. there's always stuff about forces that humans can't fight against and doing that in a decrepit castle has a certain ambience to it that yeah. really fucking enhanced the mood but the one thing he says i also had never been to a black metal concert and had heard horror stories because we heard about them as well yeah there was a kid that we knew who would always talk about the fact that there was black metal singers that would like slit the wrist with barbed wire. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was a few. There are a few back in the day that don't do that. It's not a thing anymore. It used to be a bigger thing like way back. And it's a thing that happened in Norway. Yeah. Like it's the Norwegian like black metal. It's, it's the part of like the uh, the Lords of Satan book. Yeah. Is discussing these uh, these singers who would go absolutely schizophrenically insane on stage and start like hurting themselves. And this no longer really was a thing. And he was saying, you'd be amazed how enjoyable a black metal festival is because people are just there to have a good time. Yeah, all, yeah the, 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 the theme yeah. of music is dark and depressing and oppressive and it's it's all those things you think it might be but at the same time there is a genuine community of nerds who <laughs> love black metal instead of whatever else somebody might enjoy like computers, PC yeah. gaming, football just and like that. Don't listen to the, the horror stories that we were told back in high school of when uh, at the end of every... I think that we might be talking about the same person. We'll, conf- we'll confirm off mic, but we same, are. This, I know exactly yeah, where we're to tell. This same person used to. He told us that at the end of each black metal gig, there was a band uh, lead singer that would just kill himself on stage. Yeah, I'm like that. Surely that can't be true. Yeah, Turns out, it's not true. I know you're shocked to hear that. <laughs> Turns out you can't just do that. That's just another you thing. You can't just fucking end yourself on there, stage. There have been bands where the singer has hospitalised himself by yeah. doing dumb shit on stage. There are bands that have torn goats apart on stage. Yep. And that black metal does have a very dark and weird past. That if you yeah. read about it, it's really fucking fascinating. Church burning and shit like that. The Lords of Chaos is a fucking fascinating book. Yeah. It's really worth a look if you can get a hold of it. Um, it's not like a banned book or anything. It's just if you can be bothered to go and find it on Amazon and get it shipped to you. If you can find the audio book read by Tim Curry. Really? No, I'm just oh, saying, <laughs> just saying shit, dude. Like, if, if that had been a thing, I would have listened to that. Can you I would imagine if it was read by Christopher Lee before he passed? That'd Jeez. be the most metal thing. You'd, 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 you'd have to sell your soul after that one. <laughs> you just walk up to the church and say, you guys are on this. <laughs> so you, you get it. You understand. Uh, but the... If you're talking about the fact that, like, you've heard horror stories and you've heard over-exaggerations of the metal community, especially the black metal community, it's like, there are, like, people of all political spectrums, all yeah. sexual genders, all, like, all the, every possible conceivable notion of people, 
a lot of people find something in black metal to relate to and yeah. it's a real community of people that actually just want to have a good time together and they just want to celebrate this thing and then a weird opportunity like you have where you're listening to uh, black metal in a norwegian castle like everyone's just there to say i was there at that moment where yeah. like it was at its most interesting and weird and nuanced it's, it's interesting that you say that there's the community of people from all different walks of life because i never prescribed this whole thing of oh you listen to heavy metal you're clearly you're you're not going to live a normal life or something like that because it was at uni and uh, first year there was a music student who's taking a poll just saying trying to get some feasible data on right this person is in law what kind of music do they listen to this mm. person is studying music what kind of music they primarily listen to and they said to me so what are you studying i said i'm in my first year llb law what kind of music do they listen to i said i listen to a lot of heavy metal a uh, death metal melodic death metal and the guy's just looking at this and you're a lawyer i went yeah what does my capacity <laughs> in law have to do with what kind of metal like it's not like i'm gonna midway through a court case just rip a chicken apart <laughs> this will be you <laughs> and he just went no it's just not many lawyers listen to heavy metal i went well i'm glad to be the first yeah. i, I, I mean, guarantee i won't be the last i know someone who's working as a, a clerk of the court who listens to nothing but gangster rap yeah hey, fuck the police you're going to the immigrant yeah. oh hi mr officer nice to meet yeah. you i know someone that was uh, the clerk of the court for one of the biggest cases one of the biggest uh, embezzling cases in the country and before that he was sitting listening to NWA to hype himself up <laughs> even though he only has to say court at the start of the, the case and shout court at the end of the case to get people to stand up and sit down right. that's all he has to do huh. and like he was listening to NWA like, it doesn't what you listen to has fuck up to do with your job it's not like oh sorry you listen to heavy metal you cannot be a judge yeah. em- embrace that weird little thing that yeah. you enjoy have just, your passion yeah, and just follow that do it yeah. It's not like I'm going to break out a warhammer and just go, objection, and start fucking beating heads about in the play some creator and some deicide and start smashing some fuckers upside the head. A bit of deicide would make for a very interesting court case. Though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just uh, now we'll hear the objections from, the <laughs> objections from opposing counsel. Just God kill it, maximum volume. <laughs> <laughs> just sit there with a warhammer in my hand going, come on. <laughs> Our objection will be through force. <laughs> just uh, start breaking tables and shit in front of me. Yeah, uh, we are not your kind. If you are anyway attached to the metal sphere, or you want to get into heavy metal music, pick up. We are not your kind. You will not be disappointed. If you've enjoyed it, a single second of a Slipknot song in the yeah. last couple of years, this, yeah. there will be something on this album for you. But the, the genius of this uh, this record is that if you like Stone Sour, there's a little bit of Stone Sour in there for you. Yeah. If you like any other, because I know there are some other members from Slipknot that have their own little side projects yeah. or their own bands. There's enough of that sprinkled in there enough to make you think, oh, this is this is pretty good or yeah. this is, this caters for me it's weird to have so many different styles of so many different things and yet at the same time say this is a great cohesive Slipknot album yeah. it makes no sense to be able to have those two ideas running at the same time yeah. it definitely is it's absolutely fantastic I'd say it's almost Iowa level yeah it's, it's uh, I, I mean Iowa's still going to be that fucking benchmark Iowa yeah. it's weird that Iowa just is the one thing everyone wants again everyone wants the ne- the, another yeah. Iowa and it's like that it doesn't exist say, anymore if Iowa's a 10 I'd say We Are Not Your Kind's a solid 9 mm-hmm. there's a couple of tracks that are ultimately still pretty good but not really strong or not really not as strong yeah but still it's one of their best albums every song has a hook into yeah. it there's a reason you like every song and yeah, there's, yeah. there's not a single song I mean, there's always one song for someone. You're not going to listen to the entire record and think, this was shit. No. I do not like this record, One Iowa. <laughs> one Iowa. <laughs> one, one Iowa. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yep. <laughs> right, cheap puns aside, uh, let's... you've got gaming news. Yeah, I do have gaming news because 
Hit the music. I may have lost the music. <laughs> you may have lost Here Comes a New Challenger. It may be somewhere else, but we'll try and find it. We'll try and find it. If I find it, it's playing right now. Here Comes a New Challenger. Sorry, it didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> if it didn't play, we apologise. But if we did, if it did play, yeah, let, let us know if you like it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as as is no secret, I'm a huge fighting game fan, and there's been new uh, fighting game news coming from Evo, coming from uh, Smash Bros. Uh, we'll kind of skate over the Evo stuff just now because not uh, there's a new Guilty Gear coming, which is fucking huge for me. All right. But uh, there's been nothing shown about it. There's been a teaser. They showed off a new character with a weird skull mask and dreads. Oh, they do that usual thing where it's like, here's the teaser for the new game yeah, coming yeah. in. It's just the title card and then a, a vague hint of a character. Yeah, there's, here's two characters that you know are going to be in the game fighting in weird still images. And then there's the new character that shows up, puts his battle mask on and just stands there and looks broody. Uh, and there was other stuff shown for Tekken that I'm not really going into because I'm not a Tekken fan. Yeah. Never have been a Tekken fan. So I've Street Fighter in my house. But the big news, fighting game-wise, is... Um, the hero from Dragon Quest got dropped in uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate. And he is a very weird but very, very fun character. Uh, his whole gimmick is that he has an MP gauge. Right. So he can cast different spells in the game. Uh, all his uh, recovery and his damaging moves are tied into this MP bar because without it, he'd be OP as shit. Because yeah. uh, his up A is this weird tornado attack so he can recover. His side B is a lightning attack. Right. And if you neutral B, he launches a fireball. And because uh, Dragon Quest is drawn by Akira Toriyama, he fires it like that. Nice. <laughs> Got the and, Kamehameha hands going. Yeah. Just real quick though, is he really the first character in Nintendo stuff that's magic powered? Uh, he's not the first character to have magic, but he's the first character in the Smash Bros. series to have this kind of gauge. Right, okay. Where it's tied in, because you've got the other characters from Fire Emblem that can... One of them can cast magic, and he does have kind of an MP gauge, but... It, refit, it counts to once you've finished using that spell you kind of toss away the spell book and you need to wait for it to recharge okay. you can't attack to refill it you just need to wait but with the hero the more you attack the quicker your MP gauge fills All right. and if the more you use spells the quicker it depletes so uh, like I said he's got all the different moves and his down B as he cycles through four different spells to up to a maximum of 16 so he has four individual little spell menus mm-hmm. that can have different spells on it you've got one that just launches you straight up to the top of the stage and you land back down it's that's a, pretty handy it's pretty good if you're almost off the stage you quick down be i think the spell's called zoom because <laughs> a dragon quest always have weird spell names right. so you just launch yourself back up to the top of the stage and you can get a, a spell that turns you metal for five seconds so you just become metal you can't you can't be thrown you can't be damaged i approve but if there's another hero on the battlefield he gets a move called metal slash which right. just cuts through that immediately and it's an instant KO. Huh, that's really weird that you would it's, give a deliberate counter to your... Does that happen with other characters in Smash? Uh, there are there are certain things that if you play two of the same characters, they have counters to each other. Okay. Which is just a, a unique way of not having mirror matches in, which I am a big fan of. I hate perfectly symmetrical violence. <laughs> if, I'm play, if I'm playing a snake and you're also playing a snake, there's every chance I will say, can we go back to the other menu? I want to change character. <laughs> I fucking hated doing that because in my house when I was playing Street Fighter with my brother, we'd always both play Ken. I'm like, I fucking hate this. Let me go back. And then that's when I picked up Akuma and just yeah. started destroying people. Fucking awesome. But uh, the uh, the hero has, he's kind of like Dante from Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 because he just has so many moves. Yeah. I think in total he has about 25 to 28 moves, which is strange in a Marvel in a Smash Bros game because most characters get 12 different moves. Yeah. 
Because you've got limited control scheme. Yeah, you've got neutral attacks, you've got A and B attacks, that's most people get. But with the hero, he has all these different spells that can do different things. He gets a reflector, he gets uh, he can put people to sleep with one spell. But my two favourite spells in the game are one called Kamikaze, where he just blows himself up. Right. Anyone that gets caught in his range gets taken out with him. And he has a Vegeta move where he does Final Explosion, where he just expends all of his MP it depletes the MP gauge down to zero from 100 to zero and he just blows up everyone that gets in his way but you don't die at the end of it no. so at any point when I'm playing as hero online I will just blow myself up because sometimes you just gotta blow yourself up to, <laughs> for the yucks for the lols but uh, a lot of people are saying oh this is I'm gonna play this character to keep me going until Banjo gets out I'm genuinely more interested in this character as opposed to Banjo yeah because I never played Banjo-Kazooie the first time I played Banjo-Kazooie was three years ago when I got my Xbox One and mm-hmm. I got the Rare Replay. And I've, I've got Rare Replay. I've actually got uh, one of the Banjo-Kazooie games on because it's on Game Pass. Yeah. So I, I think they, most of them will be on Game Pass. Yeah. But I um, I don't know what it is. I'm not a fan of games where there's just so many collectibles. I think in any given Banjo-Kazooie level there's about 20 odd collectibles. Looking forward I, to that one. And that's the and that's the main focus of the game is just collecting shit and I'm just... I got bored of that way too quickly. So. It's it's a it's a bygone thing. It's from a bygone era. So yeah. so the old platform generation where like as soon as people figured out three D movement, they're like, how do we make this really frustrating for everyone involved? <laughs> Let's well, tell them to collect a hundred things, and one of those will be at the very top of a mountain. You have to scale perfectly. Yeah. It's like frame precision timing. Yeah. How do we make something annoying? Let's have this uh, enemy that can only move in two D space, move in three D space, that can now follow you around corners and up hills and yeah, just really piss you off that way. But yeah, I was never a big fan of Banjo Kazooie. Super, uh, really, really excited for him being in Smash because the simple, the simple fact of his inclusion is monumental. Yeah. Uh, a character that was long thought forgotten by uh, the company that owned him and now willing to work with Nintendo to make a new game, which is pretty fucking cool because that's Microsoft reaching across the table and saying, "Nintendo, let's work together." Meanwhile, Sony autistically screeches yeah, in the background. Sony's <laughs> just going, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, who's taking Spider-Man back? <laughs> no, Dad. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> he's, he's the simple guy in the office. He's just sitting there with one of those paddle balls just going, what is everybody like? Spider-Man. We're going by Spider-Man. <laughs> what is everybody like? Movies. We don't make movies no more. <laughs> but, uh, it's, I mean, it's Smash Bros. itself is always kind of open doors. I'm hoping it's open doors to new Banjo-Kazooie games because that's what people want we don't want uh, what was the name of that game uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts where you have to make a car and drive across uh, platforms that have nothing in them because no apparently no one at Rare who was bought over by Microsoft thought that people wanted another Banjo game they just thought oh people want driving games people want shooting games Let's but they love the Banjo-Kazooie license like no we love the Banjo-Kazooie games yeah, like they love the characters not the games like, well right. you were kind of wrong about that one weren't you halfway there but you know yeah, but the last half was kind of important there yeah the, the, the last half about making a good game using these characters he kind of glossed over that one a bit yeah. so yeah uh, that leaves us with two additional characters for Smash Bros Ultimate right and my genuine fear because no one has un- no one has uh, debunked it or unconfirmed it is that we might actually get Minecraft Steve in Smash Bros Ultimate he's a coming if that happens I will destroy my cartridge for Smash Bros Ultimate live I, you, if you want to test out your new camera that's the first thing we can record for the YouTube channel it's me just going you did it Nintendo and just smashing the shit out of the sledgehammer 
because I will not play a game like that. I would love to. I love playing a game where you can play as Snake, Cloud, uh, Bayonetta, the hero from uh, Dragon Quest, fucking Simon and Richter Belmont. I love <laughs> playing and Ridley from some. Uh, uh, Metroid. I love playing that shit, but if Minecraft Steve goes in there, all that love goes out the window. I, I just can't figure out what you would do for Minecraft Steve's attacks, because most of it is, it's just a simple, he's the game of Minecraft is simple mechanically. It's yeah. what you do with what you get that makes yeah. it interesting. I think he'd ultimately be too much like Link, because he'd have the sword, he'd have the bow, he'd have the bombs, he'd have fire. You get shield as well. He'd be, yeah, he'd, get this, he'd be exactly like Link then. Yeah, you just have, like, pixelated Link. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's already three Links in the game. We don't need another fucking Link. <laughs> one of them's a tiny little kid. So. Yeah, one, of them, one, of them's a, one of them's a cartoon kid. The other one's say, a regular kid. Toon Link? Yeah. yeah, they've got Toon Link, which is the tiny cartoon child. They've got Young Link, which is the non-cartoony-looking child. And they've got Adult Link, who looks like he's been through some shit. <laughs> he's just done with this. It's like, fuck, I've ditched the hat. I'm all business now, motherfucker. <laughs> he's been through some shit repeatedly over several generations yeah. of himself. That's the end. The weird thing they did with uh, Link in Smash Ultimate is that the Master Sword was always a set length, but they just went, no, let's make this fucking thing a Zweihander, but he's one-handing. Right. <laughs> it's like, I've got the shield in this hand. I'm going to mess you up with this hand. Uh, going from Smash Bros, uh, I told you that I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah or as I've been calling it, Waifu Emblem Three Houses, because one thing I've noticed from all the modern Fire Emblem games that I've been playing, the games are becoming more and more waifu-based. There's, There's just nothing the, wrong with that at all. I mean, if people if people dig it, but I hate the fact that, in some cases, to get a character to live, your main character has to marry that character so that they live through the next part of the game. Literal waifuing. Literal It's literally, it's like, you want this woman to, you want her to survive? You put a ring on it, fucker. Because <laughs> one of the main characters is the Archbishop. Oh, by the way, heavy spoilers for Fire Emblem Three Houses, so if you're playing that game just now, skip ahead. Because apparently playing this game takes several days. Oh, playing, I've been playing it for, I think I've logged 60 hours already, because I can't play it for long chunks. Right. Because the game is so, there's a lot of, because you play, the whole point of the game is, I'll, I'll preface this before I go into the why I can't play for that one. The whole point of this game is that you are the son or daughter, depending on which gender you pick at the start of the game, uh, of a mercenary who is a who was a legendary knight, but he exiled himself for I haven't figured it. I haven't got to that point in the game as to why he's exiled himself. Okay, it's something to do with the birth of his child is why he exiled himself. Something to keep the child safe or something. Like is it? That. Oh, so is your mum dead? Yeah, she died. She okay. was a she was a priest at the. Because he was a knight for he was a thing he was a leader of the Knights of Seros. The Knights of Seros were basically a private army for the Church of Seros, who were the kind of leading force of this in this uh, region. And something happened to there. He basically excommunicated himself to keep the child safe away from church prying eyes because there was something special about the child. Right. As you find out later on in the game, he is basically a host for something called the Progenitor God, and the Archbishop has basically been manipulating children born in the monastery to try and be a vessel for the the progenitor god right so that's why and when your father gerald because they don't want to get sued by <laughs> the witcher guys uh gerald uh, takes and says nah I, i'm gonna let you have a normal life so you basically get stashed away in the woods you grow up with your father you learn how to fight you become a mercenary but then the first opening mission is you with the leaders of the three houses the titular three houses there's a uh, edelgard who is the f- uh, the future emperor of the house Adrestia who everyone seems to be losing the create the collective shit over but I personally think she's one of the weakest characters in the game right because she's, she has 
she, I mean, in game, uh, battle wise, she's a good character. She does her thing. She's got high crit rate, high dexterity, high mobility. She does her shit, and she's she uses uh, axe as a primary weapon. Uh, okay. Her starting weapon's an axe, so she can get deal some good damage. But I just don't think the in the beginning gave her enough character to make the impact of her being revealed as the bad guy later on in the game enough weight. She just kind of goes, "I will do this, so I will I will uh, destroy the current order of the." the the world and i will unify us all under one banner just think, okay but why are you doing that why do you want to stop this you've not given us enough in the game to understand why she just seems like she's i want to do this because i want to do this okay the internet may like you i personally think you're about as dry <laughs> and boring as you can be you're a b-tier waifu <laughs> here b-tier waifu with an a-tier waifu's rack so back in the corner <laughs> just you sit there with your white hair and your massive purple eyes <laughs> and then you've got uh, yes you eyes go, yes yeah, she's kind of flat oh, okay. she got, seriously her eyes take up about three quarters of her head they're huge <laughs> and then uh, you go she leads the black eagle's house then you've got the leader of the is it blue lions ah uh, the blue lions house and they come from a kingdom called Fargus and he, uh, Dimitri who leads the house he's going to be the king of Fargus but he has this fucking hatred for Edelgard so at any point she even thinks about fucking up <laughs> Demetrius just like motherfucker I'll stab you I swear to Christ I will fucking kill you come within 10 feet see what happens <laughs> come at me again see if you make it to Christmas <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know why because I've still I still play through the game I've heard things online that they are somehow related so Edelgard has always kept him at a distance because he could basically rule both kingdoms at the yeah, same both time both kingdoms at the same time he could unify them and that would fuck up our plans and Demetrius is very kind of militaristic this I will I will kill as many people as I need to to save my, my country type thing. Okay. And then you've got the fuckboy himself, Claude, the re- the leader of the uh, Golden Deer House, that they, he is the kind of prime minister or future prime minister of the Leicester Alliance. Right. Which is just, I kind of, we don't know what to do, we'll, for- we'll form this alliance and you will lead our country. And he is just, he's just a fuckboy. He just wants to go out there. He's like, I just want to have fun. Like, you're meant to be leading a a nation, an, an alliance, a, a group of people. You have actual work to do. Yeah, step the fuck up. But uh, those are the three paths that you can take through the game. Or if you've done what I did, I told, I went initially with Black Eagles, figured out that I hated Edelgard. I went, <laughs> fuck you, I'm siding with the church. <laughs> and I stabbed that bitch. Because <laughs> she, she gives you an option. She's like, my teacher, will you join us? And I'm just like, nah. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> then we're enemies. Cool, see you in the battlefield, bitch. <laughs> The first thing I did... I was, will not hesitate to cut a bitch. <laughs> and I did not. Because the first thing... One of the missions where you're fighting her uh, is uh, you have to... There's three different condi- types of conditions to win the battle. You can either uh, have certain people get to a certain location right, and that, that ends the mission because the whole strategic point is, right, uh, escort right. missions. Right. Then you'll get the just fucking kill everybody missions without the enemy. Then you've got the kill the commander missions. Right. But the one where you're fighting Edelgard is a kill the commander. So I just literally went, hmm... My character, because your character, the avatar character or the main character that you play as, has usually got the highest movement stat if you build them right. So from in my first move, I could basically beeline my main character straight to Edelgard. <laughs> so I just went, I'm going to end this mission in two turns. <laughs> so I went there, hit her, and because uh, if you attack someone, everyone just kind of turns to you. Yeah. So I was basically at the center of attention, and my dexterity and my avoidance was that high. No one hit me. <laughs> so I was just like, and done. Two turns later, told you I would kill you, bitch. Uh, <laughs> You I knew also, it was I coming. <laughs> you knew it was coming. I fucking told you. And then uh, I should—I I don't know if I said this, but uh, you get approached by uh, you save the three kids, the three leaders of the houses when they're on a training mission, right? And they get attacked by uh, 
bandits or something and you and your father Gerald are physically the closest people there so you, you deal with them and you escort them back to the monastery which is called Garrick Mark Monastery and then uh, the Archbishop uh, Rhea she approaches you and says oh the, you're Gerald's son or you, you're, a, you're a gifted swordsman and you must be a good teacher somehow <laughs> would you like to would you like to accept a professor's because those two skills translate <laughs> would you like to accept a professor's uh, position at the university uh, or the officer's academy and your, your two choices are no nah, i don't think so or sure why not <laughs> so then that sets up the whole thing then you find out that you find it through the gameplay that you're basically you have the same uh, crest because everyone has this weird crest kind of inbuilt right. it's like a weird sort of power thing and you have this thing called the crest of flames which allows you to wield this stupidly powerful magic sword that no one else can wield right. and then that you find out through that that you are the one destined to be the progenitor god and then it just kind of takes off from there in different directions this sounds so anime it's very anime and which leads me on to my next point why people have been saying that they're not a fan of it is because the the art direction and the design for some of the female characters is very scantily clad and I've heard it's very high school themed as well it's very high school themed uh, one of the one of my favorite tweets that I seen on this was a uh, why the hell is this game called Fire Emblem Three Houses? This game should be called Shin Megami Sensei because <laughs> it's basically just Shin Megami Tensei from like the Persona games mixed with Fire Emblem. And yeah, the whole point is you, every day you need to, you can talk to your students and you can give them. Everyone's always dropping shit in the Garak Mark Monastery, so you find all these lost items and you match it to the person, and that boosts their affinity rating. All right, and you can do this with everybody. So on my, I have two saves. One where I went with the Black Eagles. The one where I said "fuck you," I'm going with the church. Right. And the one where I said "fuck you," I'm going with the church. My army is so fucking big because I just went around cherry picking from all the different <laughs> houses. Going, you, you with the bow, you come with me. Yeah. So my class went from about. 12 people to 20 people because I just <laughs> cherry picking <laughs> just hiring everyone that was available it's just hey. like hey you're a cavalier you're good with a, you're good with horse riding and spears how about you come with me so, and uh, it's all about uh, you can do different things to boost your affinity you can have a meal with your students you can cook with your students you can force your students to do inter-house tournaments okay and that boosts your professor level and your, the higher your professor level is the more uh, activity points you can do so I think I'm currently sitting at uh, rank A which gives me eight different activity points so I can do eight different activities during my day off and uh, it's all about you know just building that ranking up uh, building a repertoire with your uh, students and then the path that I'm doing right now if I don't want one of the pivotal characters to die I basically have to mar- I have to force my main character to marry her otherwise she dies and I get the shitty ending hmm okay like, basically the video game equivalent of a forced Indian marriage but it, yeah, a lot of people are annoyed at the female character design because it is very scantily clad. There's a lot of you know heavily chested women, and the accidental upskirts. Oh no, the wind blows. No, no, it's not even that. It's just uh, most of them are just bending down a lot. Oh, it's right. like you just see, okay, and everyone, and I mean everyone is stacked in this game. The main character, at one point, uh, someone gets injured, and she is. The main character gets injured, and you're sitting with. Uh, the Archbishop Lady Rhea. Right. And you're just sitting there's like a fucking balcony over <laughs> you. And uh, if you play the female character, if you advance one of your social, your sort of affinity ratings to S, that's when the marriage auction becomes open to you. And there's one point where you're sitting there with... Uh, it, this only happens when you play as the female uh, protagonist. But you're sitting there and you're, you're, chosen with, uh, you're chosen one, your husband or wife, because they've included... Uh, gay marriage options in this game which oh, right. but there's not it's not so heavy in it you can do it if you want yeah 
but it's not baked into the games like you except with that one if you want and to save this the, person this is the first time hearing about it as well which is good because it means yeah. it wasn't like pushed like oh my god you have gay marriage in the game yeah. like if it's there it's there cool yeah. a lot of people are pretty happy about it but if you if you pick uh whoever it is there's one person and they're sitting on the lap and kind of looking up to you and again you cannot see there's a shadow <laughs> over their head because the main character is that fucking stacked it's just like because they all have these robe things on and you just see this huge like, oh <laughs> it's just tit sticking out <laughs> and like how do you battle in that and uh, that's another thing that people got annoyed about the main character if he plays the male main character he's got armor and stuff on he's got the oh, tunic it's the classic gaming the full armor suit for yeah. the men and then the uh, yeah, iron, iron bikini for the women it's not not so much iron bikini it's more uh, she the female the male main character i think uh, if you don't pick your own name which you can put in your own name uh, i think it's called byleth right e-y-l-e-t-h so if you go male byleth he has like you said he's got the pole he's got the armor on he's got this tunic on he's got he's always got the cloak on they both have this weird kind of teacher's professor's cloak on right then if you've got the female character she has these weird tights on booty shorts nice and she's got this uh like this weird waistcoat on where like you can see her navel and again the fucking massive chebs on it i'm just sitting there and you, i'm just sitting thinking at no point I was just going, well, you just need to live with it. I'm just thinking, I, I get it. I get it. It's, it's not really, I need a Sarkeesian is just fucking popping blood vessels watching this shit. But, at, um, at a certain point, you realise that they weren't lying about the gamer armour. Yeah, I mean, they, at a certain point, you realise that Japanese aren't very woke. I just think, <laughs> yeah, let's give them massive dues. And that, and that is across everybody. Even the characters that you think are slightly flat or chested, post time skip, they're all stacked. Because <laughs> you, you get knocked out for five years. All right. Like you, there's a big battle point, and win or lose the battle, you get knocked into a ravine and you basically sleep for five years. Right. And you're just kind of stuck there. And you come back as the the former teacher. And you're like, yeah, you come like, back. Oh, as, we thought you were dead. Yeah, you, you come no. back as the new leader of Garak Mark Monastery because uh, Rhea turns into a dragon to fight the basically advancing hordes of Empire infantry. Because apparently she could always turn into a dragon. She was just kind of waiting to see if she needed to. Yeah, pretty much. Because that's, that's the funny thing. She's meant to be this holy bishop, but if you look at her stats, she has a A rank in brawling and an A plus rank in healing. So she can heal you with one hand and beat the living fuck at you with the other. <laughs> but it, it kind of makes sense because she's a dragon. She'd be able to have magic and brawling skills. But then at one point, you're, the enemy advances on Garak Market. It's kind of an FMV style cutscene, like an anime type cutscene. Yeah. You pull out your sword that's a special, unique sword called the Sword of the Creator and you charge towards the enemy and then a shadow just casts over you lands in front of you and it just turns around and says run and you're like fucking right <laughs> and then you get caught in the the ensuing battle and get knocked off the stage and then sleep for five years and come back and find that shit's went to pot when you've been asleep for five years hmm. and that ends the spoilers for fire emblem three houses so you can come back yeah and come on back but I'd, I'd recommend the game anyway if you like fire emblem games you're mm-hmm. definitely going to be rewarded as such because you have four different campaign paths to play through uh, the gameplay changes just a little bit. There's more of an emphasis on weapon maintenance this time. Okay. Because in Fire Emblem Fates, your all weapons were unbreakable. Right. You could just use your weapons to your heart's content. But there's always this thing where you, depending on the quality of the materials that go into the weapon, so if you've got an iron sword, you'll get maybe 20 uses out of it. You go steel, 30, silver, 50. Uh, if you, there's a, an equipment above that called Brave, you get about 60 uses out of that. And then you get the magic lines, which are just they don't get as many uses but they're about three times as powerful okay and there's more of an emphasis on that and you can repair broken weapons because previously you could only you could just discard a broken weapon yeah. and now you can repair it or you can forge it to make it stronger 
and there's more of an emphasis than that and the the major uh, emphasis that he put on this one is more you're not locked into one class your character has your character can go to level 100 but if you're really really uh, adamant about having every stat maxed out you can multi-class you can go you can start off as a sword user you can build your stats and bow then you can do the qualify you can use the seal to become or to take the exam as they call it in the game to become a, an archer right and those stats stay constantly throughout the game so you can max out everything if you're really really aggressive about it and you can basically tailor your class to suit the mission so if you're in a mission that's mainly high cover a lot of greenery about that you can just jump in change your character's class to an archer and just have them pepper yeah. arrows at people hiding from a bush so there's a lot more there's a lot more options in the game than there was in previous games because like i said before it was just you're a sword you're a sword wielder i went canadian there you're a sword wielder <laughs> you're a sword wielder you didn't say eight at the end uh, <laughs> damn it I'm not so canadian yet fuck uh, if you started as a sword wielder you're kind of locked into that path yeah but in uh, three houses you start as a sword wielder you can continue down that path or you can stay as the sort of basic class which is noble or commoner right because uh, the whole thing about this game is you're either one of the nobles which is you're destined to be at the officers academy or you're one of the regular punters that just got in through scholarship or something like that yeah it's just it's basically a way to distinguish between people and nobles can go down a certain path commoners can do fucking anything Hmm, so uh, if you go noble you can multi you can advance your character into this lord class and take it from there commoner you can kind of do everything with the exception of going down that lord lord path Hmm. so it creates a it creates a unique play style and that no gameplay is really going to be the same because you could start off with one character and he's going to be able to he's going to be an open book it'll probably have a bit more in sword because everybody every character can use a sword to an extent but if you just keep pushing down one line you can change him in a, a different class so you can have him be pure magic based you can have him be pure uh, artillery not artillery like cavalry spears that kind of thing yeah. so it's, it's basically a Fire Emblem game you can play whichever way you want so it's a good RPG with it's a, a good really good RPG and it's a really good it's got a really good combat style mm-hmm. but what stops me from playing it so often is the fact that as you're a teacher you're a professor at a big university you have to spend so much of your day off you, you can either you can take a seminar from one of the other uh, professors and they teach you certain things that's going to raise your stats more mm-hmm. or you can do a battle which you go and fight little sort of side missions you go to different villages you fight some bandits you can get some cool treasure or you do paralogues which are additional stories from the other characters perspectives there'll be two characters maybe from your house or from another house in your house from anywhere in the, in the monastery and they could say i have this problem are you willing to help me so you and all your other infantry you go and do a special story mission that's unique to those characters or you can just do other shit where you go hunting monsters where you because there's always these big beasts like there's this giant wolf thing or there's a giant sort of demon dragon that, mm. that are that are a result of people fucking around with magic that have created these dark demon beast things or you can go and fight them and get like major gold and stuff mm. so there's plenty of different play styles to it and there's yeah. loads of things that you can do uh, and on your day off as well apart from the battles and the like the different student based stuff you can go and uh, do different activities to raise your skill like, you can go and talk to other professors and they'll say i'm hosting i can teach you this thing so it raises your land skill up a couple of degrees right and then on the you always get a sunday off which you can do 
just activities for the whole day. Yeah, do activities for the thing. And then every Monday, you have to teach. So then you have to choose, do I want to instruct my students manually or do I want to do it automatically or do I want to set them additional tasks to raise this thing? And it just, it gets a bit boring, the kind of yeah. doing all the admin, but the, the combat more than makes up for it. And the story is really, really good. What just, type of combat is it? It's, it's all turn-based. It's all... Ah, uh, there it is. There it is. I was, I was so... I was, well, it's, uh, it's, it's really, close to being in. It's not really turn-based. It's more... Uh, you move a unit it's tactic style so you move a unit up to another unit and depending on what they can do if they can wield magic shoot a bow and wield a sword or a bladed weapon you can choose which weapon you hit, attack them with so then you move them up to the unit they engage in combat and it's more it's not a you attack they uh, they attack you can attack and then they can dodge it or they can counter attack or something mm. then you get one turn and move all your units it's kind of like an RTS Right, okay. Uh, so you can, one turn where you move all your units, then it moves to the enemy's turn. They move all their units and combat and choose that way. So it's not That's quite, not so bad. turn-based to an extent, but not turn-based in the sense of you attack, wait for the enemy to retaliate, then yeah, it'll be back to your turn. It's basically you move individual units and they can attack and counter within that one turn. Mm. What are you playing this on? Switch. All right. It, it's only on the Switch. It's only on the Switch, yeah. Thought so. Yeah, N- Nintendo are not really sharing not really big on the whole sharing which is why a lot of people are annoyed that marvel ultimate alliance is not going to be coming to playstation 4 or xbox one that's so weird when you've yeah. got like a fighting game that's that like it's a fighting game yeah it's a fighting one. game it's, it's a brawler it's yeah. like old school teenage mutant ninja turtle style brawler beat em up type thing but with marvel characters right so you would recommend fire emblem i would recommend fire emblem houses if you're into the kind of if you're into persona games where you like the sort of more social aspects of it but you also like a good strategy game yeah. i'd say fire emblem's definitely up your street if you're maybe a bit hesitant towards the anime side of things because like colin said this is very anime this is a very anime orientated game yeah from the character designs to the interactions to the the dialogue it's very anime uh it's, it still might be a game for you because the strategy gameplay does pull put through enough and you get you get to play it your own way, so there's enough difference and versatility within the game that might allow you to pick up. Of course, if you hate RTSs and you hate anime, you ain't gonna like this game, dog. Yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoy the anime RTS if it's if it's got good mechanics, it'll definitely worth a look. But I mean, Switch is the yeah. issue there. A lot of people, I, I, it's one console that I never see people. Oh, dude, you need to get a Switch because I recommended that to one person and they played one game on it, and I'm pretty sure they either have sold it. Or they've packed it away and it's now sitting in their loft yeah. because they don't use it. I'm like, I don't blame you. There's not a, you have to really, really want to buy into the Switch. Otherwise, it's just, there's not enough there to keep it going. In a weird way, you almost have to be already invested in the Nintendo yeah, way you need, of thinking. Yeah, you need to be invested in Nintendo's the product line to even comprehend the Switch. Because yeah. otherwise, there's, just, there's not enough to get you into the Switch if you're not a Nintendo fan already. Mm. Or if you're aggressively want to play the new Pokemon game because that's what's getting a lot of people in it. I got a, a, a quick gaming question for you before we do a Showstopper. What's up? Should I get interested in Devil May Cry 5 having only played 3? Yes. Right. Devil May Cry, I don't care if you've never played Devil May I don't care if the only Devil May Cry game you've played was the remake. Right. Devil May Cry 5 is fucking outstanding. Cause that game is goddamn caviar. It's up on uh, Games with Gold. Get it. Or Games Pass, so it's it's free. It's not a card thing, yeah. but it's like, is it worth the time invested? Oh, yeah. It's just, it's a really good hack and slash. 
it's the it's the king of hack and slash as far as I'm concerned. There have been other games that have came mm. about and done it before, but I think Devil May Cry does it the best. It's definitely the most stylish. Uh, the characters are pretty good. Uh, Nero is kind of a just angry ball <laughs> with a robotic arm, but that robotic arm is pretty fucking cool. You can uh, do a kind of line launch thing where you can pull your enemies in towards you or you can launch yourself towards enemies yeah. and do cool air combos. Your, your gun actually fires like a gun this time. Right. So does uh, It's not a pea shooter. <laughs> Nero, I mean, it's not a pea shooter. It doesn't do much yeah. damage, but it actually feels like you're firing a gun this time because Nero's always had this weird double-barreled revolver. And in Devil May Cry 4, it was just like shooting cold peas at someone. Not frozen <laughs> peas, because they might sting. Yeah. Cold, mushy peas. <laughs> it was fucking useless. But in Devil May Cry 5, it actually has a bit of weight to it, and you can charge it up and deal a bit of extra damage. But the main gimmick for Nero is the different uh, arms that you can equip. Yeah. And uh, with Dante, you just get classic Devil May Cry, all these different weapons, all the cool different styles. It's well worth it. The only thing that I think you might not dig is uh, V. Because V is that's the uh, the sorcerer with the the that, shadow panther and the crow, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you have to uh, read poetry or something like that to to yeah, make things happen. If you read the the poetry thing, is actually how you regain Devil Trigger, right? And Devil Trigger is basically the only way V can be viable in that game <laughs> because you can send out the crow and the panther to attack. Is there not a third animal? There's a third animal called the Nightmare, but you have to upgrade and buy him. Okay. And once you get the nightmare, you'll never want to leave Devil Trigger because he just blows everything up. <laughs> uh, the funniest thing about that is uh, when you get nightmare, uh, depending on a certain location, he just falls from the sky and body slams <laughs> into the ground, dealing some damage to what's ever around you. But V is very slow and very difficult to get used to. Okay. But you will have so much fun with Nero and Dante, it doesn't even fucking matter. Right, okay. Oh, especially since it's free, I was going to give it a go, but it was a question of time. Yeah, investment. give it a go on the Xbox because I hate the PlayStation controller. <laughs> I, played, I got it on PlayStation because so many people said it's a Sony game and it's on it's going to be on Nintendo Switch and I wasn't wrong it is on Nintendo Switch oh. 11.99 it currently is for the Switch version yeah. which Devil May Cry on the go it will only be the fourth version of that fucking game that I've bought yeah. <laughs> it's like Devil May Cry 4 I keep buying the goddamn thing but yeah Devil May Cry 5 100% recommend that shit yeah just, I, I never understand the idea that you would have that corporate loyalty to a, a, a console at this point because it's the exclusives are killing the games. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just ridiculous that people enjoy that's why stopping I've, on that console war yeah. type thing. That's why I've never bought into the whole I am just an Xbox player, I am just a PlayStation player, I am just a Nintendo <laughs> player. I've always thought, why not just get them all? It, it's going to fucking wreck your bank at some point. I was going to say, like my, my counterpoint to that is I am a, I'm an Xbox player. Because that's the one I can afford. Yeah. And I'm not going to bother with the second one. I agree with that. It is a lot of money. But for me, I just there's so many different games out there that I could play on different consoles. I don't want to limit myself to just the one console. Yeah. By the time I get bored of an Xbox, it's time for the next console generation anyway. So Yeah. I mean, I'm still not bored of my Xbox. I still play my Xbox more than my PS4 because I'm still angry at my PS4 for making me buy Mortal Kombat 11. <laughs> I, don't, I cannot get into that game. If anybody in Scotland listens to this podcast and wants a... Wants a copy of Mortal Kombat 11 for £50. Talk to me, dog. <laughs> I've played it twice. Used twice. <laughs> used twice. I would give you the season pass, but I already already used it. So that's why I'm giving, you, giving it to you for 15 instead of 80 That was 80 quid for that game? Fucking yeah, it was. And you've got Fucking nothing out of it? I've got nothing out of it. I'm wow. hoping... I'm hoping when they announce, when a Spawn gets released for Mortal Kombat 11, I'll get something out of it. But I personally don't get the combo structures in that game yeah because i mean street fighter i get that i've had enough practice at street fighter to get any street fighter combo structure 
I've played enough Versus games and I've played enough uh, Smash Bros games to get the combo structure in them, but I have never played a Mortal Kombat game before in my life. And this one has been a real trial by fire because I have no idea. I thought it would just be like Injustice, but it is, nowhere, it is nothing like Injustice. They've tried to simplify the controls, but in my mind, they've just made them more complicated. So, yeah. That's weird. If anyone wants Mortal Kombat 11, hit me up. <laughs> slide into the DMs. Slide into the DMs. Just slide in. Um, I'll probably say, yeah. sure. The, 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 <laughs> just, just, just give up on the prices. Yeah. Just get out of the room. If someone haggles me, I'll just like, fine, take it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, this is, I, I thought one more thing for I do... Uh, showstopper okay one more thing. one more thing uh actually fun enough related to animation uh netflix's this is anime yeah we, we need to talk about this <laughs> we need to talk about an absolute shit show of yeah. uh an air quotes documentary that netflix produced and they had a, a producer for uh, a documentarian uh, who was vaguely interested in anime had watched a couple things on netflix's roster uh, mostly castlevania and decided she needed to know where this came from. Like, who who thinks of this thing? And it's a, it's a good point. Like, who who thinks of a show where you whip a guy in the face and his eyeball flies out? If you want to investigate that and figure out why someone thinks that's okay thing to make, I, I get that. Um, yeah, you, you've got to wonder why, who greenlit that. But at the same time, I think if you look, watch that kind of show, you need to realise that it's taking source from something else. Yeah. Realise that, oh, right, that's why they're whipping monsters and demons in June. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a reason behind that and I think she would like to know more about the, the industry because she watched one thing, watched another thing and just kind of got vaguely interested. Um, the only problem is that what Netflix has made is not a documentary about anime, history of animation, the uh, the, the intrigues and the, the interesting things in the genre. They've made a, an advertisement for their products. Yeah. And if they'd done that blatantly and said, we are going to make a... a an hour-long tribute to the animation studios we work with. Yeah, you'd have gotten away with it. Yeah. But when you present this as the history of anime and this is the the definitive uh, piece on the culture that created anime, uh, you have failed fucking horrifically. Yeah. I haven't watched it because I, I don't want to devote more time to what I made it twenty minutes in. Really? I mean, and that minutes. that felt that felt heroic. I'll go on. <laughs> you felt like you did, you'd achieve something. You're I, walking up to people going, "Yep, I got a badge. I, <laughs> I got a medal. I got 20 minutes in. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with your life? I got You're 20 in a support minutes. group just going. I got 20 minutes into that piece of garbage. I, 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 within five minutes, I had figured out the tone of this, and unfortunately, it has a lot to do with the, uh, the presenter, who I can't remember the name. I, I, I can't really be bothered going to Google it. No much. I'll Google these things yeah. as we're doing the podcast. I don't devote more time to this. I, I don't want to. Um, but she makes it sound like this was the first thing she did when she got into anime which is a horrific way to frame uh, a narrative like this because it's such a good idea to have someone say i want to figure out more about anime that is a great documentary there's yeah. a lot of to uh, explain and right now with anime experiencing a boom especially through netflix netflix deserves a lot of praise for putting out big anime stuff right now there's uh, all the stuff they've done with studio polygon they are the only place right now that you can legally stream anohana i still don't remember the name of the flyer we saw that day that is a monstrous classic of an anime where it leaves grown men in tears because it is about acceptance uh getting over childhood trauma there's a lot in there that affects a lot of people that it teaches a lot as well about suffering pain and how you yeah. can overcome that to become a better person your your elder years than you were as a teenage kid there's a lot in there that really resonates with people and netflix is the only place to see that netflix is the only place to see neon genesis evangelion and even though if you don't like the dub, even though there's nothing fucking wrong with it, yeah. you can enjoy that 
legally for the first time you in can decades. watch seminal classics like Ultraman. <laughs> you can, you have what's the mighty Ultraman? You can watch I mean, Studio Polygon stuff. I love it. Uh, they made Blame. I mean, the the in the same way that Watchmen is the unfilmable film, uh, Blame was the un uh, animatedable or unanimated uh, classic that people were going were too scared to touch. And Polygon said, "Ah, fuck it, we'll do it. <laughs> fuck it, we'll do it." And we'll give it a go. And they mm. give it a crack. Um, Netflix is all about trying stuff. I mean, they give you fucking a great go. What yeah. the fuck? Like, these people are always willing to try something and bring it to the Western audience. And for that, they deserve all the praise that they, they get and should be uh, given the opportunity to try and make something. To exp- like, they, they'd be in a great position with these contacts they have in Japanese studios. Uh, the only problem is when you make it sound like this was someone's first instinct was to immediately, after watching maybe like 20 hours of anime, to say... I'm going to jump on a plane to Japan. What the... F- You've immediately alienated your entire audience. Japan is famously expensive. It is an it's an impossible place to holiday unless yeah. you save for a couple of years to make a trip over there, unless you've got some kind of work lined up there. I mean, I looked into going into Japan because of, the, because of the Rugby World Cup. That's in Japan this year. I think I was looking at about 1500 just for flights and accommodation. Yeah. I don't have that much money. I may, probably would make that in a year. Yeah. It's it's, it's insane the idea that this was presented in such a way that well the first thing I'm going to do is naturally fly to Japan to meet and sit down with producers and it's it's in a weird way it's kind of it's a very vlog era documentary mm. it's much more uh, it's much more jump because a lot more uh, vibrancy and like immediacy to everything that goes on as opposed to like say a classic documentary where everything's very slow paced everything's yeah. taking time to explain every little step in the process and if you were to try and explain the history of animation in 90 minutes you would fucking struggle because yeah. Japanese animation has been going on for you know, what close to half a century or yeah. more now maybe more I think earliest Japanese animes were 20s maybe before that yeah there's there's a lot of like really old shit and if you want to try and cover that and cover all the I mean there's apparently only tangential references to stuff like Studio Ghibli how do you make yeah, an how do anime you gloss over Studio Ghibli when they are probably one of the biggest powerhouses in anime how do you skip over so much because this was actually a documentary about Netflix anime, in which case you get an interview with uh, Adi Shankar, the guy who made Castlevania. Yeah, he's not an interesting interview. It's, it's a very weird interview. It's yeah, him. He, he's a very interesting individual, but at the same time, like it's it it feels like so much of an act. Like He feels yeah. like this is the way a director must be, a way that someone has to behave to be an eccentric yeah. with, uh, with Adi Shankar, it's more... He is so anti-establishment, but anti-establishment in the sense that he is anti the current standards of Hollywood. Yeah, that he is directly aggressive towards people, just to say that he doesn't like the current. He doesn't like the way things are going right now. Yeah, and that kind of that act is totally an act. You listen to him in certain things when he's when he's passionate about what he's talking about. When he's talking about himself, yeah. he's completely level-headed and normal. But when he's talking to He's doing an interview with Netflix. He's doing an interview about. He's doing an interview about his uh, Devil May Cry Netflix series. Mm-hmm. He just starts berating the the interviewer, saying that oh, all you Hollywood jabronis don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to do my version of Devil May Cry. And then uh, the interviewer says, "Oh, Devil May Cry, I loved Virgil." And he goes, "You loved Virgil? You're probably one of those idiots that thinks Thanos is a cool character. You like the <laughs> villains, and people are allowed to like villains." Yeah, it, it, it I mean, just... Marvel's kind of. Back, their backbone right now is likable villains. Yeah, you don't get Loki otherwise. Uh, but I mean, the Adi Shankar interview is just weird. It's very—you can tell he's trying very hard to seem weird. 
uh, and an interview that's you know basically paid promotion for anything he for does his. for the next like five years. Apparently, from what I've been told, his interview may as well have been him holding up a sign saying "Watch Castlevania." Yeah, because it was just him. That's her. Her entire intro to the documentary is her saying, "Please just watch Castlevania." The um, they get to interview a bunch of people that are from the industry, but again, they're all working on Netflix produced shows. Hmm. It's a very weird fake documentary to sit and watch and there's this weird thing that came across and you start to notice it and the more and more you notice it the more it becomes really kind of offensive okay and that she is freaked out by animation she's very surprised that this happens and that what seems like a children's cartoon features graphic violence mostly through the castlevania clips that they show maybe it's maybe that was all licensing thing like maybe it's very hard to show like let's just show the last how much would it cost you to show the uh, the transformation of uh, Tetsuo at the end of Akira. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would cost you fucking cash money yeah. to show. But if you want to show something that's shocking and violent, I'd pick that over anything that happens in yeah. Castlevania any day. If you want to say, here's something weird that happens, watch this boy transform into a giant, like, stadium-sized yeah, fucking monster. lose control of his new psychic, weird techno-organic powers and watch yeah. him just break free. Watch him kind of melt into a stone chair. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, rip the chair apart. Like, it's so... That is such a weird idea that if you want to show here's how shocking anime can be, I pick that any day of the week. So maybe it was just a licensing thing. Maybe it's cheaper than to just show the the physical graphic violence of yeah. Castlevania, and it's also more approachable. It's understandable to see yeah. that, but then also be surprised that it's happening in a what looks like a cartoon. Mm. Um, but there's this whole thing where she says she keeps talking about the fact that how can this come from the culture of Japan? And yeah. you realise she's stuck in a like a, a 1980s, very straight upper, like upper waist businessman yeah. view of Japan. From what I've heard from uh, people on Twitter, because when you, you mentioned it to me a while back, what's yeah. it called? Enter the anime? Uh, I think I entered the anime. Enter yeah. the anime. I, look, I looked it up on Twitter because Twitter seems to just be, if I want to find out how it rates If you want the is, hot take, yeah. yeah. If you want the hot take, the, the immediate take, go on Twitter. So I went on Twitter and I just hit enter the anime and it was just people saying, uh, the fact that this woman is calling Japanese culture primal, she's calling it savage, and in their approach to certain things is very, very ori- orientalist, which is a new word I learned. Yeah, I mean, I had to Google it. <laughs> but but the thing is, I, I learned that word being used in this terms, and uh, first of all, what you're talking about isn't, uh, it, it is very, the idea of, like, it's basically racism against people from the Orient, which is how Britain I've used heard. to refer to Asia. Which it used to be, oh, that it's from the Orient, which means it's east of India. Um, and this was weird because... I've heard Oriental, Orientalists being in a more positive light. It's people who uh, indulge and uh, consume products and content and shit from Asia. Oh. From, from the Orient. I've heard it being a more positive I've never light. heard of it like that. I've always heard it because I heard of it from uh, a bunch of history channels we're talking about. Uh, like Japan as a superpower like as a as a political and military force took a lot of people by surprise once uh, after the whole reformations and uh, once japan kind of opened its borders like in the early 1900s mm-hmm. uh, just before the the build up to world war uh, 1 mm-hmm. they basically went absolutely i mean it's like late 1800s uh, when america starts getting involved like telling japanese hey you want to trade with america we're the hot new thing in town okay. uh, when you get to that the the orientalist view is always to do with like grouping Asians together, not understanding that Asia is as complex a place or more so than oh, Europe right, right. So or Africa. Like orientalist is essentially essentially taking shit at face value. They're it's just, it's thinking of Oriental cultures as being a monolith, right? 
in a one way where it's like it's everything's the same or everything's it's always it's always looking down on it as well because during uh the build-up to world war uh one there was actually a war between japan and russia hmm. and all the like european powers were like japan can't do fucking nothing against russia russians a european superpower japanese they're asian they can't do shit that was the genuine line of thinking at the time so when japan kicks the shit out of russia's navy and then takes russian land it scares europe like it makes everyone sit up and take notice that's orientalism that's the idea that you know the asian people are less than white people it's a very kind of it's very racist but in a weird way this is this kind of weird modern orientalism where everyone's looking at japan and saying it's a monolith very straight-laced culture there would be no deviation. I'm, right. At the same time, I'll get to go. You know they make anime and baby metal, right? Yeah. There's yeah. obviously like some subcultures going on. Yeah, there. it's a highly, it's a very, very reductive way of looking at. Because if you just think, oh, this is this is all they are, that, that's very pigeonholing and very damaging to a whole kind of cultural perspective. It's very surprising that that like the fact that she keeps coming back to this idea that all of Japan's very straight laced and very well behaved and so rooted in tradition and Japan does have those factors but it's a part of a broader culture that includes yeah, I mean, hundreds of millions of people that's like assuming that all scots are just fucking savages i mean no we, we're not like that we do, invented do, some pretty pivotal shit we're inventors we're people who champion free education for how'd younger you like people that train fucker yeah how'd you like trains how'd you like telephones yep, how'd you internet. like television we made the internet fucker how'd you like penicillin you know we, yeah. we get shit done you know we're busy we're there's there's culture uh there's like traits and stereotypes yeah. and there's the actual culture and yeah. i think for some reason netflix allowed this thing to go out saying yeah we're very surprised that japan's different than what we thought it was but in a very reductive way and i have no idea what yeah. the plot or the idea is behind that i think it's just to give her an excuse to go in there and be surprised that every time someone gives an interview that uh doesn't make sense like it's not what she was expecting mm. and at the same time it's it's weirdly kind of disrespectful and it's one of the few times i've heard people complain about stuff being uh not pc and agreed with the people who are complaining about stuff not being pc which is a hell of a big uh, yeah. achievement for netflix to manage to pull that one off it sounds like netflix just tried to do something that explains or that shows off their own anime side of things yeah but they've just went a bit too far with it and said yeah you do whatever you want and then then it's it's so it's just not worked out in any way shape or form for them I genuinely say when I, when I say I made it 20 minutes into this and I feel like I accomplished something, I mean it. It's hard to watch. It's harsh. The tone of it is all horrifically wrong. It's it's a bad... I mean, I'm really worried that someone is going to see this and think that's what anime really is. Yeah. There was one thing, though... Uh, wait, I keep forgetting the guy's name. Um, it is the, it's the director for something called Cannon Busters. It's coming up. And it's the yeah. guy who made Boondocks, or The Boondocks. Oh, uh, Armagruda. No. Uh, give me two seconds trying to find the name of this. Um, and it's... But it's... He's a, he's a black uh, animator who is... He's, he's so ridiculously, like, talented. You Like, when you look I at what he's done... I Armagruda. Uh, give me two seconds. If it's the guy that made the Boondocks, the kind of anime... Thing. I don't think it's the guy who made it. It's, like, one of the directors. Oh, it's one of the directors. Uh, there... Why can I not find anything on new Twitter? <laughs> God fucking damn it. Uh, oh, look at all those dead there. Oh, we can't both be on our phones. 
I think uh, got it. What I what I seen on the anime was just a lot of people bashing it, and from from what you're saying, it sounds like it's well deserved. The interview, Lashawn Thomas. Lashawn Thomas. Lashawn Thomas was the director for not only uh, was directing episodes of uh, the Boondocks, hmm. but also uh, he was given the keys to just make the Black Dynamite or animated series. All right. Do you know what Black Dynamite is? I 100 know what Black Dynamite is. It's, it is responsible for one of my favorite fucking lines of all time yeah it's a bit when he's talking to the, the he's talking to two women inside the house and uh somebody appears behind him and says because black dynamite's going to make everything all right and he goes god damn it euphoria i didn't even turn around and notice you <laughs> the fact that he was given the keys to the castle on that one yeah should tell you everything you need to know he has he's got serious industry cred he's making a lot of stuff for adult swim um he made a cora uh, which is like when the avatar last airbender spin-offs uh, that was oh. very well received. Again, well, he made Legend Decor. Yeah, all right. He's, he's, he's got he, some credits. Then the guy has serious credibility, and they interview him, and they ask him nothing important, and they just like, yeah. So who are you? And he's like, well, I just got real interest in animation. I had no idea how big. Like this guy should have been the big deal of the 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 entire interview. Like yeah. the fact that you can get somebody of that caliber and uh, do an interview for your, your Netflix thing because he's working on something for Netflix as well. Yeah, he's doing. Uh, uh, Cannon Busters looks interesting. I seen some of the, the like footage from it in this in, in this documentary. I was interested. Like, yeah. I, if you want to make, you watch it. if you want to make this year in Netflix, uh, twenty nineteen anime, we're gonna go through and interview some people making stuff. We're gonna interview the guy from Backy and stuff. Go for that. Make that, but make it that way. Don't say this is this is the documentary on how to enter anime because it's garbage. Yeah, I'm worried somebody might have watched that and thought this is anime. This is this is as good as it gets. I'm like. There's so much, so much in this wide world of animated classics. Like, there are modern classics being made every day. And uh, next week, I'm actually going to look into some of the, the, the up-and-comers that are coming out this season um, that are definite, like, modern classics in the making. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about those next week because there's some great anime that I've started watching this, this week uh, when I've been off. And we have got some shit to discuss. Um, Fire Force... I don't know if you heard of that one. Never heard of it, dude. I thought it was an anime about firefighters. And I was like, that sounds cool. I'll give that a watch. Nope. They're fighting demons. They're fighting demons. Turns out when you... Uh, spontaneous human combust in this world. Like, you know, when people randomly just burst into flames. Yeah. Uh, that is actually a demon working inside your body that's getting out. So basically, these guys show up as kind of like uh, a cleanup team. So mm-hmm. the, the special fire service. They show up in an armored vehicle, <laughs> kick the fuck out of a demon... And then run away again. We're here at the special fire service. We kill fire demons. It's it's, it's fucking hilarious. And the, the uh, at one point, the, there's a weird kind of sense of humour to this whole thing, which should be really dark. It should feel like Helsing, but mm. with firefighters. But it, it's way more like tongue-in-cheek than that, because at one point they get a call to get a cat out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, wait, We know is, you're fighting demons, but they're like cats in a tree. They're like, this is total bullshit. We're so much paperwork. Dude. Why do I have to go and deal with a cat? And the girl's like, look, sometimes we get phone calls. People think we're normal firemen, but we're really secret fire service. So we can't really turn these people down because they did technically call us and they are in need. And it's good PR. Just go and do the fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like someone took the script for Ghostbusters and the script for an anime and just fused them. Yeah, it's it's very similar to that. But um, they, they've spent the last two episodes dealing with this weird overarching plot that there's um, different fire stations throughout a city and they, uh, they're they in the 8th station, which is a newer one, but it's been designed to investigate the other fire stations. If there's anything shifty going on, because they suspect that there's torn allegiances between different corporations and people who mm. help fund the projects and stuff and people are trying to research this for evil needs. 
and uh, we just got to the point where yes people are trying to research this for uh, evil deeds and it's really fucking good the animation quality is phenomenal and uh, there's that and i want to watch uh, demon slayer because okay. every time a new episode of that drops twitter fucking loses its shit uh, episode 19 actually ended up trending on like global twitter jesus like on the top 10 list because people were freaking out so much at the animation and the quality of the gifts and stuff that come out of it is absurd so mm. as soon as i can i'm going to go and binge as much of that as humanly possible so next week i'll probably dish out some pretty good anime uh for people to watch because there's a lot of big hits coming through and we're not even at, uh i mean i was talking about attack and titan finishing that means uh we can't be that far away from next season my hero academia so i'm gonna be gushing all over that <laughs> when that happens been away all over that again it's, it's still i always feel like i have nothing to say when you talk about anime because i'm just like i'd watch dragon ball broly again <laughs> <laughs> i actually get to watch that with my brothers uh, we did a movie day and uh, they came over and we sat and watched Broly and they fucking lost it with the uh, when Paragus gets shot. <laughs> oh, my favorite, my favorite. Broly, name. your father, he's been killed by a stray laser beam. <laughs> my favorite. Have you seen the uh, the the meme of someone uh, Eric Andre shooting someone? Yes. And the next one is just why would someone do that? <laughs> my favorite thing is uh, Paragus. Then uh, Eric Andre with Freezer's face shoots him in the bottom panel. She's why would Goku do this? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, and we had so we had a good laugh at it. Um, we just we watched uh, Ghost Stories as well, which is a, a it's a weird British horror film with Martin Freeman in it. Yeah, Mar- uh, Martin Freeman and uh, what is it? There's a guy that I recognise in it, but only from the zombie film or the zombie series Dead Set from Channel Four. Yep, we noticed he him gets as well. Ripped in half in the in the movie. Or yeah. in Dead City gets ripped in half. Yeah. But we, he's the dickheaded producer of the show. Yeah, we, we, Michael caught him. He was like, oh my, because he just finished watching Dead Set like a couple of months ago. He goes, oh, so good. I recognise that guy from the Who the fuck? <gasps> and immediately get that kind of a reaction of, oh shit, I do remember who that That's is. That's who that guy is. But we, we did that and we watched the, the Broly movie together. And I like we've watched all three of the, the, mm. the post-Z movies together. And it's, it's been an absolute blast sharing that with um, our brothers. Because they, they had no interest in anime. I've showed them like bits and pieces we watched Helsing together. That was fun. Yeah. Because uh, that's that's such a weird, gory ride, and it's so funny. Like, it's it's campy, so it's <laughs> it's worth watching with people. Um, So you get to share that with people, and it's it's a lot of fun. So I like sharing. That's why I do, like, anime reviews on the podcast. It's because mm. it's like, I want to share this with you, or I want to let people know there's something great sitting right there, and it's just because no one really talks about it. If, if you get the chance to share it with someone, like, I feel you should. Yeah, you can owe it to yourself to put that out there. And the more good press anime gets, the better. Because yeah. I still think, especially in Scotland, there's this overhang that anime is just for weirdos and yeah. freaks and stuff. Uh, as reductive as that may be, because I know... There are like, plenty of functioning yeah, anime addicts I know there. lawyers and shit that are <laughs> uh, into anime. Yeah. It's just, it's not something, it's not as counterculture as it used to be. Because a lot of people, especially back when we were growing up, you, sleep, it was, you watch anime or oh, you're weird you, you watch weird Japanese stuff it's a question of access now because yeah. we, we, that was the issue we could never get a hand on if we found a Dragon Ball DVD somewhere it was a fucking miracle yeah that would that would be something that you would go on MSN and say dude I found four seasons of Dragon Ball for a pound <laughs> it is now we can get access now there are streaming platforms supported yeah. by Warner Brothers and by Sony that are global or almost globally available. I do know people in uh, Europe who have serious issues trying to get a hand on some of the anime because yeah. distribution rights for anime is fucked in the West. It's yeah. getting better, but it's it's was so hardly it was so badly fractalized to like different degrees 
you could struggle to get your hands on it and now there's more discussion about it like the the anime community on youtube is brilliant there's a lot of people who go deep yeah. on a lot of big different like subjects topics and they make great videos explaining things and just chatting about anime in a way that it it's definitely evolved a lot over the last 10 years compared to when we were in high school when it would just be the thing the weirdos in the corner did. yeah it was always those those freaks that are oh, they're talking about cartoons and yeah. stabbing people and what have you i've had people say i kind of want to get into anime and you're like oh it's uh that's, dangerous that's a pandora's box right yeah, you're gonna open up a, a whirlwind of fucking nonsense yeah it's always something cause it's happened to me a couple of times friends friends have said i want to get into watching more anime who do i talk to and i always go not me <laughs> dude i watch three anime that is it <laughs> i found my three i'm good <laughs> i watch a bit of gundam a bit of dragon ball and occasionally i'll delve into akira yeah but I, well not akira berserk like, yeah that's that, those are my big three apart from that i don't really go into the anime sphere much anymore i mean if this was back in the day i'd be all about the anime but, but there's only so many hours in the day yeah there's only so many hours in the day which is why i if I if I was to get back in anime, I probably would get back in heavily because I remember yeah. watching about four or five different shows a week back in back in the day yeah. when Bleach was still coming out. I'd I'd watch that. I'd watch. Um, but was, yeah, to, to get I was desperately trying to keep up with Naruto, and I was yeah. I, eventually after about twenty episodes, you know what? Fuck this! This is awful. I take the time. I, I wondered how I fit in my anime time, and I, I realized I give up. Uh, almost all of the television i give up real- i don't watch reality tv because it's crap yeah i don't cause... watch sports because it's boring to me i just i can watch a highlight reel and get yeah. all the information that i need because i'm not that passionate about it i can do all that and that's the time i replace with anime hmm. that's my that's how i fit in and I, even then i'm still playing catch up on decades of fucking shows that are apparently essential i found for me that the the space that was taken by cw television yeah. Like the Flash, Arrow, Supergirl. I just gave up on those. That's what I get. I gave up Supernatural. That's what <laughs> you gave up Supernatural. Now you have those things. There it goes. That explains yeah. where all the time went. Yeah. yeah. I've now I've now kind of got this vacuum of time where I just think, what can I do with this? So I either spend it watching far too much YouTube, more YouTube than you should, or I w- I'll go on Netflix and just think, what is this? I'll watch that. And then nine times out of ten, I'll usually land on something decent. But that, ten, that tenth time, you're just kind of what the fuck is this? Why am I watching some crappy knockoff anime? <laughs> what was it? It was some anime that was trying to be a big horror anime, but it was literally just tits with swords. That is half of anime. Yeah. <laughs> you've you've not really cut it down. High School DxD or whatever it is. High School DxD is a fantastic work of art that you will fucking cherish or be banished from this universe. Uh, is, that isn't really horror. I'm, I'm really worried you're about to shit talk High School of the Dead because if you do that, I'm a fucking walk out this room. <laughs> I will kick myself at my own house, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Just grab your own collar out. <laughs> <laughs> I will no longer be seated in this room with you. Um, no, I, I, I'm trying to think. Horror with sword. Oh, I'll get back to you in that one. But if it's um, if it's worth watching, I really want to like bang the drum for it to say, look, it's there. Especially if it's something on Netflix because yeah. it's it's so easy to say. Like It's weird that I've got to say, no, 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 go sign up for this free trial for a, a place called Crunchyroll and then watch the show there. Yeah. It's totally worth get it. Get your free 14 days? 14 day trial. Yeah. Uh, or like Funimation. used to get a month. I, I don't want to tell someone to sign up for another service, especially if they're going to forget about it and end up being charged for it. But if it's something that's on Netflix and look, there's a great show, it's on here, it's it's worth watching. Um, it, it's I want to bang the drum for it to make it more accessible to people. Yeah. 
but the showstopper actually remotely related to uh, what we're talking about with the, the anime community okay one of my favourite voices out there is a guy called Super Eye Patch Wolf I think we've talked about him in the podcast yeah we've talked about it before I've watched some of his stuff trying to break down things but I can't off the top of my head I can't remember what they, he, what he, they d- were. he goes very deep into he's very good at being honest about how things make him feel mm-hmm. which is a big draw for him over a lot of other people and he has done a lot of weird uh, episodes he does he's done some really good stuff on wrestling Mm-hmm. Like fully acknowledging wrestling is fake, yeah. But here's why it's still good to watch. Yeah. He talks about wrestling in general. He he has a half an hour uh, thing about the Undertaker, and it is phenomenal. It is a mini documentary on the Undertaker, and it's it's the journey he can take you on by just narrating what's happening over long periods of time. And he has uh, he turned his attention to the Simpsons. He did this about yep. eighteen months ago, and he did it. Uh, the f- uh, the rise and fall of the Simpsons, and he goes through. We're talking about like early Simpsons being yeah. the heyday, and he, he goes and through comedian proper top name comedians. Yeah. Comedians, I think comedians are gender neutral term. Yeah, uh, close the, enough. The term comedian just confuses people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, top name comedians like Tracy Ullman, Conan O'Brien, Dana Gould. I think even I don't. I think Chris Rock might have written a couple episodes of The Simpsons. If I remember That'd right. be a really weird credit, but I'm somehow willing to believe the, it. Some random comedian that just he, he's credited with writing a couple of episodes of the Simpsons. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you get big name comedians like that, so that, that'd be when they. Well, it's the more to do with uh, like the writing, like the fact that the original writers room just fades away because it's it's tw- we're season twenty eight. Thirty three has been like they've said we're we're good to go for season thirty two. In which I'd say, no, we're fucking not. No, <laughs> stop. Uh, so you should have stopped at season 18, but uh, the the original Rise of All the Simpsons episode is great. It's a very good document. It's actually how I got introduced to him because it, it popped up as being like trending or whatever because yeah. uh, it was a really good Just breakdown. Just on the subject of trending, I'm, you get stuff like that, stuff that you might be interested in. Recently, my YouTube has taken to giving me uh, how to make Korean milk bread. <laughs> <laughs> how to make your own... Uh, Tatty scones, which I have done several times. Yeah, because we buy these really nice potatoes. But anyway, the um the the his breakdown of the Simpsons and how it, it changes and how it fades, how it twists and how it's become a shadow of itself and how characters should work but aren't being used the right way anymore mm. is it's a great way of understanding writing long term for a show and how it falls apart over time and how things change and how they get corrupted basically. Um, but he came back to the Simpsons to do an episode about how the simpsons is being treated now in 20 uh or 2019 mm-hmm. with meme culture and it's the weirdest documentary he's made and it's all about uh weird offshoots of the simpsons and where people who were fans of the original show people like our age yeah have taken it and said i need to i need to make simpsons content i need to do something to express myself through the medium of the simpsons using memes and it's so interesting to see what he dug up he found uh, a, an instagram page called uh, scenic simpsons we will take screenshots of uh, like simpsons like settings and backgrounds and post that and it's like a weird art form that's all this background art that was in the simpsons that has this weird quality to it now that it's and it only works now because it's simpsons like if you just took drawings from 20 years ago and put them on, it wouldn't work yeah but because you're taking stills from springfield you know that location and he talks about the impact of it and knowing what this scene is like some people might memorize this to the point where they know oh that shot's in this episode and it's related to this and it might have all these tangential feelings and attachments 
and he goes on about that. He finds a weird, like, there's a, a Simpsons page that takes, like, badly timed, like, screenshots, like, with people being all fucked up and weird faces and stuff. Yeah, the twitchier. And uh, he then goes into, but it gets deeper. And he finds like psychedelic Simpsons moments, and it's not just the one where like Homer's high shit on peyote, hmm. and he's out like visiting his animals, but like weird uh, moments that happen in Simpsons that don't make sense. Like if ever anyone hallucinates or has a weird nightmare and stuff, and uh, all these weird uh, surreal Instagram accounts. But then he started going deeper and deeper and deeper, way too far into the, the rabbit hole. And it's funny that you mentioned Akira, because he he found a project called Bark Kira, Bark Kira, where hundreds of artists have redrawn all 2,000 pages of Akira's uh, original manga with with the Simpsons characters. Wow. It is fucking nuts. Uh, it just You should definitely check out Super Rai Patch Wolf, but this, uh, the Simpsons series where he's done the original Fall of the Simpsons and then, like, what Springfield is now. Um, and he basically says there's, there was a split. And there's the corporate Simpsons now, which exists on Fox, which is uh, part of, like, the, the all the video games, all the officially licensed projects that the the simpsons is now mm. that aren't the simpsons anymore like the simpsons from back in the day would never have stood for the simpsons now yeah but if you take the original fans behind the original simpsons and let them run amok with all the shit that they've got all the content that's been made from the original simpsons and just let them run free and see what they do that isn't in and of itself is a new form of the simpsons it's the meme version of the simpsons it's fantastic. It's a great half hour that you could spend just watching someone talk through all this weird shit you don't know uh, that's happening in the Simpsons kind of community, the wider kind of uh, grouping of fans of the Simpsons. So I definitely recommend that. It's, it's a showstopper. It's a recommendation because this will change your mind on the Simpsons. It's phenomenal. Yeah, right. Well, change your mind and thinking maybe New Simpsons is worth watching or is it just go and see oh, no, what other people are doing with do Simpsons? That. Go see what the people are doing with the Simpsons yeah. because what's happening with the Simpsons as a brand is just, it's dying in a ditch but no one wants to put it out of its misery because right. it still makes money. Yeah, that, I think that's that's probably the best way to summarise it because I've never seen anything limp on for as long as I have The Simpsons. Yeah. The Simpsons is, you said 32 seasons? Uh, season 32 has been greenlit. Yeah, I, I don't get what it is because I think they've been getting diminishing returns for a while now. Because I th- yeah. when I the last time I watched The Simpsons, it was when they were doing esports. That was a recent episode. I did see that that was there was an esports episode of The Simpsons, and I said I was going to watch it, but then just didn't. Yeah, I, I had to watch it. I just needed to know, yeah. and I I thought, is this the current level of The Simpsons? Because The Simpsons back in the day, when we were watching it on Sky One at fucking seven o'clock on a every every day, uh, seven it was o'clock, six, six o'clock. Uh, no, it was seven o'clock because we used to watch the news while we were having dinner, and then we'd watch Simpsons at seven yeah, o'clock. And it was it, was it always a new episode, or was it new episodes Thursday at seven? New episodes was Sunday for me, because we would leave like we'd leave my grandparents after seeing them, and Sunday afternoon, come back dinner Simpsons. Hmm. Might have been that. Might have been that. I can't really remember, but you'd always get new episodes every week. But it was always on, and it was always that thing. Especially in my house, it was just oh, everybody likes the Simpsons. Yeah, because I still. I had the massive clear out of my room. The amount of Simpsons t-shirts and stuff that I was bought. Yeah. Uh, comic books. I didn't even know they fucking made Simpsons comic books, even though it started off as a comic book. Yeah. I'd recommend, I mean, especially... It's baked into the zeitgeist. Yeah. To, to under, I'd recommend watching both because they pair quite well and that you would... It's good to understand the true depth of the Simpsons. Yeah. To understand how popular it was because that's something he goes into is that yeah. Do the Bartman was a song. Yeah, that people could buy. You could buy it as a single and it was charting. It was yeah. up there 
on the list as being the most popular song in America for a long time. Bart Mania is not just a buzzword. Bart Mania happened. Yeah. People fucking love Bart Simpson because he was. Some people face. might not know that it happened. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people that are watching The Simpsons now probably won't remember. Yeah. The Bart Man. You got to remember at one point, Simpsons was edgy. Yeah. And it's and a, Bart Simpson was someone you actually liked because he would do the eat your shorts was something you would uh, eat my shorts was something you'd never hear. Yeah. Because you'd watch all the other cartoons, especially growing up in Scotland and Britain. Yeah. Kids TV was always very. What are we going to learn today? Then you yeah. watch The Simpsons. You're like, that's his teacher. He can't talk to his teacher like that. Yeah. I'm going to do that at school tomorrow. But this is this is the exact things that Super High Patch Wolf goes through, and I'd yeah. recommend everyone to watch these and just to see how much The Simpsons has changed, and then how much people have in kind of disdain for how much Simpsons changed. Yeah. See if you taking up on themselves. If you're sick and tired, if you don't want to watch New Simpsons, watch the watch the documentaries that Colin was talking about. Then just watch Futurama. <laughs> Because Futurama is just the infinitely better product, better voice acted. Mark Groening actually has active influence, or had active influence on Futurama. Yeah. Because he could at the time. Simpsons was just so automated at that point. Yeah. The writers had it, animation. Mark Groening just kind of signed his name to it. Whereas mm. Futurama is just, now nah, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Nixon, I fucking hate that guy. He's going to be the prison. <laughs> That's the only reason he's in it. It's worth a laugh. It's, 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 uh, it is weird to see. Uh, like a staple of comedy that we all kind of clung to as kids being kind of torn apart now yeah i think i mean for my money is you your mileage may vary but i think the simpsons should end or should have ended say season 30 if not it should end soon i'd end it at 15 but yeah yeah i mean i think when i stopped watching i was running about season 20 yeah and that was when i thought you know what it's still not bad i still think i have seasons that Simpson seasons kicking around the room somewhere. There's a couple of episodes here and there. You'd give it a go. And yeah. It's still it's still worth watching from time to time. Yeah. But it's just not old Simpsons. No, it's not old Simpsons. It's not old, very quotable Simpsons. And I don't think we're ever going to get that again. And I think that's why Simpsons needs to stop. Yeah. I can't imagine it's making that much money for Fox. So it must be giving them diminishing returns. Nah. If they've got it down a certain way of uh, production, if the costs are low enough, the yeah, return on investment is all they care about. Yeah. Uh, it can't be getting ratings wise it must not be doing too great though or, or certain people it's still up at a couple million yeah, it's it weird must be, it must be that kind of thing where look the Big Bang Theory got millions of views that's all yeah, I'm going to say that was Kelly Coker's rack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those days they're going to show it they're going to show it I know yeah. they're going to show it then you're just going to go right fuck it Bernadette they'll show us her rack no nothing she's just going to be Harley Quinn no, she's more timid than anyone okay great motherfucker great thanks great for no I've just wasted my time I don't get why people like the Big Bang Theory we're not doing this no <laughs> I don't get it but yeah I think I can't imagine that ratings wise I can't imagine that Simpsons is giving them much but to hear that they're still in the millions that baffles me because yeah but it must be that thing where people just go oh the kids are getting kind of up at fuck it we'll put the Simpsons on so everyone loves the Simpsons or it's just a routine maybe it's yeah, just I think it's just a routine I think we broke out free from that Simpsons at 7 o'clock after your dinner. Yeah. Or, I mean, for us it was Dragon Ball Z at 5, dinner at 6. Your parents would watch the news, then it would be back to the Simpsons. That was, that was genuinely why uh, I got a cable box in my room quite quickly because my mom and dad were just thinking, we're not fucking doing this. Yeah. Let them watch the weird Japanese cartoons upstairs. <laughs> and that's when, I think that contributed to the fact that I never went to bed before. 12 o'clock for quite a while because it was just uh, CNX which was Cartoon Network Extra that showed all the good stuff yeah like all the Jackie Chan movies that wasn't odd to watch yeah <laughs> it's awesome but yeah Simpsons go watch the documentaries Super Eye Patch Wolf Super Eye Patch Wolf uh, what are the titles on uh, The Rise and Fall of the Simpsons 
and the newest it's literally his newest episode is just i think it's uh simpsons like memes or something like that yeah. it's uh it's a weird it's, it's the most recent one that's coming out after that she it's just came out about a week ago and it's uh it does not have enough views frankly yeah, it so. needs to boost those views good youtube content needs to be praised not uh hidden yeah not to, not hoarded hidden it needs to be praised not hoarded yeah so uh if you think that we should have ended 14 seasons ago and uh, we need to be rewritten or scrapped yeah. uh, please feel free to contact us at uh at jibberfish on twitter or if you'd like to email the podcast uh, jibberfishpodcast at gmail.co.uk uk. Uh, i've been Congram. i've been dom anderson and we've been talking jibberfish <laughs>